Doors love me two times. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Dreff and Friends show. I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus. This is being recorded from a very secret location on January 24th, 2017, 8.13 p.m., being recorded live. So if you're hearing this in the archives, it was recorded live and not edited one bit. You're hearing the real thing as it was broadcast live. And if you are listening live, that's even better. Tonight, I have an unfortunate, albeit temporary, announcement that our expected co-host, Cal Watt, who has been dutifully here just about every week for the past few months and done a great job here on Poker Fraud Alert, he will not be here tonight because he is sick with a sore throat. So the Cal Watt fans are going to be disappointed we don't have him. 
Uh, he texted me. He said he has a sore throat. In fact, he was thinking what radio was Wednesday, so he thought he may have a day to recover, which if we had radio on Wednesday, then there's a good chance he would have been okay because sore throats tend to last like a day usually. But it's probably better he's not on this week because I've done the show with a sore throat before. And what's happened is I aggravated the sore throat from all the talking, and it, it, it extended and did not get better for a while. So after that happened, like twice to me on this show, I said, you know, if I have a sore throat, I'm just not doing the show. But I don't have a sore throat this week. I'm healthy this week. Calwat is the one who's sick. But we do have a co-host this week who I believe does not have a sore throat. I'm going to try to put him on here. If we get him on, great. Otherwise, we will... Keep calling him until we reach him. By the way, I know we had a sound problem last week. So I'm going to need the chat room's help to tell me if, when we get a co-host on here, we're having trouble right now. But uh, when we do reach, oh, here we are. Uh, Trader Ruski, hello. How you doing? Okay, so I'm going to try to adjust your sound with the chat room's help. We're going to produce the show during the show because everyone complained last week, and rightfully so, that the sound level's in this secret location were terrible and that I was very soft and that Calwat and presumably you too were very loud. And this is just because unfortunately the portable headset I have, which worked like a charm on my other computer on this computer using the same external sound card just does not come through very loud. And I cannot boost it any farther without any kind of uh, hardware to do so which is what I have. The usual location I broadcast from, we have no sound issues because I, I can turn myself as loud as I want. On this, I'm cranked all the way up, and it's still probably not quite loud enough, though I, I think it's probably a little better than last week. I was able to make a few adjustments from last week, but the key here, at the very least, is for us to be the same level. So if I'm going to be soft, then you need to be soft, soft too. So um, go ahead, uh, Trader Ruski. Uh, tell us uh, what you're doing this evening, and then I'll have the chat room tell us if we're the same level. This evening, I'm just uh, just chilling, taking care of some work, and uh, that's about it. So you do work at home, like at night? You you take care of work? You don't leave it uh, for the daytime? Yeah, now it's a busy week, so got to work when there's work. Okay, so I want the chat room to tell me. Does he sound softer than me, louder than me, or about the same? Because I, I can change him. I say, I'm seeing same. I think I think I just guessed at it right. I just I took a guess on how far to lower your level, and I think I got it right. So I think we'll be better this week. Now, I know that Handicap Me, who donates to our free roll, is a very nice guy. I, I know Handicap Me complained last week that he he was walking through noisy Manhattan and could not hear the show because I was too soft to hear. That, there's nothing I can do about because I'm, I'm as loud as I can be. So all I can do is make the co-host also soft. So this way, for those of you that can turn it up loud enough on whatever device you're listening to, you don't have one host blowing out your ear and the other one you can barely hear, which is the situation at least during the second half of the show last week. And I went and listened to part of the show myself and noticed that, yes, that was happening. So... I apologize to anyone who had to deal with those uh, frustrating sound levels. Fortunately, during the interview with Mark Klang, the sound levels weren't that bad. It, it was like the second half of the show, we had a lot of sound level issues. And it's funny because 2 Plus 2, we, we had some idiots on 2 Plus 2 bashing this show last week who had heard it for the first time. 
But the funny thing is none of them bash the sound levels. <laughs> so maybe maybe they all tuned out after the Mark Lang interview. So anyway, I, I think we're okay. So we will get going. Now, I want to tell you guys about the free roll we have this week. We We barely made it. We barely made it to... Fifty dollars this week. Last week we had one hundred twelve dollars, thanks to C Money primarily. But uh, we have only fifty dollars to give away this week, and it was collected from six different people. Floppy Nuts, who's a frequent listener but doesn't really post on the forum, he gave eleven dollars. Crow Diddley gave five dollars. Short Bus Poker gave seven dollars. Flipper Fair gave five dollars. Limp Donk Bingo gave eight dollars, and Handicap Me gave fourteen dollars. To round it out to $50 total The prizes are as follows First place is $25 Second place is $12 Third place is $8 Fourth place is $5 You can find this tournament on the No Fraud Online Poker Room Which is near the top of the screen It's a little tab near the top of the screen You need a separate account to play on there And you also need to be familiar with the rules To qualify for the free money Go to PokerFraudAlert.com slash FreeRoll, all lowercase. PokerFraudAlert.com slash FreeRoll. And FreeRoll is all one word. Everything's lowercase. PokerFraudAlert.com slash FreeRoll to understand the rules for qualifying for the free money. If you don't follow the rules, then you will not win the money. It is real cash money, though. I will send it to you by bank transfer, by Bitcoin, by cash, by check, and even other methods that you can ask me about if uh, there's other ways you'd like to receive it. And it's real money. You know, it's not some crappy money you're going to get on some poker room, which is going to be difficult to cash out. This is money you're going to get cash in your pocket. It's really, I don't know if any other show has something like this. I'm not aware of any other poker podcast or radio show that actually has a a cash tournament you can enter for free where the, the person running the show sends you cash afterwards. I think, I mean, it's not a lot of money every week. Some weeks more than others, but it's something. You know, we every week, and this is thanks to the listeners of this show who are so generous to donate to this. I rarely donate, though I've done it a few times in the last few months, but I rarely donate. And I appreciate everybody who donates money every week so we can have this. So it starts at 8.40 p.m. It's no limit hold'em. 25 minutes of late registration. So you have 20 minutes before it starts and another 25 minutes of late registration. If you want to call the show... The phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. We also have the Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line is an old 70s rotary telephone, which sits on top of Mount Charleston and forwards to me wherever I go. Mount Charleston is a mountain near Las Vegas. There's snow right now where the Mount Charleston line is. That number is 702-430-1808-702. 430-1808, the Mount Charleston line. And that's a separate line into the show. Now, if you call and you don't get an answer, that just means we're busy. We're not taking calls at the moment. Just try back in about 15 or 20 minutes, and you'll probably get through. And you can also text me during the show, or before the show, or after the show, anytime you want. Anytime you want, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, you can feel free to text me at 775-372-8355. Yes, it's the main phone number to the show. 775-372-8355 is the number to the show and the text number to the show. And I will respond to you. You can ask anyone that's texted me. I respond to 
pretty much each and every text I get. And I will read them on the air unless you ask me not to. Someone just texted, your voice can put me to sleep tonight. I, I never know if that's a compliment or not. They, they tell me it's not an insult, but I don't know. Your voice can put me to sleep tonight. Okay, so let's see. Oh, the call to listen line, I can't forget that. The call to listen line is a phone number you can call to listen to the show either live or when we're not live, you can listen to a random rerun that the computer picks that just runs as if it's live. And then when it's over, it picks another one and runs over and over like that in random fashion, just picks random shows to run until we go back live on the air. The good thing about the call to listen line is that it does not require a smartphone. It does not require a computer. It does not require the Internet. It does not require a data plan. All you need is a phone that can dial. That's all you need. Any phone in the world that can dial, you can listen to the show using the call to listen line. That number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. Keep in mind, this is not a way to reach the show. I'm not going to be able to take calls from you on that number, but you can listen to the show using that number, and it will not cost you even one byte of data. And if you're driving somewhere that you have kind of poor reception, not good enough to listen to a data stream that would be broadcasting on the Internet, the call-to-listen line is perfect because that needs very little reception to work. So you have one bar, you can still listen to the call-to-listen line and hear the show live. Uh, let's see. I know I'm missing something here for the intro. Before uh, we'll, get, we'll get to the agenda in a second. Uh, I, I, no, you know what I think? I, oh, the chat room. I knew I was forgetting that. The chat room. You go in the chat room during the live show. You can talk with the other people listening live. I check it occasionally. The chat room also helps me sometimes when I ask them a question, like about the audio. Uh, Ballhawknet says. Druff doesn't have to pry open the Jew wallet, referring to this week, the $50 that I was able to scratch up from six different people. Uh, Danny Deadwood asking, what happened to the Canadian co-host? Well, we've had a few. We had, I I assume he's referring to Daredevil, but we had Team MLK, who's also from Canada, and he was on uh, two weeks ago, and he did a good job. But I know Daredevil was a popular co-host, and he did a great job here. Uh, Daredevil, he had some some personal things going on, and, and you know, not, I'm not saying this to make an excuse. I'm not saying Daredevil had personal things when in reality we hate each other. And, and as you guys heard, after he left the show, he actually came back in May to do like a um, a guest hosting with me, which he obviously would not have done if we had a falling out. So uh, he just had some personal things going on and decided to uh, focus on other things. I don't even think he's really involved in anything having to do with poker at the moment. So. Uh, maybe he'll come back one day. He's always welcome to come back. He he was a a great co-host, and uh, that, that's probably who you're referring to. Let's see. No, he's. I guess that is who he was asking about. He said, "Thanks for the update." That was Danny Deadwood asking that in the chat. So here is the agenda for this week. Last week we had a two-hour interview. I, I, I don't know if it's two hours. It, it was a long interview, probably an hour and a half, with Mark Klang, who claimed he was scammed out of $500,000 by John Raisner, who made second place at the World Series main event in 2010. 
and uh, four others all got together and scammed him for 500k in a home blackjack game. There's an update, a major update to the Mark Klang story. Uh, we almost had Mark Klang coming back this week to give the update, but he can't for a variety of reasons. He might come on next week, but in the meantime, I will give the update and give you my commentary on it. Of course, Trader Ruski will give his commentary on it as well. I'll be interested to hear what he thinks of it. Well, you guys may remember the Durr Challenge. The Durr Challenge was where Durr, Durr basically was... Uh, Challenging anyone to step up to the plate and play him heads up for a certain number of hands at a certain limit. And uh, the requirement is they'd have to play out this number of hands. You can't just get up, you know, you can't get up after like a thousand hands and say, okay, I'm I'm doing really well, Dura. I'm afraid you're going to win it back. Goodbye. Like the, the agreement is you have to complete the hands here. And they played some, they be meaning Dura and. Daniel Cates, Jungle Man, and Jungle Man was killing him. And then Durr stopped and has not played in like, what, like four years or something. So there's been a lot of criticism of Durr that he stepped away from this just to avoid finishing it and avoid paying what he owes from it. But Daniel Cates is claiming that perhaps it will continue in 2017. So we will talk about that. Dan Bilzerian played on America's Card Room, on somebody else's account, by the way, and his style surprised some people. Danny Bilzerian claiming to be a massive winner in private home games. Of tens of millions of dollars. Maybe $50 million lifetime he claims he's won in poker. So we finally got to see him play. How did he play? We will discuss that. And I'm even going to play a clip of Doug Polk talking about the hands he was watching Dan Bilzerian play. So we'll comment on the commentary, too. There's a poker player named Chad Power, and there was an article in the Washington Post about him and his play at Maryland Live and how successful he's been. The, the article has caused a lot of backlash and controversy on 2 Plus 2, so we'll talk about what's going on there. The Las Vegas Raiders are likely to become... or not likely. They are going to become reality. The, the, there are, the Oakland Raiders is going to be no more. The Las Vegas Raiders will be the new team. So a lot of movement in the NFL. First the Rams moved, then the Chargers, and now the Raiders. It has been announced by the team. New York State might legalize state-level online poker. New York State is the second most populous state behind California. That would be pretty big if that were to happen. We'll talk about that. I usually don't talk about when a state says it's going to legalize online poker because it usually goes nowhere or it drags on and it wastes time to even talk about it. And it's kind of a boring subject to talk about. But when a major state like New York, the second biggest state in the U.S., says that they may legalize online poker, I think that is worth some discussion. A general topic, there will be two I do at the beginning and two at the end. At, at the beginning, we're going to talk about how Poker Fraud Alert was recently victimized by Russian hackers. And unlike Donald Trump, I can positively say that the hackers were Russian. I really was doing battle with Russian hackers this week. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, 
Also, I'm going to give you an update on Brandon's show. Brandon really does have the intention to do a radio show on Poker Fraud Alert. It may happen at the end of January, maybe beginning of February, but it is going to happen. And I'll give you a bit of an update on that. Other general topics, we'll talk about the Women's March that took place, the massive march around the world, mostly around the U.S., that uh, was basically meant to protest Donald Trump. Uh, Net neutrality, something that was passed in, I believe, 2015, and the FCC uh, considered uh, the Internet a utility, and net neutrality was passed. I was one of the few who said that I was anti-net neutrality. Well, there's someone else who's anti-net neutrality, and that is the new head of the FCC. So, we will see what happens. I will discuss why the net neutrality may be going away, and I will tell you why I think that's a good thing. Finally, an editorial. I looked at the standings today in the NBA, and I saw that uh, the Denver Nuggets are playing 419 basketball, which means they've won 41.9% of their games. And if everything stayed the same from now till the end of the season, and the season's more than half over, then they would make the playoffs, despite being a less than a 42% winner, which is disgraceful. So I'm going to give an editorial that I feel losing sports teams should never be in the postseason. So that is our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Good night. No, we'll, we'll start the show now. It feels like I've done the whole show, actually, to be honest. Calwatt is in the chat. He said, sick, so can't co-host but listening in. And then Ballhawknet said, drink a six-pack of Pepsi. That works for Druff. Well, it might. I'm, I'm actually drinking a Coke right now. Listen. See? That's a Coke. I usually drink water during the show. It's funny. I I rarely bring soda to this show. Usually I bring like three bottles of water. This time I brought one soda and some bottles of water. I have a feeling our ratings are not as good this week. I just ha- we had a record ratings last week, and let's see here. Oh uh, yeah, boy, our ratings suck. Boy, this is like a tale of two weeks. Last week we had our all-time record live ratings. This week we have probably some of the worst ratings I've seen for a show that has began at a reasonable hour. We've had worse ratings like beginning at 2 in the morning, but we've actually had some shows starting after midnight that had better ratings than this show. Wow. I wonder if people are turned off by what happened last week with the sound. Well, with that said, let's get going. Hopefully we'll pick up some stragglers along the way. Now we just picked up a few people. See, you complain and it gets better. It's kind of like sometimes at, at tournaments I'll, I'll just complain that uh, I'm not getting any hands. And right when I say that, I get aces. The reason I do that, by the way, the reason I, I openly complain at tournaments, in case you're wondering, is because I don't like having an image that's too tight. I actually, like... I don't want to be seen as too loose, but I don't want to be seen as too tight. Like I, I, the, the problem with being seen as too tight is you don't get action. Okay, so I, if I'm going fold, 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 because I'm going through a rough stretch of uh, lousy hands pre-flop, 
then I don't want when I finally get uh, a hand that everyone folds out to me. I mean, it depends. If it, if it's a time it's good to steal blinds, then I'm I'm happy to have the tight image because then it's great. But earlier in the tournament, I I don't want the tight image because then no one gives me action. So that's when I'll say something about it. Though later in the tournament, as I said, if you can steal blinds and antes, then it's good that people fold to you. So let us get going here. Trade risk, you still with us? I'm here. Okay, so. So, I had to deal with Russian hackers. I had to deal with Russian hackers this week. On January 13th, there was a spam attack that occurred from Poker Fraud Alert. Not to Poker Fraud Alert, but from Poker Fraud Alert, where I got notification that spam was coming from this server. And I said, oh, crap. Not this again. So... I found that there were a number of PHP files, which are are basically uh, scripts that can be accessed from the web, that were on my server that I didn't put there, that were sending out the spam. So I removed the PHP files, and I, I cleaned everything up, but the one thing I didn't do because I was busy, and I figured I'll get to it later, was track down how this happened. I thought that just clearing out the malicious files would frustrate the spammers enough. you, you got to understand that these hackers are not targeting me or Poker Fraud Alert specifically. They're just using Poker Fraud Alert to get done what they're looking to get done, in this case, spam people. So they have a lot of different servers that they have hacked that they're doing this to. So I figured, yeah, they lose one. In Poker Fraud Alert, they're not going to put a lot of effort to come right back. So I figured just cleaning out the PHP files, which shouldn't be there, and and clearing out uh, the send mail queue so it wasn't sending out any more spam, I figured that was enough for now, and then I'll figure out what the cause of this was later. Well, that was not a good decision. Because on the 23rd, just yesterday, we had another attack. And I knew it was a bad sign when I went on to Poker Fraud Alert and it was very, very slow. Reading the forum was very slow. Usually Poker Fraud Alert is, is pretty fast. Like you, you click a link to read something and it, it doesn't sit there for a few seconds. It just loads you know, very, very quickly. And that's important to me. I, I don't like having a sluggish site. It's very tilting using a sluggish site where you're trying to navigate it and every time you click, wait, 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 click, wait, wait, wait. I don't like that. I, I want a fast site. So when I saw it was sluggish, knowing what had just happened on the 13th, I'm like, oh, crap, this has got to be it's got to be happening again. And they must be spamming so hard that it must be bogging down the server. So I, I had to drop everything and I was busy last night, but I had to drop everything. And I, I, you know, I'm in a secret location. It's not the best place to be investigating hackings, but I bit the bullet. And I spent several hours looking into it. And uh, first of all, I found that the IP was Russia. The the IP that was responsible for this was actually Russian. So I I like to say Russian hackers a lot, but I, I just say that as a generic term for hackers. A lot of times it's not from Russia. 
But this time it really was Russian hackers. So it was from Russia. And I found that a lot of the same stuff that was there on the 13th was right back on my server again. So obviously just removing it again was not going to was not going to help. Now, I'm glad we don't have Calwatt on the show for this segment because Calwatt has been giving me a very hard time. Calwatt has been insisting that as long as I run an older version of vBulletin, which is our forum software, that I modified myself, and that's the reason I don't upgrade it, because if I upgraded it, it clobbers what I modified myself. And he said that uh, because I'm running an older version, this is vulnerable, and that this is going to keep getting hacked, and that I have to just bite the bullet, stop modifying the, the core version of vBulletin, and... Uh, Upgrade to the newest version So this doesn't happen I was like, you know, that's such a pain in the ass That is such a pain in the ass It's going to take so much time, so much work And there's third party tools running on here Like the chat room and other things They also could be vulnerable And then I'll have to either, you know, just deal with that hole Or replace them Like, And then of course vBulletin The new version is not necessarily secure There's always exploits that are found in this form software So I don't even know if a newer version Will necessarily Make the hacking situation Much better So He kept telling me I had to do it And that I had to just go through the hassle now And I'll be happy about it later I kept trying to look for a band-aid fix I, I, I wanted a fix that will End this problem And I'll accept that maybe we'll have problems down the line But Anyway, at least I can say I'm proud that it turned out that I'm not 100% sure, but I think there's a pretty good chance that the hacking was not done through vBulletin. So me having an old version of vBulletin didn't really matter. Furthermore, I don't believe, though again I'm not sure, that anyone's passwords or accounts were compromised. Like I, They could have perhaps done it, but that does not seem to be what their motivation was. Now, 2 plus 2 had their database stolen, including the passwords, but that's a much bigger site. This site is not big enough, I I think, for hackers to want to bother stealing this data. I could be wrong, but it seems like they they had a a one-track purpose in hacking this site, and that was to spam from it. So I did a a long investigation about this And I found A little bit disturbing I found that Poker Fraud Alert Was attacked back In the middle of 2014 And that they had put a back door Into Poker Fraud Alert back then And that we've had this back door open now For almost three years So yeah they put what's known as a web shell on Poker Fraud Alert, which it's exactly what it sounds like. Through a web page, they can uh, basically make it like they're logging in to the server. They don't have what's known as root access doing this, but they, they still have plenty of access. They can, access, they can uh, look at a lot of files, especially ones related to the website, download them, manipulate them, upload things, and that, that's what they did. So, this was put on Poker Fraud Alert, I believe, in May of 2014. And I even found it back then. 
and thought I removed it, but I didn't search exhaustively enough to make sure that it was actually gone. I, I did kind of a cursory search, but I, I didn't do what I should have back in May of 2014 to make sure that no other versions of that web shell were still on the server. So all this time it's been there. And I verified this by going back to old backups I had, and sure enough, it's there. So it's been here. But for whatever reason, other than like a few little attacks here and there, um, they haven't really done anything all the way up until January 13th. And for whatever reason, after like two and a half years, they decided to start doing it again with that same back door that either either the original person who put this back door in is back and doing this here, or they they sold the information to other spammers or hackers, or traded the information, and it, you know, it's someone who got it from the one who did it. But there's no way for this to have been found by a third party without someone giving it to them. So it's interesting this happened all these years later. But this time I decided I'm I'm going to really make sure this is wiped off. So I I spent a long time making sure I wiped everything off. From this attack So the Russians are gone At least for now I've defeated the Russians I've won the battle, not the war, but I've won the battle Against the Russians Uh, I've of course blocked the IP Of the Russian who did this, but that's Pretty useless (laughs) But he was still trying to like repeatedly connect to the site So Even if uh, I figured he'd come back Under a different IP, I still had to ban him I banned the IP And much more importantly, I removed all traces of this. So there's no backdoor anymore in Poker Fraud Alert. So, uh, again, if you have a password on here that you use anywhere else, you probably want to change it just in case. I'm talking about the password on anything else you may use. And Poker Fraud Alert. Like, let's say you had the password... uh, uh, Sun123 Okay, If you're using Sun123 On Wells Fargo and Bank of America I would suggest you go and change that right now Because I, I can't guarantee That that wasn't seen by the hackers But I've also seen no evidence that the hackers Have gone into any accounts here Downloaded the database or anything like that So That is the situation Now CalWatt says Bots don't get frustrated Well I, I know that but um, the, the bots can't get in at the moment At least at the moment I By the way, for those of you in the chat room You'll be glad to know that the Web shell The back door into Poker Fraud Alert Was hidden in the chat room I don't know if This was some sort of Exploit through the chat software Which is third party software Or if Whoever compromised Poker Fraud Alert three years ago Just hid it in the chat room There's no way for me to tell So we'll see We'll see how long we remain safe You know, this is what I get I mocked 2 plus 2 For being a victim of hackers And then what happens? I'm a victim of hackers And this seems to be going around Uh, There's a guy who Listens to this show that I talk to sometimes That he told me he's been Targeted by Russians in the past week uh, Pokerati Remember Pokerati Dan From uh, that other show He said his site was hacked I don't know if by Russians But uh, 
there was malware put on his site this week. So for some reason, January 2017 is the the month of the Russians. Maybe they're they're hacking us to celebrate Donald Trump's victory. I don't know. But that is what happened. So the Brandon show, before we get on to the main topics, the Brandon show. Um, Brandon is going to do his own show on Poker Fraud Alert. It's just a matter of getting it set up on a, from a technical standpoint. Brandon's not a technical person. You know, he, he can be taught to do things. He's not like a technical idiot, but he's not he's not a programmer. He's not even someone who is particularly good with computers. And he'll admit this. I'm not you know, making fun of him or bashing him. He's, this just is not something that he is uh, really good at or, or has ever shown a lot of interest in. So Brandon, in order to do this show... You know, he has to. It has to be set up on his end, and he needs a little help setting it up, and all that. So uh, he was away at the PCA for a while, and and I've been busy for some time here. But I'm going to talk to him very, very soon, and we're going to try to get this thing set up. I'll try to get guide him to set this up, and what, once he has it up and running, I think you can expect a show from him very soon after that. Not sure what the show will be called. It will be broadcasting from Poker Fraud Alert server. I will announce it on this show when we have a schedule for that. And who knows, maybe it'll be like a weekly thing. Maybe there'll be two weeks, or two shows to listen to a week. And Trader Ruski, uh, uh, I heard you may participate in that show too? Absolutely. Huh. If I'm invited, I'm there. I bet you will be. So Trader Ruski could be... Uh, yeah, very busy here with all these shows. Yeah, it could be overtime. <laughs> Are you going to fall asleep on that show, too? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I got time and a half, though, he said, from this show. Okay. <laughs> so. All right, so let's get into the main topics here. Uh, last week, we had Mark Klang on here. Mark Klang is a degenerate who just is a crazy gambler. And he was playing in a home blackjack game. And the reason he was in a home blackjack game instead of in a casino is because he had such a gambling problem that he actually self-excluded in the casinos in Florida where he lives. And self-exclusion means that you're telling the casino that they can't let you in. So if you come there to gamble, they'll say, no, 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 you said you're excluded and we're not going to let you play. And and the reason they have that is by law, a lot of states require it. This way, when a problem gambler has a clearer head, he can self-exclude. And then when he's getting the gambling jones, when he doesn't have a very clear head, then he's it's basically protecting him from himself. So Mark Klang actually did this, but then he really wanted to play blackjack. So in a poker game he was playing, uh, he knew various regulars in the game, including John Raisner, who was runner-up in the main event in 2010. So he played some home blackjack games, uh, most of which were at John John Raisner's house. The first one was at someone else's house. But there were five people involved in the story who were owning a piece of the action of the, the, quote, house in this situation, where Mark Klang was playing for himself and playing against the house 
which was backed by Reisner and these four other guys. And what happened was that they were shocked that despite Reisner, despite Klang being high on drugs and, and drunk and barely being able to stand, he got so lucky that he won... One million dollars. Well, half of that. He won half a million dollars over a few-day period of playing this. And... They made some mistakes over there by they made they let him bet too much. They just assumed that between the house edge and blackjack and the fact that he was so drunk and high that there was no way that if he played enough that he would be a winner. That eventually, even if he got lucky at the beginning, he'd lose it back. So they let him keep playing, and they let him keep playing at high limits, figuring that's the only way to get the money back, and that if you, know, you let the guy play long enough, he's going to hang himself. Well, he didn't hang himself. Eventually, he got up 500 k and then they realized that they couldn't go any further. They, they were so far in the hole, they had to stop. But then what do they do? They've got to come up with 500 k together to pay this guy. So according to Mark Klang's story, and he came on this show and two others last week, they just refused to pay him. And they told him that he was cheating. And they were not specific about how he was cheating. And in fact, their sto- that what little t- they told him didn't make any sense as far as the story that he was cheating. And one really weird thing, see, this happened in October, so it's been going on a while. We just hadn't heard about it until this past week. So what was really telling about the situation was that uh, Lyman, you know, who runs another poker radio show, he somehow got involved in this and helped negotiate for 43k of the 500 owed being paid to Mark Klang. And I said, "Wait a minute. Why are they paying you anything? If their if their argument is that they don't owe you cuz you were cheating, why would they pay you anything? Why would they pay you 43k? Giving you 43k is pretty much an admission that they really do owe you the money." And then they don't think you were cheating, and that was just a story. Because if they really believed you were cheating, they wouldn't have paid you a dime. There's no such thing as, oh, we think you're cheating, we're, we're going to pay you partially for that reason. It's, no, it, it's either you were cheating, we're not paying you, or you were not cheating, and we are paying you. Those should be the only two options. So, most people believed the story. Most people believed that Mark Klang, and, he, and Mark Klang had a bit of a past, he had scammed for relatively small amounts, but he'd scammed for some like four-figure type amounts in the past, I think in 2009, 10, and 11. So, like, he's not someone with that clean of a history. He's not like a, a known long-term scumbag, but he didn't have the cleanest history. But despite that, his story was so detailed, so specific, and most telling is that the people he was accusing did not respond, even though they were very, very aware of the story and all the publicity it was getting, which was really, really suspicious regarding those he was accusing. Because you think if he was making this all up and blaming them for something they didn't do, they'd be the first to come out there and say this is false. None of them came out and denied it, which really, really made it look like that indeed Mark Lang was telling the truth. So, the villains in this story are... Paul Dulozima, who's also known as Zima 421. Now, Zima 421, he 
he's kind of like me in one way. I, I, I hate to compare myself to him after what he's done here, but uh, he, he was on 2 Plus 2 always calling out and bashing the scammers and scumbags of poker. So I do that all the time on this show and, and on the forum. So people are very surprised that Zima, of all people, would be involved in this. It'd be, almost be like you guys hearing that I was involved in something like this, which I'm sure would shock a lot of people. So uh, Zima421, Paul uh, Dlogo Zima, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, it's D-L-U-G-O-Z-I-M-A, John Raisner, as I already mentioned, Justin Zaki, Z-A-K-I, Philip Cavind, K-H-A-V-I-N, and a guy named Anthony who goes by the name Starfish, and he didn't have uh, Anthony's full name. Anyway, not going to tell the whole story here. Uh, we did that last week. If you want to hear the whole story from uh, Mark Klang himself, just go listen to last week's episode. But there's an update. There's an update to the story, which I think uh, is going to surprise some of you who heard the situation last week. And by the way, uh, another important detail was that uh, Raisner supposedly called up Mark Klang's work and got him fired during this whole uh, argument they had over you know, during the fall and, and early winter. So not only was Raisner not paying him, but Raisner supposedly got him fired. Well, this was tweeted out on January 22nd. By Mark Klang, remember, who came out here and came to 2 Plus 2 and came to other radio shows and trashed Raisner, Zaki, and, and the other three involved for stealing 500 k from him and stalling him for months and eventually just telling him, hey, you cheated, we're not paying you. So he was telling the world what scumbags they all were. So this is the statement that was released on January 22nd, just two days ago. Both John Raisner and Justin Zaki have fulfilled all of their obligations and have resolved all items in full. There is a miscommunication from the beginning and a disconnect from them and the group. <laughs> uh, let me stop right there before I finish. Well, you know, I'll, I'll read the whole thing, then we'll uh, dissect this. As soon as it was brought to their attention, the situation was resolved promptly and in a business-like manner. (laughs) Come on. These guys have been above board the entire time and came to me right away to resolve this. (laughs) I appreciate all they've done and truly hope that we can still call each other friends. I will continue to post in the other thread, referring to 2 plus 2, regarding the members still left with significant balances, but to make things easier, this thread is related to John and Justin. I think he meant this statement. So, let's dissect, let's dissect this. This is crazy. After everything he said last week, all the bad and terrible things he said about Raisner and about Zaki and the other three, and I believed what he said. Like I, I, I'm not saying that this is casting doubt upon what he said. I believe what he said. So, this happened in October. So, there was a miscommunication in the beginning and a disconnect from them and the group. What? What miscommunication? He played blackjack. He won 500k. 
and he didn't get paid. There's, there's no communication involved. They either pay you or they don't pay you. And he says, as soon as it was brought to their attention, the situation was resolved promptly and in a businesslike manner. Promptly? This happened in October. Imagine if you win 500K playing an illegal blackjack game in October, and then they don't pay you, and then they accuse you of cheating and say they're not going to pay you. How is that promptly, and how is that a businesslike manner if you're having to complain about it on forums and radio shows in mid-January when this happened in October? I mean, we're talking about two months here. Sorry, three months here. Three months is promptly? Refusing to pay you is businesslike? These guys have been above board the entire time and came to me right away to resolve this? No. They tried to get out of paying him, according to his story, which I believe. I appreciate all all they have done and truly hope we can still be friends. Well... It doesn't take a genius to figure out what happened here. John Reisner and Justin Zaki uh, supposedly got fired from the Hard Rock. They were ambassadors of the Hard Rock in Florida. They supposedly got fired when this story went out. And I think they realized between the terrible publicity this is and all the opportunity this is going to cost them in the future for endorsements and other things like that in poker, plus the fact that they are going to be legally in some hot water. For example, if uh, Mark Klang went to the FBI or other law enforcement and claimed that uh, not only was he in a home blackjack game that's unlicensed and illegal, but he was cheated in such game, they may actually take an interest in that, especially for this, this large sum of money. It's not like going to the police and saying, hey, I played a home blackjack game, I won $80, they didn't pay me. This is $500,000, so that might be of interest to law enforcement. So I have a feeling Reisner and Zaki said, crap, we've got to do something about this. And by the way, Reisner made his Twitter private. He did not make any statements about this to the public. He was basically hiding from this, but he, he knew he couldn't hide forever. And I'm sure Zaki knew that too. So they probably decided, okay, Collectively, we own uh, about 40% of this debt. So, that's what it was said later, that uh, 200 k is what they collectively owed him. So they probably said, look, it's going to be painful, we're not going to like paying it, but we have to. If we don't pay this, it's going to be more than 200 k worth of pain. We've already experienced some, like the Hard Rock firing. So we've better just cough the money up. But... The damage is done to a large degree. Clang has already come out and and bashed them and made them look terrible, made them look like scammers and cheats and uh, all these awful things. So everyone thinks they're scumbags now. So they may say, why should we pay this guy? He's already damaged us so much that uh, paying him there'll still be the damage. Even if it's reported we paid, we still look like assholes who tried not to pay him until we were shamed into it by the poker media. So, they probably came up with this idea. And I say probably because I have no proof this is what happened. This is just my guess. But my guess is that Reisner and Zaki, when the heat got too much for them to handle, went to Clang and said, okay, okay, Clang, you win. We owe you 200 k 
collectively. The two of us will pay you 200 k if you come out and make a statement that this was just a big misunderstanding. That we were actually above board the entire time. We were never trying to cheat you. We were never trying to stiff you. We were never trying to welch on a bet that you won against us in blackjack. We, we were fine. Anything reported about us was false. You don't have to call yourself a liar, but come out and say we're good guys, that the whole thing was a misunderstanding, that they've been dealing professionally. And this way, people will trust us again. They'll just assume it's a non-story and that we paid you. So my guess is that Klang said, okay, well, 200K is 200K. Keep in mind, Klang was talking about how he really needed that money. He really, really needed this money. This is not someone who's like a, a multimillionaire. This is someone who basically gambles every penny he gets a hold of. So he really needed that, that money. So all he had to do is put out a statement like this, and he gets $200,000. And believe it or not, I, I understand it. You can be all high and mighty and say... Oh, I wouldn't have done that. I would have told them, no, I'm standing by my statement and you're going to pay me. Well, then they may not pay you. If you can get a sum like $200,000, which you desperately need, out of these guys in return for kind of retracting what you'd said about them. When I say kind of, I mean, he didn't come out and say, hey, I lied about these guys. He, he just basically said it's a misunderstanding. That's kind of a middle ground. So he's not calling himself a liar, but at the same time he's uh, invalidating what he the bad things he said about those two. So it's it would be very tough in his situation to say no to that deal. If someone stiffed me out of $200,000 and then I reported it to the internet and then they told me, look, I'll pay you, but you've got to take back what you said. I, I hate to say it, but I'd consider it because it's that much money. If, if it was $2,000, I'd say no. If it was $20,000, I'd say no. 200 is a lot of money. You have to have a ton of money to be able to throw away $200,000 on principle. And clearly, Mark Klang does not have a ton of money right now. So that's what I strongly believe happened. Uh, Trader Ruski, what is your feeling about all this? No, I agree with you. You know, I mean, who was who was the main person? I forgot all the players. It wasn't Racer who was the main one, right? No, the main one was a Zima guy, this uh, Paul right. uh, uh, Dula Zima. So to play devil's advocate, it could have been that Zima had everybody convinced that he cheated, and then they gave time, you know, and maybe they just assumed he was right once he heard them come on our show and the other shows. And maybe heard the whole side of his story, which they may never have heard. You know, then yeah. I'm sure they came to us and said, "Look, we'll pay. We want our names out of it. We'll pay you. We kind of get now that this guy's full of shit." And you know, so I don't know. Maybe it's not as yeah. I, 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 as that's say. possible. The only thing is, I have to imagine Clang knowing that you know. He wasn't dealing with like a monolith. He was dealing with five different human beings, all of whom owned, you know, owned different parts of it. 
Now, now Zima... Right, but it seemed like the one guy more was the main guy, and then people took pieces of him. Yeah, that, yes. Right? It, it seemed to be he was betting with, with Zima, and then people took pieces of, of Zima, basically, yeah. Right. So, they, so, you know, so really it could have been, you know, you could probably say it was between Mark and Zima, and then they were just going to give whatever piece ended up being owed at the end. But, they, you know, it's, it, it's, it's possible they may not have heard just the whole story the way he described it to us last week. Yeah, I, I just feel like, especially with the amount of money involved and the time that's passed, that he probably, you know, knowing that Zima was being a piece of crap about this, he had to have thought at some point, okay, let's see if I can reason with the other guys, uh, either to get them to change Zima's mind or to just bypass Zima and collect dir- directly from whoever, whatever piece they owed, and then whatever th- part Zima has, then, then, you know, I'll go after that later. But I have to imagine there was some attempt to strongly communicate with Reisner. And we can ask Clang when he appears. I think we'll have him on next week to follow this up. Uh, there's, there's reasons that he can't appear this week. So uh, um, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of info why he can't appear this week. He's, uh, he's currently negotiating with the remaining people. So he doesn't want to come on here. And bash the other people right now. Um, if if maybe by the end of this patent, this upcoming week, maybe the whole thing will be resolved, and that's totally understandable. He's not he's not obligated to come on this show or any other show and give us updates. So the person he should care about the most right now is himself and and the money he's owed. So and it is his right to do whatever he wants with this. If he wants to post a story like this and then take it back. And we have to read between the lines and see what probably really happened. And that's the way it is. I mean, the reason he posted this was either to get paid or to cause harm to the reputation of those who did this to him. And and rightfully so. Like, if if someone screws you in this way, you want the world to know about it. So, um, anyway, uh, I hope he can come on next week. And hopefully we'll have good news next week. That he got all 500k back, because this it was a it was a crappy story in that, you know, he was like the fish they thought they were taking advantage of, and they they even got him drunk and on drugs, and they they really thought they had a live one there, who was not only playing a negative EV game that usually only casinos can offer, but playing it at high stakes and playing when he wasn't uh, of a right state of mind. So they thought this was just easy money. They're going to take advantage of this uh, sick gambler here who also has uh, drinking and drug issues. And they then did it have a live one there. They, they, they did. Way. Right, right. They, they did have a live one, and the, the only thing they didn't really have was a, a deep enough bankroll to just, you know, to, uh, to deal with the fact that this could happen, that you could have the big edge and still lose. So that's what happened. And 500K... You know, to a casino, that they can eat it, especially a large casino, can eat a loss like 500K. Though I'll be honest, uh, even big casinos hate losing 500K. They that's uh, they really don't like that when that happens. Some casinos won't even touch limits like that because they don't want those type of swings, even playing at an advantage. But, but can you think of like five guys doing this? Uh, they they took a big risk thinking they had such a big edge that it was like free money to them. 
But the thing is, if you're going to take advantage of the big gambling fish here, and if, if you're going to do that, then if he gets lucky, you've got to pay. To try to take advantage of someone this way and then not pay them when they get really lucky and beat you is really, really despicable. I mean, you can argue, look, he wanted, you can argue, you know, had, it, had it all been paid at the time it was won, you could argue, well, look, it is an illegal, unlicensed casino. And yes, they were taking advantage of him knowing that he was uh, a big underdog in this whole thing, especially in the state of mind he was in. But he knew what he was doing. He's an adult. He knew he was doing the same way uh, someone who's a problem gambler knows what they're doing in a casino. So you could say that's not that bad. But what is bad is that if you're going to let someone do that, then you've got to pay them just as the casino would. You, you can't free roll the big mark. That's really bad. That's really scummy to do. So uh, I hope he gets paid. And that, that's the whole point of publicizing things like this. And I, w- I want to encourage all the listeners to this show that if there's somebody, especially somebody in poker or gambling, that has ripped you off and is stalling you, you know, right at the beginning I can understand trying to negotiate with them and not uh, running out and posting to the Internet and creating a huge altercation over it. But if any reasonable amount of time passes and they just won't pay you, and you got screwed in some way. The only way you're probably going to get a resolution is if you bring it public. In so many of these stories, the resolution only occurred once it was made public. And in the cases where resolution was not made, it did not occur after it was made public, it wouldn't have been made anyway. It was cl- clearly somebody who was either broke or a career scammer or someone who was just never going to make it right no matter what. I can't think of one case where someone came forward about someone who had ripped them off and didn't get paid because they came forward. I've seen some that weren't going to get paid either way, but I've never seen where coming forward has hurt someone. The only way maybe it could hurt is if you jump the gun and do it too quickly because sometimes there's some value in letting the person know you're going to come forward. And then when you say that, then they get worried and may pay you. If you come forward, then you've already kind of shot your load. But after enough time has passed and they're not paying you, that's what you've got to do. Then you've got to bring in the big guns and just blast it out on social media. And on shows like these and on forums. And word spreads pretty quickly, especially if it involves a name people care about, like John Raisner. But I think even without John Raisner, this would have been a fairly known story because of the amount of money involved. So... I'm glad he got about 40% of it back. Hopefully by the end of next week or uh, sometime soon, he will have the rest back. And uh, I can't imagine the reputation of any of these people is going to be very good when this is all over. I I think everyone's going to be dealing with all these guys with extreme caution. I know I wouldn't uh, trust any of these guys to handle any money of mine at this point. But uh, but but yes, it, it does help their reputation, though, that they make it right versus just digging their heels in and giving the guy nothing. If they can point to it and say, hey, I, look, I paid it off, then they start to get some benefit of the doubt. Well, maybe it was a misunderstanding. You know, maybe they thought he was cheating and they just hadn't fully accepted yet that he really won fairly. Like, 
you can start to make some excuses for the other side that to where it becomes less obvious that they're scumbags. But when they just won't pay at all and still haven't paid, then they're big scumbags. So so like right now, Raisner and Zaki look a hell of a lot better than the other three because they paid. So I hope he gets paid. I, I hope anybody who gets ripped off in any situation like this or any other situation involving gambling or poker where somebody gets screwed, I, I always like to see when it's made right for the victim. That is, is very nice to see, and I, and I hope that maybe his appearance on this show was some of it. I know this wasn't the only show he appeared on. I know that he started a big thread on 2 Plus 2, which has been very well read. So there's a lot of different factors, but it, but it all kind of comes together. It all comes together where John Raisner and Justin Zaki go, crap, he's everywhere. He's on 2 Plus 2. He's on three different radio shows. Like, this is not going to go away, guys. This is getting big, 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 big. We got to do something to stop this. And they, they did. They paid 200 k So it, it's a collective thing where if there's just an overwhelming amount of media surrounding the situation, if just wherever they look, there's talk about this, then that makes the perpetrators want to uh, make it right for the victim. So, uh, now as far as why he should forgive Raisner, who may have gotten him fired, again, uh, because he got 200 k out of Raisner and Zaki, that's why. So he can't get unfired, but if he gets 200 k in his pocket, then you're much more willing even to someone who got you fired to say something back. And he's getting, you know, Klein is getting a lot of hate on 2 plus 2. Because I think that on 2 plus 2, they like, they smell blood over there. Like, they they enjoy a story like this. They enjoy a story where there's a victim and a perpetrator and they get to you know, pop their popcorn and sit there and read the thread for the twists and turns and they don't like it when the villain, who seems to be a pretty clear villain, is kind of let off easy, saying, okay, well, he paid me now. Sorry, guys. You know, thanks for reading. But look, it's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. He got paid 40% of it. His obligation is not to entertain 2 plus 2. So... I don't think he deserves any hate for this, and I, I think all the people giving him hate on 2 plus 2, I, I don't think a single one of them who's been giving him a hard time would have said no in this situation if they were in his shoes. I don't think they would have said, no, keep your $200,000. I'm not taking this back. I, I bet not even one of them would have done that. So, that's where that stands right now. We will follow this as it continues. I bet there will be another update next week, but you never know. Jstat saying they should have offered six to five blackjack payouts to clean him out. (laughs) Yeah. I I think even Clang isn't that much of a degenerate. I think he probably wanted at least, like, some semi-standard rules. I think he probably wouldn't have done the six to five thing. By the way, apparently uh, Snowtrax is unhappy in the chat. Snowtrax is unhappy that uh, we didn't give him notice of the show. But I, I, I apologize for that. I did say last week, though, that we would 
probably be on Thursday. You know, there's still the archive snow tracks. You can go back and listen there. Uh, slow roll. Well, today's so, Tuesday, Drop. I never heard about Tuesday till you tweeted. I thought you thought today was Wednesday. No, 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 no. I, I said that uh, last week on the show. I mentioned that we. It's a good chance it'll be Tuesday because I may be uh, on a long drive on on Wednesday. But oh, got it. There, there's never a number of people angry. Apparently, uh, <clears throat> I am Greek. A little listener of the show said he's angry, and so is Flipper Fair. They're all they're all angry. They're missing the free roll. They missed the. Uh, everybody says they were given no notice. Everyone's mad. Everyone's mad. We've got a. I I, I think I would have been better off not doing the show. I think I should just. Uh, we could just pretend it never happened. You know, I can just turn it off and delete it. That'll solve the whole thing. Yeah, Danny Deadwood said I should give them their money back that they paid for the show. Well, anyway. Uh, I guess that explains why the ratings sucked because people didn't know it was on. That might explain it. But you know, there's always the archives. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, you can listen to the archives and every show's up there. We have it in iTunes, Google Play. I was told by Matt Glantz that there's a bug and that uh, Google Play didn't pick up the last show for some reason. So I, I got to look into that. Usually on Google Play. Stitcher, which also occasionally fails to pick up the show, but usually on Stitcher. And, and TuneIn, another app, they are very good at picking it up. TuneIn never screws up. They're the only one that never screws up. iTunes sometimes doesn't pick it up. Google Play sometimes doesn't pick it up. Uh, Stitcher doesn't pick it up. I, and I, there's no way for me to stop this because they are the ones who go pick it up. They send their bots to read my RSS feed and pick it up. I, I don't know why once in a while it fails for these, but but I know it's not my fault because TuneIn does it great every time. So TuneIn is an app that you can use to listen to the show also. And you can download the MP3 directly off the server. So let's go on here. The Dirt Challenge may continue after a long hiatus. A long hiatus. Uh, Now, Doug Polk, who's been trying very hard to become a a very relevant uh, poker social media figure. I mean, he's a pretty well-known player at this point because he's been very successful at high-stakes games. and uh, So he's already got a pretty good following, Doug Polk, but... He's trying, you know, he's got this podcast he does. The, the production value has been improved a lot. He, it's actually a video cast, but it's improved a lot because he has Seriously Serious working for him. And you can tell when you watch these videos that Doug Polk does that Seriously Serious is the one behind it. You can see his style in it. Because when Doug Polk first did his videos, he would stand in front of like horizontal blinds and it was really distracting. Like horizontal blinds with light shining in the background is very distracting and just kind of talked into the camera. And there's much improvement since then. So, Seriously Serious, who is being paid for this, has improved the quality of that show. But uh, Doug Polk has been really on the call-out Tom Dwan train. And and I don't blame him. I mean, he's he's right. Uh, Tom Dwan had the Dirt Challenge. I think he started this four years ago, five years ago, something like that. Where, where basically anybody could play him for a set number of hands. I forget how many. And uh, 
And I, I even forget the term. Do you remember the exact terms of the dirt challenge? Like, wasn't there something extra he gives you if you beat him? Wasn't that the challenge? I thought it was like an extra million, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, it doesn't. The yeah. numbers don't really matter at this point. It was like he was. It was basically you play him heads up for a set number of hands, and then if you f- finish ahead of him, he gives you some extra money. So it, it's it's saying not only my taking all comers heads up, but I'm so good that if you beat me, I'll give you extra. So. Jungle Man Daniel Cates, who's uh, another very good uh, No Limit player, uh, took him on. And then I, I think the last time they played was like 2013. So Daniel Cates got ahead by $1,251,059. And they still had over 30,000 hands to play. I'm not sure how many hands they played to get there, but they they had over 30,000 remaining before the challenge was over. Well, then Tom Dwan stopped and had just so many different excuses at the time as to why he was not uh, continuing to play. At one point, and I, I have to find out from Seriously Serious, maybe he'll tell me, he confided something to Seriously Serious, Tom Dwan, that there was a very specific reason why he wasn't continuing. It had to do with a broken obligation from Full Tilt that's very serious, or something like that. Now, my theory was that Full Tilt had agreed to take a piece of him. Tom Dwan was a sponsored pro on Full Tilt. And they may have agreed to take a piece of him, and then maybe after Black Friday, when they couldn't pay anybody, and it turned out they were broke... Maybe that is why he's claiming he stopped the challenge. But that's BS. I mean, even if they agreed to take a piece of him, he, if that happened, he should have been upfront about it, right, when that happened. So, look, you know, Full Tilt has a piece of me. I actually can't afford to continue playing. You know, they had such and such piece. Um, what are we going to do about this? But you know, He didn't even say this. That's, that's my guess of what he told Seriously Serious. But basically, he'd been making excuse after excuse after excuse why he could not continue or finish the Dura, the Dura Challenge. So, I, again, I think the last they played was in 2013. Let me see if the chat room knows anything more about this. It's been so long I'm forgetting. But um, Yeah, they, they, I'm not seeing anything in there about that. But Anyway, it was assumed that basically this is never happening. Tom Dwan has been kind of in hiding. Not about this necessarily, but he's just been very reclusive. And he's been seen in Macau sometimes, but it's been rumored that he's broke. Uh, There's a lot of different rumors about Tom Dwan's status. But one thing that has been constant is that he has not been playing the Dura Challenge, and he just abandoned this in the middle, down over $1.2 million. And it's not like he just gave the $1.2 million to to Daniel Case and said, look, we're not finishing this, here's the money, sorry I can't pay you the part above that. That'd be bad enough, but here he hasn't paid a dime. He's just down $1.2 million on paper, but it is not um, is not paying him anything. So Doug Polk posted on January fifteenth of this year, and he's posted things like this before. Just a casual reminder to everyone that the dirt challenge against Jungle Man was one of the most massive scams in poker history. 
No, I, I wouldn't say that. The massive scams in poker history, the biggest one is Full Tilt. The second biggest one was UB. Those are the massive, massive scams. Uh, this was a scam against one person, and I think it was not even a premeditated scam like the other ones were. I think this is Durr being a degenerate and then not obligating, uh, not, not honoring his obligations, which, which does qualify as a scam in some way, and de- definitely uh, uh, Jungle Man got screwed. So no, I'm not making excuses for Durr here, but... This isn't one of the ma- most massive scams in poker history, especially since it only has one victim. But still, I, I agree it's pretty bad, and I don't blame Polk for bringing this up. And bringing well, wasn't t- everybody complaining because they had side bets on it? Yes, like yes, that. there was that, that too. Has nothing to do with. Uh, I don't know. They could be held accountable for that. Yeah. It, it, so right, Durr wasn't taking the side bets, so. If people want to make side bets on it, yeah, it's annoying, but uh, he can't be responsible for that. But I, I can see why people are frustrated and why, they, why they're mad at him, but he's not responsible for it. But he is responsible, of course, for the figure with Kate's and also the uh, to finish the challenge or just to cough up the money on top of the money that he owes to Kate's for beating him. So... Um, Polk figured when he said that it would just kind of just remind everybody, keep the topic fresh in their minds, just just so people don't forget. There's so many stories about malfeasance and poker. It's easy to forget stuff like this. In fact, we're already forgetting the exact details. But the surprise came from Daniel Cates, who decided to respond to this. Remember, he's the victim here. Daniel Cates said, Tom and I have been talking about this and working on a resolution. We should get some hands this year. Now, some hands this year doesn't sound very promising. <laughs> like, what? Is it going to go from like 30,665 to 28,000? Like, some hands isn't going to mean much. It should be they finish it. I mean, the, the, it's not like it's the end of the year. It's January 24th. So, some hands this year. Well, this is actually said on uh, January 15th. I'm just reporting it now. But in mid January. You should get a lot more than some hands this year. You should be able to finish the 30,000 whatever hands. So, Polk said back, glad to hear that, but the length of time it's taking is beyond unreasonable, which is true. And Cates came back with, I agree, Tom is cooperating though, slash has had some problems. So, (laughs) has had some problems. So he's very understanding about this. We don't know why. Uh, and he's he's always kind of acted understanding. It's really weird. Like uh, when Daniel Cates was on Reddit and someone asked him about the status of the challenge, uh, he said back, Tom's dad is sick and he's in New Jersey with him. Later, we will discuss how to proceed. <laughs> I, I mean, Tom's even trotting out the sick dad excuse. <laughs> the sick relative. Oh, I'd love to finish the challenge or you're ahead of me $1.2 million and I'll owe you even more if you finish ahead of me. But uh, uh, my dad is sick. Sorry. We'll we'll deal with it later. Like, the sick relative excuse is is such an old and overplayed excuse for when someone doesn't want to do something. But somehow Daniel Cates, I, I don't know why he's so understanding about this. 
So that that's where it stands right now. And uh, uh, Flipper Fair is saying in chat that Paul Fua, remember who he was in trouble for the uh, running the World Cup sports betting ring out of his, a Caesar's Palace bungalow. Uh, ultimately got off for that, but uh, that Paul Fua, who's, who's been known to be a uh, an organized tri- an organized crime figure in Macau, that uh, Fua owns him. And you know, Tom Dwan and, and Fua do have some kind of relationship. So, they, you think you would think if Fua owns him, that he could just pay this off and finish the damn challenge. So, we will see. Flipper Fair is asking if I've seen the videos they put out. No, I haven't. I do remember that uh, Tom Dwan was involved. Something having to do with, with uh, Paul Fuo's bail, or, or, or I think I think he was released to Tom Dwan. I think when they released him to, like, uh, house arrest or something, they released him to Tom Dwan, which is really weird. <laughs> no, I thought him and Ivy pulled the money together to, to bail him out. They, they, they did, and then they, I think he was actually released to Tom Dwan's house or something. It was some really odd thing like that. They took away Fua's private jet, which he eventually got back, but they, they, they temporarily confiscated it. And then he was like, he wasn't in prison anymore. He was like uh, released to Tom Dwan's custody. It's some kind of weird story like that. Let me, let me try to look this up. It was such a weird thing that of all people, like of all things, he get this major figure they're alleging ran this like organized crime gambling ring is, is released to Dura's custody. Let's see this here. Let's see. Tom Dwan custody Paul Fua. Um, See, I know Cal Water Daredevil would probably have this answer. Yeah, they probably right away, would. But I don't have, you know. I don't have it either. I've got a few facts. I can't, I can't go that far. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm not seeing it here, but there is. Uh, I remember something like this that he was released to Tom Dwan. <laughs> Anyway, here, let's see. Uh, I, I just got this video posted to chat. Let's just play it. Catchy music. So do you agree that amateurs don't trap enough? Yeah. Oh, this is Paul Fua talking to Tom Dwan. This is, oh, wow, this is recorded on, uh, on January 3rd. I, I've never seen this. This is interesting. I, I figured this would be an old video. Actually, they would just bet, bet, bet that they have a strong head. So what do you think the spots are that they trap the most? Okay, before you get to... See, this is them having a conversation about poker. It's kind of weird. Um, they need Seriously Serious to help out here. Seriously Serious did such good work on, on improving Doug Polk's videos. The first thing you don't do in a YouTube video when you're trying to have people listen to you is play with chips. It's a 2-minute, 22-second video if you want to sit at the fake poker setup, fine, but don't don't shuffle chips. It's hard to listen to. Mature players, they trap the most with premium hands. Like AAKK, no, even preflop. Yes, you know, like, you know, you have played with a lot of uh, Chinese amateur players. They don't like to three bet with aces or kings. They're always like setting the big elaborate trap. Right? Yes, they want they to are. get it all at once instead of just. Yes, they don't mind traps. three or four person getting into the pot. They have a big head, but which is, I think, of course, it's wrong, right? 
This is so weird. This is published by PaulFuaPoker.com. Why is he doing this? I thought this guy's like a rich, organized crime figure. Why is he putting like training videos together? It's so weird. Amateur players overplay their medium hands, wet board, or quite a wet board sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for example, the flop uh, 7, 9, uh, 10, they have uh, 7, 9, you know. Someone bets, someone call, and they raise. I think amateur players trap not enough. Usually, mm-hmm. you had a good point about pre-flop, but one other spot is when they flop a full house or make a full house, mm-hmm. I think that's when all the amateur players say, oh, wait, 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 full house, I can't get beaten, time to trap. Unless they turn the nut flush. When they look at their hands, oh, I have the nuts. They did not take the time to analyze what does my opponent has. Because he has a, a, a two pair. I'm not even understanding what point they're trying to make here. I, I'm not even understanding. I don't know why they published this video. This is a new thing. This is done uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> it's such a weird thing that, like, this just conversation they're having about poker while shuffling chips about trapping. And I don't understand the point Tom Dwan was even making there. That an amateur player flops a full house and thinks, and they don't trap enough, they think I can't lose. What What does that mean, Trader Risky? Do you know what, Do you know what that means? I couldn't. I can't hear any of the sound effects. Oh, you can't hear the sound. Oh, God damn it! Well, you. I didn't want to whole, start a whole thing. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what he said. He said that he can't... Uh, amateur players, they they don't trap enough. They flop a full house. They think they can't be beat. What does that have to do with not trapping enough? Like, What, what is he saying they should be doing? Is he saying they, sh- they should be... Uh, um, is he saying that they, they play too slow and they don't get enough action? I don't know what he's trying to say here. A set. I don't know. Daily says it's the best. Bet you're not really right, so I'll go with that. Okay. Do you think people that are just starting out bluff too much or not enough? I think the majority of them uh, does not bluff enough. Like me earlier in my career. Yeah, you know? never bluffed. <laughs> <laughs> not, not ever out of twenty hands, nineteen hands. I had it. <laughs> but uh, yes, I along the way we learn how to mix it up a little bit because people. <laughs> Start folding to your river beds, you know. Yeah, like so, so you have to get value back by by bluffing them. And on the other hand, a small a small percentage of them bluff too much sometimes, <laughs> right, you know. Right, right. The one or two guys we know that you know this is just crazy. Every hand, just try to win every hand, whatever the bot is, you know. I have ten high, I have to bet. <laughs> <laughs> such a weird thing. It's such a weird thing. I this is such a weird thing. Well, thank you, Flipper Fair, for sending that. Paul Fua Poker. If you go on YouTube and search for Paul Fua Poker, you can probably see more of these. Hmm, maybe he does owe Tom Dwan. Maybe Tom Dwan is like his, his prisoner in a room with a poker table and some cheap chips. People in the comments on uh, the video are complaining already about uh, the chip shuffling. Okay. So, we'll see where that goes. Daly said I'd probably fucking kill myself before I'd listen to that for another half an hour. (laughs) Yeah, that's... It was a very long two minutes. (laughs) Larry Laffer saying that's his cover. 
Falfu out of he's he's really the dangerous organized crime figure, but here he's like this grandfatherly uh poker trainer. I I do not bluff enough when I first start playing. Then I, I mix it up more. I mix up for you. You learn from me. I you bluff more. You bluff on river more. There is lesson today. It's lesson. Very very good talk, Tom. Very good talk. Is the camera off? Get back in your shackles. Tie him up. Tie him up. No rice for you today. Bring him to the torture chamber. I do not like the chip shuffling in this video. <laughs> that I'd want to see. I, I would love to see like the off-camera stuff here. Just the camera keeps rolling. He doesn't realize it. See what really happens there. See where they really are. See if uh, Tom is being held prisoner. You win $200 million makeup. Bend over. <laughs> okay. Let's see what else we got here. I hope Paul Fua doesn't like put out a hit on me because I'm making fun of him. I gotta watch out. Paul Fua, I'm just joking. Don't don't send the triads after me. Just a joke. Alright, so uh let's see here. Dan Bilzerian, let, let's talk again about uh Doug Polk. I think I'm just gonna rip off of uh, Doug Polk's material Just uh, for this show It's a lot easier that way Than having to come up with my own stuff But uh, Doug Polk also has been commenting On The Dan Bilzerian play Dan Bilzerian um, yeah, he's this really rich guy from a rich family who showed up in the poker scene 10 years ago. In fact, I was one of the first people who saw him playing poker. It was in Lake Tahoe in 2007, in January 2007. I was playing in Harvey's in a 2-5 no limit game, and what was known as the suitcase guy showed up. They said there was a guy who carried around a suitcase of $100,000 and was looking for high-stakes games. I only had about 12000 with me, so I... I Number one, I didn't want to play No Limit with him. I didn't even know the guy. I didn't know if he's good or bad. And second, that wasn't really my game as far as cash was concerned. I wanted to play Limit, but he, he didn't want to do it. I even asked him if he wants to play something like 100, 200, 200, Limit. Heads up, he said no. But it turned out that was Dan Bilzerian. And we bumped the game up to 510 for him, but everyone was being very nitty, and Dan Bilzerian got mad and quit. So that was my introduction to Dan Bilzerian. And then later when he became... Uh, a social media legend. I said, "Hey, I know that guy. That was, that was the suitcase guy, and no one knew him back then." So anyway, Dan Bilzerian, he claims that he's made his fortune from playing poker professionally, but there not, are not really reports of Dan Bilzerian playing in live card rooms. You don't really see him very much in tournaments. So where is he making this money in poker? Well, he claims he's playing. In private games. And there are indeed some very lucrative private games where the only way you can get an invite is if you're a rich fish or if you're somebody who 
the rich fish want to play with, such as a celebrity or such as uh, just someone they like to have there. So you can't just show up and say, hey, I'm in the game now. They, they won't invite you. They won't even tell you where it is. So uh, Toby Maguire has made a lot of money in these games. He's invited because he's a celebrity, and he honed his skills at Bellagio before that. He used to play all the time at Bellagio. This is after he was famous, by the way. But then he realized he shouldn't waste his time further with the 1025 game at Bellagio if he can play these high-stakes games against these rich fish and, and clean them out because he's so much of a better player than they are. Now, Toby McGuire is not a top player in poker, but, he, but he's good enough to where he can beat fish very handily. He's probably the best player in those games, and he's won a lot of money. Probably he may have won the most playing cash in poker of anyone, Toby Maguire, which is kind of funny to think about just because he's invited to those games. He's won a lot of money in those games, and from all the money he made acting, he had a deep bankroll to start, which is also very helpful. Like, if I got invited to these games, I wouldn't be invited, but if I was invited, I'm sure I'd be better than most of the players or maybe all the players in the game, even in No Limit. But I'd be terrified to play the stakes because I I could lose my entire bankroll, my entire net worth in one night there. But Toby McGuire, who's got a lot more money than me, uh, you know, he can handle swings like that a lot better. So you have to have the bankroll and you have to have the invitation. So Dan Bilzerian's story is that he has the invitation, that he goes to these games and that he cleans up. I think he said on the Howard Stern show at one point that he's up $50 million in these home games. So, no one's ever known whether this is true or not. In fact, no one really had a handle on whether Dan Bilzerian's a good player or a bad player. It was kind of assumed that you know, he kind of knows what he's doing, but probably isn't a great player. But it was also assumed that if he did make a lot of money in poker, it's just because the competition he played was very poor, and that he was just lucky enough to be invited to those games and have the bankroll to play in them. And that the reason he had the bankroll to play in them, it is assumed, is that he got the money from his rich father. Now, here is Doug Polk explaining the situation with Dan Bilzerian and his rich father. What's up, guys? Doug Polk here. And today we're going to be discussing how good is Dan Bilzerian actually at poker? By the way, I, I was mentioning the production value. Seriously Serious, I, I assume it was him who did this, has these like fake posters in the background. One of them is like a... Harry Potter poster that's made into Ike Haxton saying Harry Haxton and there's there's some other oh, there's a, a another poster in the background of Phil Hellmuth eating a Carl's Jr. burger from that commercial so these are not really on the wall of Doug Polk in the room these are slapped up there presumably by Seriously Serious but still in this room there are still some blinds in the room I, for some reason Doug Polk cannot get away from a room with blinds there's always blinds wherever room he's in so there's this weird he has these weird horizontal blinds that are that look like a checkerboard. That are red and black square like a checkerboard. But that, at least it's on the side. This looks a lot better than it used to. So good job, Seriously Serious. But let's, let's go on here. But before we jump into that, I want to talk about Dan Bolzarian for a moment. For those of you who don't know who Dan is, you must not be on Instagram because he's known for posting pictures of him and girls and guns and money and all kinds of things. That Hey, guys. Hey. I'm over here. 
Anyway, Dan's known for posting all of these kinds of pictures across his social media platforms and has built quite the following for it. He also claims to have made all of his money from poker, yet his dad, who had a lot of money from corporate raiding in the 80s, went to jail and was forced to pay a something to the tune of 50 or $60 million fine, of which he ended up paying only a few million. So the money's missing and we just don't know where it went. Dan, however, sticks to the story he made all of his money from poker. And- yeah, so that's basically the story. So the suspicion has always been it really came from his dad, who's hiding the money in some way, and basically funneled it over to Dan, who then claims he made it in poker. I don't know if that's true. That's the theory. Uh, no one has proven it either way. Dan has not proven he made it in poker, and no one has proven that he did not make it from poker. So the point of this segment, however, is not about Dan Blazarian's past. It's about his poker play, because he played on America's Card Room for everyone to see. He played 1020 No Limit Heads Up, so not a super high limit game, but still one that can swing you know, many thousands of dollars. And he played it, uh, I get some European guy, and he played it on another account. He played on Bill Perkins' account. So I, I, I don't know why they didn't worry about a multi-accounting thing, because is this against the terms of service over there? America's Card Room could suspend Bill Perkins' account for this. But nevertheless, uh, this was uh, pretty much glossed over. <laughs> I, I guess because Dan Blazarian's well-known and, and because he was... Uh, he wasn't really playing on Bill Perkins' account to get action. He probably doesn't have an account, so he probably just uh, is using Bill Perkins' account. So this is a little different than the multi-accounting that was being done by Sorrel Missy or Brian Hastings or some of these other multi-accounters who were clearly doing it to trick people and get action. This was more like Bulgarians like, hey, let's play some online poker, and I don't have money on here. Here, Bill, let me have your account. So it's not the best, but at the same time, they weren't really hiding it because they were broadcasting it on Twitch. Whether there will be any repercussions, I don't know. But I have to imagine there probably won't be because this got a lot of publicity for America's Card Room. I have to imagine they are happy about that, especially if people are signing up thinking that they may play Dan Bilzerian, especially Dan Bilzerian's, side, uh, Dan Bilzerian's style. So what was his style? Well, he had a crazy style. Dan Bilzerian basically had one gear, and that was bet, 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 bet. And I'm going to play some clips from this here. Um, so here's one where Bulzarian had had a queen ten, and uh, this is what he did here. Hold on, let me get to this segment. Four bet you have a really hate the line, but when the gate was when I go live, you're gonna play on your own account because you can definitely. I, I got this actually off of Polk's video, so I'm trying to get to the hand itself where Polk is commenting on the video. We're actually commenting on the commentating. Definitely get banned, and while I'm sure these guys could give one fuck less, protect your account. So, first hand right out of the gate, Bulzarian decides to three bet with Queen 10 off. Definitely want to try and avoid this play in general because when you get four bet, you have a bad situation. And also, if you call, you get a profitable flat and get to play some post flop. 
Polk. So, so he was in the big blind, Bilzerian, and he got raised in three bit with Queen Ten, which I know Polk doesn't like that much, but I don't think it's that bad. Um, you know, you do have the fact that you you're coming out with the aggression. If you miss the flop, you bet the other guy can fold. So it's not that bad of a play, provided that you're willing to give up when it appears that you haven't hit. But Dan Bilzerian does not know how to give up. Post flop in this hand is also a little sketchy. I mean, I don't. So, so he bet the whole way. And the river comes up, um, jack six, two, six, four, and then he bets the river and then gets a fold. So it actually goes off well. He bet the whole way down, and then on the river still bet, and uh, he went all in, and the other guy folded. Now, that's the first hand, though. So, okay, the guy playing him doesn't know his style, assumes maybe he really hit something. The, other, the guy probably had ace high and folded. Maybe he had a pair folded. But the problem was Bilzerian didn't change gears. And the whole way kept playing the same way. So I'm going to get to this hand where... Uh, I'm going to get to this hand where he uh, is nonsensically bet all the way through here. So here Bilzerian had uh, Jack-7. And, and you get to hear him talking in the background about this. And the board is... 8-jack-4-king-8. Eight, eight. And he checked the river when the second 8 hit. And this is what happened. Mm. I'm willing to bet it. You want to bet 5 grand as a king or an 8? Okay. Yes! Right. Oh, man. So, 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 yeah, there's two other guys standing behind him there. Uh, and one of them is, is betting him, uh, Bill Perkins, the other guy standing behind him is willing to bet 5000 that uh, if Bilzerian calls this final bet, that the opponent's going to have either a king for top pair or an eight for trips. So, indeed, uh, I just lost my place here, but indeed that's what happened. Uh, <laughs> he had a king. So, uh, Bilzerian lost the $5,000 bet, too. Anyway... I'm not going to play all these clips here, but as it went through... Oh, here's an interesting one, too. I'll play this last one here. So this is where, where Bilzerian had a Queen-10 again, and the flop came ace-ace-5 with two hearts. So Queen-10's obviously completely missed it, not even a heart. And Bilzerian decides instead of just ch- check folding, or, or folding to a raise, he bet, got raised, he decided to three-bet the flop. Yeah. Should I, uh... You raise or fold? You're not calling. Yeah. So he's designed what to do on the flop. Ace, ace, five. Oh, God, this three bet size on the flop. Dan's doing a money weighted to this Ford Explorer a year ago. Like, Keaton's a fan of that. Wow. <laughs> so, so, he, so he got called the three bet. Now, the board's ace, ace, five, and you get raised. And then you three bet with nothing, and the guy calls you. Don't you think at this point you give up, especially if you've shown yourself to be a maniac for a while now? So it, it's seen you just keep barreling, barreling, barreling into the you know the, into your opponent. Do you think your opponent's going to respect your bets at that point? So the, the opponent's never going to lay down an ace there, no matter what. And the opponent may not even lay down a, a pair. So you've got the wrong image. It's the wrong time to be barreling, but that didn't stop Bolzerian. <laughs> you, you have no... The turn's a three. 24. Off to three. I don't know why you're betting, but go ahead. 
I don't know why you're betting, but go ahead. <laughs> he bets. It's great. I'm gonna lose. We're gonna lose this pot, and fifty thousand dollars is getting vaporized right out the window. The guy calls. You, 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 the river is a two. So now, now, now the board's ace, ace, five, three, two with three hearts on there. Even a four beats you with a straight. <laughs> the hearts beat you now. They everything. Anything the guy could be calling for, he's got now. So what does Bilzerian do with his queen ten, queen high? Damn, he's no, has to. He All in. Going to lose. It's like he's got two thousand. Probably going to lose for sure, but it's cheap. All in call. Uh, Ace queen. You. you know when is it? So that, that, that's all he was doing. Just bet, 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 bet. It doesn't work unless you're getting a, a huge run of cards where they're forced to call you down every time and then you beat them. You're going to get crushed doing this because they're going to call you down light every time, and a good player is going to start letting you hang yourself rather than raise you off. So that's what this guy was doing. That's what the opponent was doing to Bilzerian. It's just Bilzerian just barreling, barreling, and the guy's like, okay, go ahead, Bilzerian. Just keep betting into me. I'm just going to call you down. Strong hand, semi-weak hand, whatever. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call you down. Most of the time I'm going to be right. Most of the time I'm going to take your money. So that's what this guy did, and he destroyed Bilzerian, and a lot of people are now very critical of Bilzerian's poker skills, going, wow, this guy sucks. This guy does not know what he's doing. He doesn't really have – Bilzerian didn't really display the critical thinking skills that a good no-limit player will have. Because winning at no limit really requires a good read on what your opponent has, especially heads up. You've got to figure out when to value bet. You've got to figure out when to go all in, when to bluff, when to uh, give your opponent credit for having something. You've got to think what he puts you on and adjust accordingly. You've got to do all these things in no limit. And you also can't play one style the whole time, especially one that's like this, which becomes very easy to exploit once it's seen what you're doing. So people are watching this going, wait a minute, is this just because the money isn't that big that they're playing, or is is this the way he always plays? Because maybe he beats Megafish playing this way. But but the truth is, mega fish tend to just call down. So even a mega fish will beat someone like this. Because you're not going to run mega fish off hands very often. What you're going to do is you're going to a, a big fish. What you're going to get to do is number one, um, bluff him off a lot when he doesn't have anything, and number two, get a lot of value out of him when he does have something and you have him beat, especially a no limit. But um, if the mega fish is folding when he has nothing and he's calling you down when he has a se- some semblance of anything and you're just constantly barreling against him, what you're going to do is you're going to lose big pots against the fish and win a lot of small ones against him. So you're going to end up losing to the fish anyway. So that's what's really making people wonder, Yeah, is Dan Bilzerian just a fish himself? H- have people given him too much credit for his play? Or was this just a night where he was just playing wild and didn't care because the money wasn't that big to him. Now, did you see this video, uh, Trader Risky? I did not. Okay. Yeah, like, what What was your impression of Dan Bilzerian's poker ability before this story came out? You know, I'm, you know I, I didn't have much of an opinion. 
I mean, I think seemed seemed like he probably knew what he was doing, and he played in big games with bad players. Yeah, that's that's generally what people thought. Like people hadn't, I had never seen him play. But if someone said, "Do you think Dan Bilzerian's good?" I'd say, "Yeah, he's probably decent." That, that was, in fact, I was asked that question. Uh, the Washington Post did an article on him, and they called me because I, there was that story out there about how you know, I I was one of the first ones to ever see him play. So they asked me to tell that story, and then they said, you know, other than that game where I, I mentioned everyone was super tight and it didn't last long, uh, what do I know about his poker play? And I said, not very much. What's his reputation? I said, well, he doesn't have much of one as far as his poker play, but I, I think it's it's believed that he's a decent player, but not, no one spectacular or amazing at poker. He's just kind of a decent player uh, who also happens to have a big bankroll and playing big games. And And the reporter from the Washington Post said, yeah, that's what I've been hearing. So it's it's funny how you can sometimes have this image just because you're seen as a high-limit player and I think automatically given credit as being good, especially if the word is not getting around that you're a fish. So if you're if you're always in the high-limit games and, and you're known to always be dumping money in them, then the word gets around that you suck. But if you're just a known high-limit player and the word's not getting around that you're losing, it's assuming you're either winning or breaking even. And that's, that's just the general assumption people make in poker. And this shows that a lot of times that assumption is wrong. So, I don't know. I have to say from what I saw here, I'd be happy to play him heads up no limit. Especially for like stakes like at, at uh, 1025. I wouldn't play at like, some super big stakes against him. He could, he could run really well and, and, and win a ton of money off me. But if, if someone said, uh, you know, you want to risk five figures playing against him heads up, yeah, I, I'd give it a shot after this. Even though I'm not a heads up no limit player because... This would not be hard to exploit at all. In fact, in, in no limit, in no limit cash, I, I was very good at beating fish. I was very good at beating fish. Where I, where I had some trouble in no limit cash was beating the good players. And and the more good players that were in the game, the harder time I'd have, even more so than limit. So fish, I, I found even at yeah, no limit, easy to beat. So someone who plays a style like Bilzerian, I'd be happy to face them at a limit like 1020, even heads up, provided he really played a style like that. If this is just a bad night, then you know maybe he's a lot better than we think. I've seen some very good players have bad nights. One player that a lot of you know who would have excellent nights and bad nights was Neverwin. Neverwin, I would watch him just play terrible sometimes. And other times he'd be really good. And you wouldn't know which one's going to show up. And I've known other players like that. So, and it can be from a variety of factors. Uh, Intoxication, drug use, mood, uh, limits you're playing. A lot of different factors can play into why someone plays a lot better sometimes than others. Now, there's very few poker players who don't have better days and worse days as far as their skill. There's some days I've played that, that I look and say, well, I was terrible. Like, I, I can't believe I made some of these decisions. I just was, was not good. There's been other days I've played where I, where I look and I go, wow, I, I, I was really seeing everything clearly. Like there's some days where I'm just, uh, every time I make a fold, it's right. Every time I make a raise, it's right. Uh, I'm doing a, a amazing value raises and bets on the river that normally I wouldn't do, and they're right every time. 
And then there's other days where uh, I, I'm doing everything wrong and not necessarily tied to how I'm doing. Sometimes I'll, I'll know I'm playing very well, even though my, I, I'm not doing that great. And other times I'll be winning, but thinking, yeah, you know, I, I could be doing better. I'm not, I've made some mistakes here. So everybody has their better games and worst games just from day to day. But if, if this is not one of Bilzerian's like absolute worst sessions, as far as his skill, then I hate to say it, but he's uh, he's a fish. <laughs> so I, I saw some defense of his play from some people. Thinking, oh, you know, he's just aggressive. This can be a very hard thing to deal with. Not really. If, if he's got this one gear the whole way, the only way it's hard to deal with is ev- either if you don't have the bankroll to play in the game with him or he's just hitting every single hand and you're getting frustrated. But I saw very little switching up in what he was doing. He wasn't playing like half the time wild, half the time conservative. It was it was pretty much just one style the whole way and it's one that is very exploitable, especially by a good player. So that was uh kind of interesting. Flipper first saying call out Blazarian. <laughs> You know, he's got so many people who are trying to communicate with him. I don't think I'm anyone special to him. He's aware of who I am, but I'm not uh, anyone important to him. So he's not going to go, oh, my God, Dandruff's challenging me. Okay, it's on, man. Like He's not going to care. I, I, there's tons of people commenting on his poker play here. It's not just me. But, you know, if, if any of you... Want to arrange? Uh, if you can somehow get this arranged, I play him heads up in uh, ten twenty no limit. That I will do. Now I'm not going to play him higher than that because then it can be too expensive. But uh, yeah, I'll play him heads up ten twenty no limit. That I'll do. So if if one of you can arrange that, I'll be happy to do it. I'll even stream it. He can stream it. <laughs> okay, so let's see what we got here. Oh, so this is the, uh, I, I know the the Hanson kid wants to hear about this because he uh, he's very interested in this story. In fact, he brought this story to 2 Plus 2. There's a player named Chad Power, and for whatever reason, a particular writer at the Washington Post loves to write about him. This writer's name is Steve Hendricks. And Steve Hendricks wrote about him before. On uh, July 31st, 2015, there was an article, also by Steve Hendricks, called House of Cards, Seven Guys in a Poker Crash Pad Play Texas Hold'em for a Living. And uh, Chad Power was mentioned in that. It says, it's always lunchtime, too, as Brand's roommate Chad Power, just back from a profitable run at the World Series of Poker, buttered a Kaiser roll for his second meal of the day. Or maybe third. He's been up since 2 a.m. So it goes on about you know, this, this particular article I'm talking about from uh, 2015 is about this poker pad where seven players live together and they they play in shifts at Maryland Live, which is a major casino over in that area. So Chad Power was one of them that they profiled in this article back in 2015. So, 
A year and a half later, on January 7th, 2017, there is an article about just Chad Power. And this is about Chad Power now playing at the new MGM National Harbor Casino, which is uh, essentially the competition now to Maryland Live for people who live in the Baltimore and uh, Washington, D.C. areas, and Maryland as well, or the rest of Maryland as well. It says, uh, a poker pro goes all in on MGM National Harbor and its rich card-playing whales. And there's a picture of Chad Hart, uh, Chad Power sitting kind of, he's in the middle of the picture, sitting at the table, smiling, and people around him are smiling, and everyone looks all happy, and he's wearing a suit, and he just looks like, uh, he looks like the poker pro you'd see on TV in some some movie that that's just cleaning up there. Cleaning up so much he wears a suit to the table. So it says, The MGM National Harbor Casino had been open for all of two hours when Chad Powers saw something that excited him much more than the towering atrium or the big-name restaurants. A guy who didn't look particularly good at poker setting $25,000 worth of chips on the table. This is what brings professionals such as Power to a new poker room. Fresh Marks. A new $1.4 billion casino opening in an affluent region will flush out players with more cash than experience. For a while, anyway. This stuff usually lasts about a year, Power said. Eventually, he'd do his taxes and say, Oh my gosh, I blew $400,000 gambling. Within an hour, he would get a text from someone in his network of poker contacts. The man with $25,000 was indeed a known whale, a big spender with more money than skill. Power, who made it to the final table of the 2015 World Series of Poker, buys $500 of chips and sits, in, and sits down. He's not here for a serious game, which might last a dozen hours or more. No, just a few hands in the unfamiliar black tie of opening night to get a taste of his new HQ. I have a very good feeling about this place, Power said. For the past three years, Power, who's 28, has been based at Maryland Live outside of Baltimore. He lived in a townhouse in Hanover, walking distance from the casino, along with a team of half dozen, a half dozen players, each of whom Power mentors and stakes in exchange for an even split of their winnings. Now, and by the way, I'm seeing on 2 Plus 2 that this is true, that he was staking a lot of people. Together, they are a poker factory, taking shifts of 10, 15, even 20 hours in the card room. They call it grinding. Casinos are open 24 hours, and one member of Team Power is almost always at a table. So Now, let me stop right there. A lot of people took offense to this article already, just, just up to here. Because they don't like the word team. They think this is going to scare away recreational players to have an article like this. Because poker is supposed to be an individual game. And whenever you hear anything about team play, that conjures images in your head about cheating or collusion or soft play. Now, he's saying that uh, they're not necessarily at the tables together, that they're in shifts. But still, with seven people involved, you got to think some of them are at the table together. Otherwise, even if they're there for 24 hours a day, one of them is there. 24 hours a day, that would only be 24 hours a week for seven people, which I, I would think they're probably playing more than that. So, especially he's saying that they're taking shifts of 10, 15, or 20 hours. So, what, then they, they come back and play a few and then they jump for the week? It sounds to me that they always have someone there, if this story's true, and sometimes more than one of them there. At which point you say, wait a minute, it's a team, they're under the same bankroll, you know, power staking them. This already looks very bad recreational players are going to read this and say, crap, 
there's team players at the table. Screw this. I'm not coming back here. So there was already a lot of backlash to this. And it goes on to say, but the prospect of a bigger, fancier, and mo- most important new casino opening an hour away presented an easy bet to power. He began plans to move his poker house soon after MGM announced its opening date. As the December 8th debut neared, his first order of business was to find a new crash pad for himself and his team. There goes the word team again. He looked at houses all around National Harbor that fit the criteria needed for six pro gamblers. At least six bedrooms. Why six bedrooms instead of seven? I guess, I guess now there's only six people total. Uh, a basement big enough for more, for more mattresses. It's common for poker friends to flop after a long game. And a quick drive to the MGM. The hardest thing has been the landlords who, want, who don't want to rent to a professional poker player, said Power, who typically makes between 400000 and 800000 a year and has begun investing in oil and gas ventures. Wow. I don't believe that, by the way. Waiting at a two-story colonial in Fort Washington was real estate agent Gabriella Nitescu. Coincidentally, she used to be a blackjack pit boss at Maryland Live. Now, we have someone who, who wants to say something about this. Caller, you're on the air. Uh-oh. Caller, you're on the air. Scott from the East Coast. Scott from the East Coast, who's always uh, listed improperly as Calwatt for some reason. But, yeah, I, I, I knew you'd want to chime in because you're from that area and you go to Maryland Live a lot. Uh, before I continue with this, uh, do you know Chad Power? I don't know him personally. I know some mutual friends, and... It has gone from seven to six in the house because the one lone female, um, I don't want to give out her name, even though she's been on TV, has decided to buy her own place. Oh. She's still part of the group. Well, I'll I, message you. I, 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 I can, I can give out her name. It's in the article. It's Karen Wagner. <laughs> it's right you there. got it. Well, it's right there in the article. I, if, if you had told me this in confidence, I wouldn't have done it, but this is it's right there in the article from 2015. I'm sorry. <laughs> used to be a coworker with me. Yeah, well, I said it, not you. But it, look, she couldn't be too private. She was in this article about this uh, a year and a half ago. So anyway, um, so so now, Ch- have you heard about him or his team making this? Well, he he supposedly makes four hundred k to eight hundred k a year playing it at Maryland Live and now MGM National Harbor. Do you do you believe that, or that sounds excessive to you? I'm not going to comment on that. I mean, 800K is way excessive. I'm not going to comment on a lower figure. Um, I can tell you there's no collusion going on. They do not sit at the same table as each other on purpose. But, if but, that's what you're worried about. Well, but on purpose, but don't they end up at the same table sometimes? No. So the, I, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. With all the tables that would run it live and, and all the tables that run it at MGM, no. So they, they specifically avoid sitting at the table with each other. I don't know I don't know what their group motto is, but they they do or not motto but what their uh, goal is out of it, but they they don't sit together unless they are signed that way. Okay. I mean, that... If you go to the poker room and they say and they say, Look, every table's got eight people and this one has six, you must sit here, they're not gonna look at them and say, Hey, I'm buddy buddy with this guy, I can't sit with him. Obviously, they're going to be relegated to sit there until there's another seat open. Yeah, well, look, this um, I mean, this happens all the time in commerce where there's people who play on the same bankroll in the high-limit games, and there's concern about that because even if you you're not— You just say it's the Asians that do it in commerce. Well, it is, but uh, <laughs> uh, the problem is with this, 
if people are, are on the same bankroll or staked by the same person, even if they're not consciously trying to collude, uh, sometimes there's a soft collusion that ends up happening where they just kind of avoid each other or or they you know they're really not trying the hardest to get the maximum out of each other they're trying to avoid pots if you know one's representing a hand they, the other, other one will back off things like that where they figure you know I shouldn't go against this person and I, there's even this sort of thing that happens of people who aren't on the same bankroll like like for example at the world series if there's if there's six people at the table let's say in a six-handed event and and two players know each other, not if, not even friends, but just know each other to be good players. And the other people at the table are either fish or just kind of mediocre. Uh, those two players are going to probably avoid each other as much as they can, just knowing I want to pick on the better marks. And and, and when they're against each other, kind of try not to risk very much. And that's you can say that's that's the tournament strategy. And I'm not I'm not saying that people shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that these things happen. It, it's it's sometimes hard to do. It's hard to play the same way against every person, even taking the skill part out of it. Just um, a lot of times someone can avoid playing somebody else in a certain way because of some situation. So, uh, You know I, what those players are called, right? Which players? The ones that avoid the other ones. They're called ditches. <laughs> I mean, straight up. I don't, care. I don't care if you're at the table. I've been at the table with Brandon. You don't slow play. You don't. You don't um, check it down. No, I don't care if you're in a pot with a friend. You play it the way you normally play it. Otherwise, you're a straight up bitch. Well, look, I, I no, I, but I don't think it's not slow playing or checking it down. I think it's just about maybe getting involved in certain. Yeah, things, that's that's right? what I'm that's saying. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying here is you, like like there's a marginal. See, one of the guys you know raises. It comes to you. I'm not saying you throw away a premium hand or a semi-premium. I'm saying you look and go, ah, oh, this can kind of go either way. Oh, because it's him. Okay, I'm 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 out of this pot. I, I it's close, but this has made my decision for me. Things like that. I got you. Or you say straight up that you are not going to raise in a certain situation against your friend because you're in a you're in a kill game, and you don't want to make it a kill pot and make them put more money in. By the way, you want to hear something really annoying? Um, Speaking of playing someone hard, I, I last year I was in a Bellagio forty eighty game and it broke down to three handed. First it was four, and then it became three. And um, or sorry, it was it was four handed. It wasn't three. When it three, it broke. But it was four handed. It was it was two fish, and me and my brother. And I'll tell you, I I played my brother very hard as if he was just anybody else. There was there was no soft play at all with my brother. And, and there was no soft play from him to me either. And my that's brother, good. that's the way it's supposed to be. My brother ran so well; he, it was it was unbelievable how well he ran. He just he beat everybody at the table, including me. And here's the worst part: so my brother, I lost in the game. The, the two fish lost big. My brother won all the money. He leaves. I think. Well, at least my brother did well. No. uh... My brother got the money stolen. So, so the money he he runs super well, wins a lot of it off me, and then the money gets stolen. So, what he get robbed? Uh, burglarized. He wasn't robbed. Again, he wasn't there when it happened, but uh, the money was oh, stolen. Wow. So, 
Uh, well, at least he's okay. Yeah, I mean, nothing happened to him, and there was, you know, he didn't even see the people who did it, but the money was stolen. So it was. Uh, I, I don't want to go into detail, but he, the, the money was won in that game was stolen. I'm like, damn it! <laughs> why, why couldn't I have won it? It wouldn't have been stolen. Well, I guess it could have been stolen from me, but uh, it was. It was like it was, that, that was my money that got stolen. It was, it was his money at that point, but it came from me and and the fish there too. But the thing is, like, I was beating the fish, and he was beating me, and then the money gets stolen like shortly after that. It's really annoying. But I did play him very hard. I did not. Uh, I, at no point, solve, I said I said slow play earlier. I meant soft play. Yeah, and you know what I meant. Not only that, not only you know, did I play him hard just because I was going to do that anyway. But that's like the last person I, I could ever soft play because he and I somewhat look alike enough to where people can tell that we're brothers. At least some people can. Like I, I've been at tables with him before, and some people have recognized that we're brothers. In fact, one one time he was at, uh, he cashed in one of the limit shootouts some years ago. I think he has one cash in the World Series, and that was it. So he he won the first table, and the first table he ended up heads up against a well-known commerce player named Hansu, who's friends with Greg Mueller. So Greg Mueller came to to rail the whole thing, and um, he ended up beating Hansu, uh, my brother, and and won the first table. And so Greg Mueller went up to Hansu and said, you know what? That guy who just beat you, he really reminds me of Dandruff. <laughs> so, and then later Mueller saw me like standing with him and, re- and said, wait, are you two brothers? He said, oh, that's so funny. I, I just mentioned to Hansu, he, he reminds me of you. So, oh, hold on. We have a, a caller here. Unexpected, but definitely take this call. Caller, you're on the air. The, the fraud host once with two red nines Three bet me out of position. I had the jacks. He led the whole way. I called down on a eight high board. I was good. That's, That's true. All. I just want to say that. That's true. <laughs> well, th- thank you, Brandon. But yeah, Brandon. Uh, I guess Brandon did kind of soft play. He just uh, he let me, he let me bet into him the whole way with nines and the eight high board, and Brandon had jacks. And uh, I was like, ah, Brandon's got ace king or sevens, and then he turns over jacks. Like ah, you're out for me just as if I was the guy you beat heads up for your the bracelet you got there. Oh, yeah, the same I, kind of aggression, and you don't play no favorites. No, I, I, I want to take Brandon's money there. <coughs> so, well, welcome, welcome to hey, the yeah, show, I'm Brandon. I'm over here at this kid's house in Florida. He's been giving me drinks and coke, and I'm playing blackjack. I seem to be doing pretty well. <laughs> well, all <laughs> yeah, I can who say does that? all I can say That's, is is when you leave yeah. the game, if they want to borrow that money back to go play poker, uh, don't lend it to them. Jeez, I read that statement that's pretty funny <laughs> like that's just a tale of two literally a tale of two stories well yeah it's just but, it's just uh he had to say it to get the money back obviously well i i know and you know what it's funny because i did read some of the comments on twitter and two plus two and some other sites and i mean can you blame the guy i mean if it's either get whatever he gets or no I, I anyone's gonna do that that's that's what Anyone, i said i would do that for that kind of money yeah i, I, I don't to. know if you listened to earlier in the show but that's exactly what i said i said that uh you know for 200k uh if you've got to go write something stupid like that and and you don't he, he wasn't even calling himself a liar he just said oh it turned out to be a misunderstanding sorry like if you've got to write that to get the 200k it's very hard not to do that right i mean they, those guys they handled it like businessmen from the get-go <laughs> It was totally above there board. Was never a doubt. Totally above board the whole way. He didn't say what kind of businessman. Some <laughs> businessmen might deal with it that way. Trader Ruski, is that you? Yeah. What's happening, my brother? 
And hey, but I heard you're getting time and a half these days. I am. I, I know. I told that's, is that stuff. East Coast Scott? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Brandon, it's me here. I'm sorry. What's up, buddy? Now, how you doing, Scotty? I'm good. Gave you the news that I'll be out in February, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. eagerly awaiting your presence. But, uh, yeah, so the Druff, three bet me with the nines. Bet the whole way. I call. I thought he was maybe going to turn over queens or kings, and he didn't. So I can 100% vouch he doesn't <laughs> – he doesn't slow play or easy play anybody, but I can't, I can't tell you, I, I do understand or it makes sense what you're saying, because a lot of times I'll find myself and I'll admit it. You know, I don't play a lot of big buying tournaments other than during the world series. I'm not traveling around, you know, playing in, you know, anything more than maybe a two or $300 tournament when it's not WSOP time. But if I do happen to play in a small tournament, I have some, you know, a friend of mine at the table, unless I do really always have the goods, it's it just part of you purposely, you know, you don't want to knock that person out. You want to hopefully both cash or both stay for a long time. I mean, I could go down to the, down to the Mirage, you know, maybe once every three months, they have this little $125 bounty tournament on Friday nights. I go with, you know, a friend of mine or two friends. I don't want to knock them out with them within five minutes. And then they're just sitting around. You know, I mean, that just kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not playing to, you know, dump chips or do anything. Of course not. But, you know, unless I have the hand, I'm not looking to bluff them. I'm not looking. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it just psychological. Well, and and, and I was think. mentioning before, in fact, I've had, I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, at a limit tournament, someone came up to me and said that, uh, you know, who who, who had, was at my table in that event and said that, uh Look, you know, there's a number of fish at this table. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even want to mess with you there. I, I just want to take all the money from the fish. This is what, what's what another good limit player told me there, that that basically he wasn't you know proposing any collusion or saying he's going to soft play me. He was saying that that he's basically he announced to me on a break he's going to stay out of my way because there's fish at the table. That's who he wants to beat, and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to risk the the much higher variant situation with me. So. Like and again, he wasn't saying, "Hey, let's let's uh, soft play, let's uh, let's collude." He was just saying, "You know, uh, I, I'm I'm going to be avoiding you because there's fish at the table." So uh, yeah. this happens all the time. Not even not even in like a way where they're trying to help each other. Because he wasn't. This was not a friend of mine. This wasn't someone who wanted to help me. This was someone who uh, felt that this was his best strategy was to stay away from me, who he knew was a good player, and and just uh, focus on pots with the fish. Now, two other points real fast, and they're kind of just off the subject. But number one, my sources told me that you're in a, a pretty bad snowstorm in a secret location. Did you get out of there okay? No, I'm still there. Is your snowed in? Yes. Is that true? Yes. And you didn't think to put no chains on those tires? No, there's no chains. So I'm. I what I did is I parked my – I've been stuck here for over a week. So I, I put – my car in a safe location where snow can't get to it, which which is hard to find around here. But I, I where the snow can't blow in or anything. And, and it, I did go verify that the car has not, uh, not even. So a, you're a literally snow. snowed in. Yes, and and I have not driven my car in a week. Are you still getting comp wherever you are, or did you have yes. to dig in that? Jew no, wallet no, I, I haven't. I I haven't had to dig into the Jew wallet. In fact, the first time I had to dig into the wallet was today when I ordered a pizza. At just a pizza place that wasn't associated with this hotel, just an independent pizza place, 
and I and I ordered a 14-inch pizza. And I I know this is going to shock you, but uh, so I, I ordered this 14-inch pepperoni pizza. And at first I was going to bring it back to the hotel, and then I realized it's 15 degrees outside, and I don't want to walk a pizza all the way back to the hotel in 15 degrees. It's going to be cold by the time I get it back. So I said to them, oh, you know what? I'm going to eat it here. So I ate the pizza there, and the one of the employees, this like little Mexican girl, was shocked that I ate the entire 14-inch pizza by myself. <laughs> so she uh, she couldn't believe it. You ate that whole thing yourself? How did you do that? I said, well, you know, I'm not not a you small guy. She must have not seen yet the six or eighty one sixty commerce video, huh? Yeah, so I was gonna so, tell her to go watch or a bike or wherever the hell. I, it was. I, I said, look, you think that's a lie? You should go watch live of the bike. I ate like the equivalent of three of these pizzas in there. So you, you give me another pizza you for free. I'll, I'll I'll eat that. I'll, I'll eat that. You know, you get tomatoes you, uh, on the side for it. No, no. I. That, it's funny you ask that. Even though, well, you know, I I wouldn't because. Tomatoes would be considered a topping, and they'd charge me for it. So I, I wouldn't do that. Just the cheap Jew in me wouldn't add a topping just not to put it on the pizza. But now, I'm not going to give it away because I know how you are at those secret locations, but I I have a uh, inkling that I've actually been to the place you're describing, so I'll just say this. Is it across the street from the place you're staying? Uh, no. Okay. Cause, well, gee, there's a, there used to be a pizza place recently is a year ago across the street from where you are yeah this you one know what i'm talking about i think so but yeah this you one walk I, through a tunnel a bridge you know no no this is the... no this is about uh, a third of a mile away oh, okay yeah hmm. and when uh lastly when you do your little uh general topics this is just something i read about i think yesterday and kind of irritated me Whatever you think of our president, do you think – I mean, I do. I'll say that I think that it's it's beyond reproach. This woman from – I don't even know her name, but this woman, I think it was yesterday from Saturday Night Live, put out this really vicious tweet about Baron Trump. Do, do, are you familiar with this? Yes. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's the times. I mean, for, I thought it was just beyond reproach. I thought it was just terrible. But it, it seems to me just thinking about, you know, the Obama girls, you know, Obama came in the office and then even Chelsea Clinton, who, let's be honest, she wasn't really a handsome girl, that it just was an unwritten rule that the media was never so cold or attacking or vicious and basically just kind of let a child grow up as best they can away from the media. Uh, you know, that seems to change, to have changed now. And, you know, you can think what you want about Trump, but the level that, that certain people are taking it, this this cunt this this I can't stand this girl this woman from uh, the the E network I think uh, Chelsea uh, something oh, today Chelsea was, Handler, yeah. was was insulting the first lady and I mean but there, it's not even it's not even accurate what she's saying you know in, in terms they start mocking her she you know she made some comment and I'm I'm just paraquoting or you know but something on the lines of you know she doesn't even speak English it's embarrassing that she's our first lady I would never have her on my show and it wasn't like said in jest you know this woman speaks like seven languages she is an educated person you know that's actually the article I read was mocking of this what what's her what is her Chelsea Chelsea Handler Chelsea, Chelsea Handler yes Chelsea Chelsea Handler and then they point out that Chelsea Handler never even graduated from college 
And again, this isn't about Trump. You know, this isn't about that. But I just do you do you think that people are crossing an unwritten line that we've had in this country, at least since you know, I guess you can say going back to Clinton when we had a little bit of social media and, you know, obviously through Obama and you know, I remember George Bush, uh George W. Bush, his one of his daughters got arrested for underage drinking and it was like a little blip. You know, it wasn't this this national while he was president. But anyhow, you get the gist of it. I mean, maybe that's something you want to discuss. Or well, yeah, the, the thing is, there's, there's there's such anger by and I, those... and I right, and I get that, but I think it should start and end with with. Well, Donald I know that, that's what I was going to get to is that they're, they're they're actually on tilt. They're actually on tilt. A lot of the people who hate Trump are on such tilt that they're letting really ugly sides of themselves come out that a lot of people didn't know existed. And and they they're doing things and saying things that they don't even realize are really bad and offensive because they're just so much on tilt. About, and I'm not making excuses for them. I'm saying, in fact, this is exposing that some of these people who hold themselves out to be so high and mighty and, and, and sensitive to, to others feelings and 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 always act in a decent and respectable fashion actually are not. And they're you're seeing kind of the the real side of them that they usually mask. And so this uh, this Katie Rich, for example, who worked for Saturday Night Live, she's been uh, suspended, at least for the moment. She's uh, she like she didn't she was taken off the writing credits for the past episode and she's uh, suspended from Saturday Night Live. But she she tweeted that Baron Trump, Baron Trump is his 10 year old son with uh, with his current wife, Melania, that Baron Trump is going to be the first homeschool shooter and, and the, trying to say like that Baron Trump looks like a psycho and that one day he's going to kill his parents. Now he's not even homeschooled by the way, but even putting that aside, he's trying to say like that he's going to be uh, it, that's supposed to be the joke. There's school shooters. Now we're going to have a homeschool shooter and it's going to be Baron Trump. And, and, and the way the reason she thinks that's supposed to be funny is because there's been things said about Baron Trump that something isn't, quite right with him that you know maybe he's autistic and it's very possible he could be autistic and and in fact kids who have older fathers like fathers over 40 when they're born and Trump was obviously way over 40 when Barron was born Trump was 60 they, they have a higher chance of being autistic it's it's not a by any means a sure thing it, it's still more likely they won't be but there's there's an established link to autism and and older fathers so Maybe Baron Trump is autistic. If he is, that's that's too bad. And you know, hopefully he's. Uh, and by on... the way, side note: I was at the uh, Andy Up for Autism tournament Sunday at the Golden Nugget. So, yeah. yeah so, but, but the thing is, very well. If he is, it's not his fault. And and you know, and you and. The, the, the... But has it been an unwritten rule that you leave the family alone? Yes, especially a ten-year-old. Charter territory. Especially a ten-year-old. It's much worse to pick yes. on Baron Trump okay. than, than than his wife. At least his wife's an adult. This is a. A ten-year-old kid, and they're trying to imply that that he looks like a psycho and is going to be a, a murderer one day. And how can it's you say like, that? If you go back eight years ago, and if somebody said something similar, and maybe some kind of same context, again, not racial, of course, but about the Obama girls, they probably would have been fired immediately. Oh yeah, of course, they'd have the of wrath course. of the fucking world. Yeah, they would. Them. They would. And there hasn't been a whole lot of coverage of the story. There has not been. There has no, not been very yeah, much coverage yeah, at all of this. I, I, and yeah. there's been a little coverage. Anyhow, it made me sick reading it because that's just 
that's beyond reproach. Well, I couldn't this believe it because this is a t- what are they trying to say here? So, okay, <laughs> let's let's say he is autistic and has something wrong with him. So, what you make you humiliate him on a national stage? You make you make fun of a ten year old uh, on your uh, you know on your Twitter? You're supposed to. What's the goal here? To humiliate a ten year old and and uh, make him feel really bad that he's a little bit different? Like what? Why? <laughs> why do that? What what what? Could she possibly yeah. been thinking when doing that other than such irrational hatred for Trump that she's like, well, I hate him so much. I'm going to now attack his 10 year old son and try to humiliate his 10 year old son. It's crazy. And that's that really, really is inappropriate. And and when I saw that, I got mad reading that story, too, uh, because you don't she do should that. be fired. She should be fired. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. People do have been that, fired though. for much less things. Yeah, the fact that it's a ten-year-old. I mean, I, I, like to do this to a ten-year-old is unbelievable. I mean, it's a, and and again, it, if there is something wrong with him, if he is autistic or whatever, this is not his fault. He he may have been born with with some sort of uh, disorder that you know maybe he has some kind of condition. You don't make fun of a kid for that. In fact, there's been so much talk, especially from the left, about about cyberbullying and things like that. And here we have a 33-year-old. With with a big Twitter following, who writes for uh, for Saturday Night Live, cyberbullying a ten year old. I mean, that's crazy. How Saturday Night Live hasn't been funny in twenty years. So, tell you. well, Saturday Night Live's been on tilt too. They they have uh, they have they tried so hard during the election to to make Trump look bad and to be so careful not to make Hillary look bad. They 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 picked on Hillary a little bit during the primary because some of them like Sanders, but once once it was between her and Trump. They they were very very careful that whatever jokes they made at her expense were very very light and 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 not going to be harmful, not going to change anyone's mind, not to vote for her. But Trump, they came after so hard, and now that he's been elected, and now they, every week they have a sketch about him, where where they try so hard to bash him. It it really is that you know people say that Trump is on tilt about Saturday Night Live making fun of him, which he is, and he shouldn't be tweeting comments about it, and that just you know he shouldn't be responding either. But they kind of both have each other on tilt. <laughs> so, but but they they're on tilt about him too, and this is proof of it that one of their writers would do something like this. And and uh, if anyone needs to see proof that the Saturday Night Live's writers really really have it in for Trump, all they have to do is see what one of them just did. That. Someone couldn't even help themselves to the point where they picked on a ten-year-old. So, so yeah, I I agree that this is uh, was totally inappropriate. And, uh, and but the, the, I I'm seeing this everywhere. Celebrities are so mad about this. The left is so mad about this with Trump being president, and they're they they are in attack mode. I thought it was bad with, with George W. Bush, and then when Obama got in office, I saw you know a lot on the right attacking Obama all the time. But this this is a new level. This is way higher than the attacking that that Obama received or George W. Bush received. This is just the the constant... I was going to talk about this later in the show, this march they had. I mean, it, this is going to be like a four-year-long protest against, against Trump. And if you think that the parties were uncooperative with each other before, wait till you see the upcoming four years. There's going to be the least cooperation you've ever seen. Yeah. So that's... Uh, and and I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But... Uh, Anyway, Brandon, I was in the middle of the, the Chad Powers story. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to have you on the show, though. Uh, if, if you want, of course, you can stay here. Uh, I want to. Uh, Who's Chad Powers? Chad Power. Well, this is actually a story brought to me by the Hanson kid. The Hanson kid wanted me to cover this, and I, I read it and I found it was interesting. This is a kid who's who's uh, plays it in uh, Maryland, uh, Maryland Live, and now at the uh, MGM National Harbor, and and has like a team of poker pros that they all stay at his house, and and he he stakes them. And they basically are at 
whatever their home casino is, you know, whether it's Maryland Live or now it's, it's MGM National Harbor, they're there. At least one of them is there twenty four seven. And and uh, so I was reading this, and they're getting some flack on two plus two because of words in the article like team, and people are afraid that number one it'll. Uh, that maybe this is some kind of collusion thing, which Scott, Scott from the East Coast is saying that he's familiar enough with the situation that they, they typically don't sit at the same table, so there's no collusion. But, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, that there, there's some fear that an article like this is going to scare fish away if they think there's like a team that, that's going to play there to take all the fish's money. So I agree that article doesn't look bad. So that, that's what I was in the middle of reading, and then you... Uh, well, uh, let me ask you this. I, I don't want to cut you off, so obviously resume what you're doing. I just want to address one more thing, and then... You yeah. can get back to the regular scheduled programming. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, that's fine. I I was listening on the that fraud show. I think it was maybe two weeks ago. I guess it would have to be two weeks ago. And I, I uh, was yeah, I think it was. But anyhow, it it was when you uh, gave the critique of a PFA listener in regards to their first time impression. At staying at Atlantis yes. and going to uh, PCA. Was that last week, do you remember? Was it a week before? Uh, I'm trying to remember. When I, I, think oh, it was la- I think it was last week. Okay. So anyway, maybe that's what it was because I did also listen to the interview with the with, with the, the Florida kid. And uh, regardless of what the idiot said on, on, you know, and I'll always be honest. I'm not, you know, giving you no softballs. It was a good interview. But just as some people pointed out, all the questions – you know, he'd already done the podcast circuit. So what, what? it's not like you could really, you could kind of put your spin on some things and ask things a certain way, but there's only so much you can do with that. I mean, you know, people that had already listened that are tuning in, of course, they're going to be disappointed because there was no, rele- you know, revelation, yeah. nothing groundbreaking. So, but nonetheless, you know, I, I read some of the stupid comments, you know, about the, the laughing track and this and that. And it just, you know, what do you expect from those people? They've been like that for, for 10 years plus. So... But anyhow, I digress. So I as well went to uh, – I had been to the Bahamas before. Uh, and I would actually been to Atlantis but just like on a day pass to, you know, use the, the amenities and the, and the property. I would never actually stayed there and, and, you know, so this is basically my first trip. And I, you know, we'll, we'll say this. I, I went with Jeannie and I was able to get my room comped because of uh, – through Caesars. Although I – was able to get upgraded to a lesser room than you would. I basically got the second nicest tower there. I stayed in a tower called the Reef Tower. And I, from what everyone's told me, it's basically one notch above or one notch below the Cove Tower, which is what I was told seven stars would get. And, and that's what the and guy stayed. T- that's what the guy stayed in who gave that review. Yes. And I have to tell you, I stayed in the Reef Tower for a week, and I absolutely loved it. The Reef Tower are actually. They look just like suites. I guess the best correlation would be here in Vegas, Palm's Place. There are suites that are actually owned uh, by owners, and when they're not using it, they're rented out just so the owners can get some stream of income as well as Atlantis. So the good part about that was there was a small little uh, like efficiency. You know, it's kind of weird. I've never seen a hotel room like this. You you know, if you didn't really pay attention, you couldn't see it because it was that small. And it was just the way it was set up. It was that well designed. But there was a little, you know, stovetop. There was a dishwasher. Um, you know, it had all, you know, the, the utensils that you need to, if you, you know, wanted to 
you know, boil an egg or, you know, have cereal, I mean, whatever, and a refrigerator. So we like that part um, just because, you know, you're there a week, you, know, you want to have food in your, in your room, it gets kind of expensive eating, and you kind of just get overwhelmed eating every meal out. So we're able to have, like, tuna and cereal and milk and, and you know, things like that in the fridge. The room is gorgeous. It wasn't outdated. It was modern, beautiful balcony view right against the Caribbean. In fact, if I go back next year, which I think I will, uh, I, I plan on requesting that room, even if they did upgrade me you know, to the Cove or something else, because we liked it that much. Just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous room. Uh, the best room I could maybe even compare it to in style and design, uh, I'd compare it to maybe a terrace suite at the Cosmo. It had that kind of new style look to it uh, with the openness and the balcony and like there was like stained glass uh, from out. Well, that's the one thing I will will say. All the rooms in the reef, they have like the stained glass from the living area, bedroom area into the bathroom. So if you were with somebody that, you know, you might not want to get a glimpse of naked, it could kind of cause a little oh. uncomfortableness. So, so there's no, have you ever seen those kind, well, kind of rooms where yeah. it's not like it's a clear glass, but it's, you know, I think it's like stained glass. So you can see inside the bathroom. Yeah, I've seen those rooms before. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, right. So that'd be the only thing, but the room was gorgeous. I mean, it was absolutely everything worked the way it should be. You know, all the you know appliances, the television. You know, we had two queen beds. Uh, you know, great water pressure. Just gorgeous room. Uh, so I know you've asked this question, and you probably have this benefit. So to answer you, although I was booked on on a comp, I did not gamble that much. In fact, I can tell you for my seven days, my average uh, when I left was a little over eight hours in the casino. That's what they rated me at, and that's that's pretty accurate. Um, I, I I will say my average bet was higher than most. Uh, my wait, average bet, actually, I was told, was $798, wait, just wait, shy of eight wait, hours. Wait, hold on, wait, eight hours a day? No, eight hours total for okay, the whole trip. Okay, I was going to say that's a lot of eight hours. So it, wait, no, was, yeah, no, I, well, because, you know, they say when you come and you book through a host or, you know, whatever, however you do it, you know, on these kind of offers, they want four hours a day from you. Um, but, I, but like I said, I averaged a little over an hour a day at eight hours for the whole week. Well, that, those are, that's uh, a big average bet though. So that makes sense why they're happy with yeah, it. Yeah. And I did actually leave there with money. I left there ahead. I did not lose this trip, fortunately. Um, but nonetheless, I was never, you know, pressured when I got there. I, I, you know, confirm with them, you know, I'm not under any obligation to play. Everything is comped. And, and of course they said, yes, yes, correct. So I confirmed that and I just didn't want the stress having to stay in a casino well, it, for four hours. It's interesting you mentioned uh, that because I, I I know somebody who went to the Atlantis comp through the Seven Stars program, and there was that ominous thing they send you as part of a form letter that you're being extended this comp with the understanding that you're going to play basically equivalent to what level you are at your land-based casino. So if you're coming there on, as a, on a seven stars comp, they expect a lot of play from you. Otherwise, they're going to back end charge you. So that made a lot of people upset to see that. We've talked about that on the show before, but never it, got that letter. Well, I, I spoke with a host that's based here in the U.S. It's actually funny they outsource their hosts in New Jersey, believe it <laughs> or not. Which, if you want to talk to an actual host, you speak with someone in New Jersey. Okay, so so they. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah. I was going to finish with this guy here. He so I don't know if he got that letter or not, but because that letter had been going around, he was concerned about this as you were. 
and as I would be if I went there. So he actually emailed whatever host he was dealing with and said, I just want to confirm that this is a full comp in advance and that it is not dependent upon any play. And the host wrote back, yes, that's true. Uh, This is a comp no matter how much you play. And so he kept that email just in case anything ever came up. But he said that, uh, now he did play some, I, I think less than you, but he did play some, but he said he didn't play that much and that he was never bothered about it. So, uh, Same as me, even in the beginning when I wasn't playing, and my average kind of crept up, but, you know, uh, but nonetheless, wasn't charged, wasn't harassed, wasn't hassled. Uh, overall, I loved it. The, the only complaint I would have was that it was a little cool, which was to be expected because it was in early January. I mean, cool is like mid-60s at night. I don't think it got higher than 75 during the day. And Was the water kind of cold, too? Was what kind of cold? The water. Yeah, it was. The ocean was was you know freezing by my you know taste, and I'm you know I'm from Florida, so you know I, I'm sure if you're a Canadian or a West Coaster, it'd be very very comfortable. But just the way I grew up and what is cold to me, it's probably not cold to everybody. Well, and this, yeah, it takes people by cold. surprise. It, it takes people by surprise. You 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 hear the Bahamas and you picture it to be like a Caribbean island. And you think you're going to go there and it's going to be in the 70s at night, 80s during the day. The water is going to be nice and warm. And then, as you said, uh, the, the high 75, the, the lowest 60, and, and then the water is cold. Even during some days, it probably was in the low 70s during the day. And that sounds like you know people are going to say, oh, the 70s, that's lovely. But you know what? You get in, out of that water and it's 70, 71 degrees, 72 even. It's cold. It, I mean, it, well, it's and not, not only that, you know, but you, you go there and, and you, you're picturing something. People who've been to Hawaii or Puerto Rico or the Caribbean island, you know, Aruba, you, you picture something like that, and you get there, and, and it and it feels you know it's 70 degrees or even the 60s at night, and, and you actually have to put on a light jacket, and then and then you get in the water and it's really cold and very difficult to get used to. You go, this is not what I was expecting. I was expecting like a Caribbean paradise, and that throws some people off. I heard about that, and I know January. Has that issue now? Isn't it now in the in the summer? When's the best time to go? In the summer, isn't it pretty hot there? No, it never it, it never gets like excruciatingly hot, like you know, like Vegas hot, like you know what like, I mean. Like what about Florida? But, I know Florida is very tough in the summer. What is it? What's it like? Is it like Florida? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, well. See, this is the thing because it's on the water, and it's it has kind of what they call like a tropical weather. It, it doesn't it very rarely broaches above like the low nineties, like a very ex- like insane hot day would be like 91 or 92. Yeah. But then it's humid. Most... So that's terrible. Like 92 and humid is, is all. Yeah. But commonly, even during the summer, from what I was told, uh, the weather is like in the mid, mid eighties, maybe, you know, the upper eighties at most, which is a very pleasant weather. But is it, is it humid? Like, how humid is it though? Is the problem? That's the question. It, it, it's very, I mean, yeah, it's, it's humid. It's very humid. It's well, that's like what 80, I'm saying. 85% that, that, that's, humidity. Maybe you, to you, it's not as big of a deal because you're from Florida, as you said, but like, I don't, I, I will never go to Florida in the summer because of the humidity and, and, and the, the heat. I wouldn't go to New York in the summer. I, I once went to New York in August. It was terrible. So like, uh, I don't go to these places that get hot and humid in the summer. Any place like that, I tend to go in the spring or fall. Uh, and and so, but, right. But the whole resort itself is literally surrounded by the Caribbean on all sides. So you're always getting that ocean breeze. So it's never. I don't think it's ever going to be like. I'll give you an example. Even when the sun was out and I'm outside and I was walking, I never sweat. You know, I never sweated once. When I lived in Florida, you know, no matter when it was. You start moving kind of fast. You you know, park your car. You run into the grocery store. You come out, and whether it's your armpits or your brow, whatever, you can feel you know 
perspiration, but you, you never felt that there. Well, yeah, this is so, yeah, yeah. You were discussing with like the weather you're describing. Of course, that that makes sense. Like it reminds me of what yeah. like L.A. would be in in uh, October. That's, right. That's kind of what that reminds so, me of. The the one thing I would say that you would not like, uh, you know, this isn't a dig against you, and you probably already know this, is that you know when when you stay there, I think two days we went out to the city. And, you know, to like Na- to Nassau to eat and shop and do things like that. But the rest of the time we ate on the property. Very expensive. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, say you go to the most, you know, well, say you go to an upscale resort in Vegas. Say you're at the Bellagio for a week and that's where you're eating. So take those prices and then like add 20 more percent to it. And that's what you're paying. You know, like you're not getting out of that. You know, that was part of the reason why, you know, we were happy we had the fridge and we went shopping and, and got groceries. Some people are going to laugh, but you're talking well, here, here, here's here's a question for all of you. You go to any you know any normal restaurant for breakfast. You get two eggs. You get your choice of meat, bacon, sausage, you know, turkey bacon. You get a potato and you get bread. What do you think that is going to cost you right there? You're saying at Atlantis? Yeah. Oh, I I, I bet like twenty two dollars. No, are thirty two bucks? Whoa, <laughs> thirty two. Jeez. So I've I mean, heard rumors it, it, that hot dogs are fifteen dollars there. Like if you want to feed, I did not hot eat dog, a hot dog family. while I was there, so I don't. I don't. There, there's twenty one restaurants there, so I mean, I, I we ate out every night at a different restaurant and a couple times for lunch, but I, there, you know, I didn't. I didn't even visit half the restaurants. Well, this is like for example, so, this this is what you get as a seven star for the comp, and just just for being a seven star, okay? You get a complimentary four night stay uh, in in the Cove. Uh, they, they do pay the room taxes made gratuity. And that's a lot, fee. by the way. The room tax because not only is there a room tax, not only is there a resort fee, there's also a, a made twelve dollars a day mandatory for the made fee. Yeah, that's what I whether said. Whether you use them, whether you use them or not, right? So that, that's bucks. all. So that's all paid as a seven star. So you, you really get the room for free. No, no BS. Yep. Then then uh, then you get a hundred dollar food credit per night, but that probably that's probably not going to cover it though, given how expensive. That's it like is. one and a half people at the yeah. most. Yeah. Then then you get a one time two hundred fifty dollars slot play. I mean, it's not per day; you just for the whole trip, two fifty slot play. Uh, if the, you do end up going, remind me to tell you how you can a hundred percent get the full value of that slot play. Okay. Because I had I had a I had a hundred fifty dollars slot play offer. And then. Uh, it says you get access to the cane at the Cove, an adults-only ultra pool with gaming pavilion, and access Top, to... Topless pool. Okay, I so was it's... there. Topless pool. <laughs> now, here's here's the Very question. Nice. Hold on. i got a question. At this topless pool, the women that you saw there, were there the women were these ones you'd want to see topless or ones you would not want well, to see topless? I did have an awkward encounter with Linda Johnson, the first lady of poker up there, <laughs> but I'm not going to say much more than that. <laughs> she's a very sweet woman oh boy okay she could maybe have a salad did she offer to do your did she offer to do your taxes for you okay I, so, I don't, she doesn't do taxes okay she hosts wpt tournaments and card player cruises so um, so and then so, you get, it says you get access to aquaventure the uh the little water uh, park whatever that is there yeah that's with the slides and, and that's her massive 30-something acre water park, which you would love even. Your your son would absolutely adore it. Um, so anyhow, nonetheless, that would be one thing that you probably wouldn't like. The room that I had, again, that was in the reef. I looked it up on uh, their website, and I priced it because I just was curious what the value was. And if I had just booked it on their website, no discount codes, which I wouldn't have had, or any offers, 
with tax and everything else for my seven nights there in, in, in that room, it would have cost me a little shy of five thousand dollars. It was for, for, uh, for, for it how was many nights? Over, how huh? many nights? Seven nights. Yeah, because I saw the co- I saw the cove when I looked when I priced it out. It was everything they gave me. You would have given me there in that package. I think would have broken up to around broken out to about like four thousand dollars or so for four nights. I mean, for seven nights, like I said, the average daily rate was five five eighty three, and then when you add you know the taxes, the you know in, in gratuity that's forced and and everything else, it was like forty eight hundred. So I'm just the, the only reason why I'm pointing that out is that's a pretty good value. I mean, you know, for, for you, or you know, I know you've contemplated going. Um, so a couple other things, and I'll, I'll finish this up. Um, poker. Now, I did not go there for the poker experience. So when the listener critiqued it and he was disappointed, I can, I, I guess I could see that. I was, I was in the poker room, I think, once every day at least to, you know, see friends or to talk to people. Um, but I was not there for poker. Uh from what everyone told me, the numbers were down. A couple of people attributed it to a mass amount of late cancellations because of the shooting the day before, the two or two days before it started in Fort Lauderdale. I'm not sure how much I believe that. No. Nah. Um, but, well, I mean, yeah, because everyone basically, you know, 90% of passage is through Fort Lauderdale there. Um, but I didn't really believe that. But idea, people had, but... they had tickets booked already. They're not going to not go because someone got shot there. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it wasn't as if this was a ghost town. It wasn't like this was some just empty place. But two things that I, I, I did pick up. Number one, uh, and this from, you know, I asked Jeannie, and Jeannie's been there every year since the inception. There's never any mixed games or limit games. So if anyone ever, you know, did go down there looking for that or in the future, you know, wants to do that, uh, games were all no limit and some pot limit Omaha games. And they had big no limit games. They had, you know, 100, 200 I saw. But uh, if that those are not your games, you're not going to enjoy cash. And lastly, what I picked up from just looking at the schedule and seeing the people that were down there, this is really like a high roller tournament. I mean, they have so many daily, like $5,000 turbos. They had a $50,000 high roller. Uh, they had a 25000 daily turbo, like a one-day tournament. And all the big names were in it, you know, like Negranu and Jason Mercier and Vanessa Selps. And, you know, I mean, just everyone that you know, you'd expect to play in this Elky. Um, and they had these, like, minimum $5,000 and up tournaments almost every day. Like, they, you know, they'd have, like, you know, it's 3 o'clock. And they have, like, a $1,000 rebuy tournament, you know, like on a Tuesday. And, you know, so and the numbers weren't, like, insane. But for the $50,000 high roller, they had, I think, like, 70 people, you know, but really, for the average everyday guy, if you're going down there to play tournaments, unless you're staked rather well, you know you're going to have a. You know, I guess what I'm saying is there's not like a bunch of five hundred or thousand dollar prelims all week long. You know, there's a lot of big tournaments. Hmm. It's true. When they were six handed right before or when they were on break, the side dish and I were walking. I was eating some delicious conch chowder, and uh, Charter was just sitting off like this, you know, it's in the convention center. So he was kind of like in this hallway in this big oversized chair, just sitting by himself. You could tell he was just, you know, meditating or gathering his thoughts and, you know, wanted to be away from everyone. I walked over, you, you know, knew who I was right away. Although I've only met him, you know, or interacted with him a handful of times and said, hello, I wished him luck. Side just shook his hand, told him who he was. It's like, I'm the side dish from, you know, NWP. Don't you remember me? <laughs> and literally four or five hours later, he was the, uh, 
PCA champion. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Uh, the side dish can drink. I, 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 I mean, Jesus Christ, this kid can drink. Uh, well, he's been he's had uh, DUIs before and had to uh, stay home yeah. on an ankle bracelet uh, some years ago because of this. Yeah, but very nice guy. We actually hung out for two nights together and you know just kind of did our thing. Very very friendly. Very uh, you know just nice normal guy. Yeah, I, uh, I, saw I, Reg, I went to dinner saw with Reggie him. Man down there. He really? was I, he was down there representing. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I was with Reg. Spent a lot of time with Reggie Man. Watched the college football national championship game with him. Had dinner with him. Of course, Karina and her husband Chip were there. Um, other than that, I don't think there are any other PFA people that I knew. Uh, a lot of other people I just knew in general. Uh, Scott Bowman, Scott X Bowman, you know Scott Bowman. He was he, down there he was as there well too? with Reggie. Okay. They kind of travel together. Uh, so, but anyhow, I think you know, especially someone like you that likes to get full value and does enjoy you know the, these sort of vacations. Uh, you know, I definitely would 100% give you my blessing and say, do it. You'd love it. Um, you know, I, I think maybe a little less if there's not poker, maybe go down there for five nights or six, seven might be a little bit too much. Well, I get, well, the thing getting... is I get four on the seven stars comp. That's what they give me. Okay. So then, yeah. So that's what it may be then. Um, but I, I loved it. I, I plan on going back next year at a great time. I'm, you know, going to get comped again. I mean, I wouldn't pay those rates. You know, I don't think even the room I stayed in was like a six hundred dollar plus night, you know, a room. But getting it free and all and that's that what I thought it, uh... when, I, when I looked at this, um, the value and all this, and, and it looks like they're basically giving something that's going to cost about four thousand dollars to me for free. My only concern, well, my only two concerns are number one that they're not going to try to back end charge me if I don't play, and number two that uh, I'm not going to be put in a refugee camp and have to eat anchovies. That's those are my two concerns. I never had any issue. Now, of course, I didn't break any laws there, or when I left through customs, I was honest about everything. I, you know, wasn't going to take any chances, no issues, uh, you know, whatsoever. Did not even hear of any stories from anyone having any issues. Did, um, did, and I guess you know the one thing I will say is I, you know the listener that or the person that spoke with you kind of said the property was dated the tower that i stayed in was beautiful it was one of the newer towers i think they said it was maybe six or seven years old and you can tell that it had been taken good care of and maybe that's partially because it's it's owner you know it, it's occupied by owners but i can kind of see a little bit when he said that the property's a little dated i mean it's nowhere near like what you know how you'd feel if you walk into caesar's now compared to like 10 or 15 years ago. But I will say in the coming years, if they don't do some general maintenance and renovation, then it, it probably will escalate the problem. I would not say that that property was, was dated. I wouldn't say the property was a five-star resort as they bill it. it. It's not, I definitely say it's a four, you know, it's a strong four, uh, maybe part of it. You can stretch it to four and a half, but definitely not a five. Um, it's not like you're walking around and there's, you know, buttons missing in the elevator and there's trash everywhere and chip paint. It wasn't like that, but you know, you could kind of tell that it was, you know, kind of built, you know, this nineties theme and certain things are just original from when it was first built. Um, and lastly, I guess in regards to the staff and everything else, everyone was very friendly. I never, you know, I didn't learn until I got down there that NASA has a very, very bad murder problem. Yes. Did you know about this? Yes. I knew about that. Very bad. Yes. Like one of the highest in the world. Like you know, I mean, it. it yeah, I that's actually you know, I'm I'm actually usually pretty adventurous with going out into uh, cities in foreign countries, even ones that have somewhat of a bad reputation. There's there's some people who are terrified when they travel 
uh, internationally that uh, they say, oh, I, I can't leave the resort. I'm so afraid. I, I actually do it usually. In fact, I, I actually was foolhardy enough to, in, in, this wasn't a foreign country, but it might as well have been. I, I walked around in uh, downtown Atlanta at, at 2 in the morning, and I was the only white guy while I was being uh, followed and stared at by everybody in the area and, and asked for money. So, um, so, you know, that's... If I was willing to do that, uh, I'd be willing to do a lot of other things. And, I, and I've gone to a lot of places in foreign countries that were not known to be super safe. But I, from what I've heard of Nassau, that's actually one place I probably would not have gone. Well, you know, I did what everyone advises you to do. I traveled in a big group. I stayed in public areas, tourist areas. Where, and they're literally, you can tell that they don't want to fuck this up because of the revenue that tourism brings. They were, they were literally... We were in downtown Nassau, which is like the shopping district and dining district. There was a cop on every corner and every corner. Like you could not go more than more than, you know, a, a few steps without seeing a cop. Literally. I mean, the police presence was massive just to make tourists feel safe. And was it during the day you went or at night? Yeah, I went. Well, no, I went during the day. And by the time we hailed a taxi and went back, it was maybe seven o'clock at night. Um, you know, we got there maybe at noon. But we stayed in, you know, this Americanized or tourist, you know, area. That, you know, it was just people selling things or restaurants that are built for tourists. Um, but it was in the heart of downtown Nassau. And I never once, not for a second, felt unsafe. Um, and, you know, you can just tell that there was an abnormal amount of police presence just standing on the, on the street corners, you know, smiling at you, waving at you just, you know, for that reason. So I'm going to have to guess. It's not like there's drive-bys in downtown Nassau during the day or in the evening, it's probably this crime is restricted to, you know, boroughs or ghetto parts, you know what I mean, parts of, of, you know, slums maybe, I don't know. But I never once, you know, felt uh, uncomfortable. Not, 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 you know, not for a second. And, you know, the same area in downtown Nassau where, you know, the center, where, where the center of everything is, it's also right by the, the, the port where every day there are, you know, four or five cruise ships. There's a massive Disney ship and a Carnival ship and a Royal Caribbean ship and a Princess of the Sea ship, and all those people are as well are let off, and that's where they're spending their eight hours or six okay, hours. If you're, or if you're, long. Okay, if you're where the, uh, the cruise people are normally, then you're probably fine. I mean, it's not like right next to them, but you can see the ships, and it's the area. You know what I mean? It's that, it's that general yeah. area that, you know, yeah. it's, you know, we were mingling with them. So, But, but, but no, never – I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say something. I was thinking something else that I, I had done. I, when I was in Detroit three years ago, I actually went through all the abandoned areas. We went like on a Detroit disaster tourism drive to all the place, all the abandoned houses there, and uh, and I it was during the day. I felt safe, but the the I, I found out that uh, a murder occurred uh, outside of one of the places we visited, like two weeks uh, either before or after we were there and it was against a tourist who was just taking a picture of course the guy was an idiot someone like someone came up and demanded his camera and he fought him and then got shot where if uh, well I mean that's just kind of stupid yeah it is stupid (laughs) nothing's worth you know but uh, you know like I said never felt in in danger never you know the only thing that is very annoying and I've been all over the Caribbean so I expected it is when you do leave the resort and you visit any part uh, you're going to get hassled in terms of people trying to sell you shit the whole entire time. They don't shut up. And I mean, I get it. They're, you know, a lot of these people are poor and that's how they make their living. But if you plan on just kind of, you know, taking a leisurely stroll, you know, in peace, you're going to have someone every two minutes trying to sell you something. 
you know, a hat or braid your hair or this or that, like, you know, you don't really get left alone. So you're constantly saying, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm fine. No, thank you. And then you're like, no, but I can make this deal or I can do this. Like they're very persistent, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, I, yeah, I see that all the time in, in these places I travel to. In especially countries. by where the cruise, you know, yeah, the cruises yeah. dock because there's such a huge, you know, constant flow of people. What I usually do, I, I'm actually a little ruder to them compared to uh, – now, I don't ever say anything nasty or rude, but I'm in rude in that I, I, I barely give them any attention or notice. I'll usually just, like, lift up my hand as if to say no or or or, or say nope and just walk by. Like, they say, you know, hey, sir, would you like to – nope, and I just keep walking. Like, that's what I'll do. Because the problem is uh, – and, like, like my girlfriend, she she's a lot more friendly to them than I am, even though she's just as annoyed. But – I feel that if you don't give them a clear signal that you just have zero interest, then they can take any kind of attention you give, even just to say sorry, as maybe you're still a mark. Whereas if you just go, nope, sorry, you just go, nope, or, or just keep walking by or say nothing, that gives a very clear signal, I don't want it. So that's that's usually what I do when I'm approached by these things. I usually say like a one-word nope or or, yeah. or put up my hand and, and, and shake or something like that. But nonetheless, I think you should uh, consider, you know, using this, you know, privilege that you have and taking advantage of. It. I think you would enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I you know, have. I have been there four days. That's the right amount of time, as long as you can. You know, you're not under the pretense that you want to hustle or you know, that they're going to hustle you to play. But there's one thing I will tell you. Um, when you, you know, I went into this thinking, you know, as everyone told me, oh, the casinos are so expensive down there, the limits and this and that. Uh, Look, I mean, I said the, the 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 prank call thing, so I'm going to go ahead and say this, even though I probably shouldn't. There's some very, very bad dealers down there, um, and there's some spots you can find where, you know, whether you're really looking hard or not, where you could maybe gain certain legal advantages just by sitting there playing normally. So before you count out playing, I know a number of people that were down there just for that reason. Huh. They were even playing poker. They were just there. Uh, you know, people that you and I both know that they were just there because they know certain dealers, they knew certain things. And, huh. uh, so anyhow, before you consider that say, Oh, I'm just, you know, you're swearing off playing. Don't do that until you actually go there and scope out the place because they're there. I mean, there's some very surprisingly bad dealers and I guess absent-minded or non-knowledgeable pit bosses that are overseeing them. Cause I, the errors I saw and some of the things I saw down there wouldn't last you know, wouldn't last half a shift in Las Vegas before everyone was just fired and the replacements were brought in. It was some crazy shit. I mean, just mental errors and, you know, dealer protection and payouts, things of that nature. And it wasn't just like a one time or two time or three time thing. It was a progressive, continuous type situation that really kind of blew my mind because this is, you know, that's what people do down there. You know, during the day, everyone goes to the beach, and at night, everyone is at the, you know, everyone that's 18 or above is at that casino because, you know, there's really not much else to do. There's a club, you know, there's a couple nightclubs and a couple bars. But other than that, at night, you know, you stay in your room or you go to the casino. Yeah. So it's not like this is some rinky dink, you know, place with two games. I mean, they probably had 70, 80 table games. They had, they had table games as high as like $500 min, min bet games. You know, they had blackjack games or was $500, you know, min, minimum. Wow. To play, I mean, you know, it's not like this was some joke. You know, there was some fucking money, uh, you know, exchanging hands. I mean, there, you know, these a lot of these people, which is just amazing, they pull up in these yachts 
because there's a marina right on the property. I mean, you want to talk about some of the wealthiest of the wealthy. I mean, Jesus Christ, you think you're at the Bellagio, you know, in the high limit room or the Aria or the Wynn, and you see people betting. Check this place out. I mean, you know, they're just people that pull up in their, you know, $10 million yacht and they're, they're gambling and, you know, they got a quarter million dollars in front of them, half a million dollars in front of them. It's like a fucking James Bond movie, you know, all smoking their Cuban cigars, having their expensive drinks, you know, with, with a quarter million, you know, in front of them. Wow. And no one's really sucking, you know, kissing their ass or sucking up to them because there's another hundred of them, you know, spread out. I mean, you know, this is like on a Wednesday in January. So I was very, uh, you know, you go down there and you're betting 25 or 50 a hand and you expect to get a buffet comp or something. Think again. I mean, the minimum that they want, and they'll tell you this straight off the bat, anyone that wants to go down there, the minimum they want to even consider giving you anything, you know, whether that's, you know, you know, a, a meal, something off your bill, they want $50 minimum average. That's where they start at. They won't even rate you less than 50, four hours a day. Okay you know for your whole trip minimum of fifty dollars in table games for slots they want a three dollar average bet uh for four hours as well and before anyone says well three dollars that's not much well you know what you try spinning something or you know or whether it's video poker which they, they didn't have by the way a uh, a very good selection of so you can just forget that but you try playing any slot machine three dollars a spin for four hours a day and then you'll figure out how much you can actually lose no, be a lot. like you'd be shocked You'd be shocked. Um, so anyhow, I, I didn't mean to hijack anything. I just kind of wanted to give a retort to what that person reviewed because I kind of saw things, you know, differently. But then again, I wasn't there for the poker experience, so maybe that's why. If I was just there, you know, to play tournaments, maybe I would, I would have felt the same about that. But uh, everything else, you know, like I said, I had a great time and definitely something I'll do again. I don't know if – it's going to be back next year, but if it is, you know, I'll, I'll take advantage of, of the goodwill I've built up there, and I'll return. All right, good. And one other question unrelated to this. Uh, I, I know a little of this has to do with me, but w- when do you plan to do your show? Well, we, had, uh, we both have been busy, as you and I spoke of, and I thought we were in agreement when you were back, and we both had the time. We were going to, you know, you were going to help me with the technical aspects that I'm clueless about, and once that's up and running that's like a one-time thing you know it's just something that needs to be done one time and i'll be functionable but as soon as that's taken care of i could have a show up probably within 72 hours okay well so, so I, really I mentioned, I, I mentioned at the beginning I, I basically said that at the beginning that uh, your show's coming soon we just have to get together for the technical details and then uh, you should be doing yeah. the show soon and uh, people can so when when do you think uh you're going to be able to escape and, and head back how much longer uh in the next few days, uh, it's it's improving because the storms are have finally stopped. But uh, a lot of snow came down, a lot of snow. So. Uh, and how long were you originally intended to to be gone for? Um, well, I I was at first going to do five days, but but I will admit that when I came, I knew there was unlikely to be five days, and I, and I actually had prepared for that fact. But but I really thought that I would be leaving today, and uh, that they recycling in the same drawers. No no no. As I said, I, pre- <laughs> I no. As I said, I I prepared for it. That was one of the ways I prepared. Is I brought enough clothes to to last uh, a long time. So I have not been recycling anything, nor have I had to do any laundry. I just brought a lot of clothes. Right. And so uh, today is now Wednesday. So you're thinking maybe by Friday. 
to what yeah. it is the most. And and, uh, and I'll tell you, it's and you know, I'm by myself here. I'm not with Benjamin's mom or Benjamin or anything. You know, she, you know, they. Uh, Benjamin's mom, she has uh, a family member over there. She, well, her brother's over there, is, is staying and helping out. But, uh, uh, but I, I'm here by myself, and and I'll say that it is a little bit of a weird feeling, where I can't drive anywhere. I, I all I can do is walk somewhere. I can't go very far because the. Uh, well, number one, it's only walking. Number two, the weather's not good, and it's going to get cold, and most of the days were heavy snow. So, and, and I'm by myself and don't know anyone here. So I, it really is, in a way, kind of a lonely feeling because uh, there really, uh, other than a few strangers I'll talk to here and there, there, there really isn't anyone to interact with in person, uh, and, and nor can I really go anywhere. So, But, but I, I knew this. I knew this was the situation, and... Then very soon we will. Uh, I'll be back in the usual location, and I'll be. Uh oh, Trader Risky. How's that? Running, it's Trader Risky running water. I think. Sorry, I thought I hit mute. I hit the water <laughs> <line>. <laughs> so cute. Some things will never change, will they? Right, is that water for? The, is that water for the tea? The, the tea is coming. I knew it. See, we know we know you so well. When we hear water running, we know it's for tea. <laughs> That's all we have to hear is water running up. Oh, that's tea. True. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's 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 been kind of weird. And how is it where you are? And your I mean, I know where you are, and I, you know, I'm not going to divulge it because obviously you don't want people to know. But is it packed? Is it a bustling scene? No. It, is it during, a winter during, wonderland? During the week, uh, there's not that many people around. Uh, during the weekend, there's a lot of people. There's a big, very big difference, bigger the difference than most places. And uh, I've also been restricted to uh, a relatively small choice of restaurants because of my inability to travel anywhere and the lack of hours that many of these restaurants have, the ones that are here. So uh, I've eaten. What about gaming? Has there been any gaming going on? There has been. How is that going? Uh, Not very well. I've run pretty bad. I mean, I know you. So on a scale of one to ten without divulging how bad. Well, you know, an amount. What what would it be on your ten versus your one? Uh, probably like a two. It's been pretty. Oh, bad. okay, okay, okay. Well, that's that's not too bad. In fact, I I kind of do know. I mean, because I did read on the sister site about uh, you know, and you're absolutely right. You know, about if you're not really dealt anything, it really fucks up that variance. Well, it's also the problem you don't get royal flushes, which I you, you know it's so weird. I've played a lot of video poker now by, by this point, and I have gotten in my life six Royal Flushes. And I'm talking about it in, not at a wild game, not like a Deuce's Wild thing. I'm, I'm talking about like a, a, a game where there's no wild cards involved. I've gotten six Royal Flushes in my life, and all six were on the same trip. This was two years ago at the RingCon. I got six Royal Flushes, and that was far above expectation for the number of hands I played. Unfortunately, I was playing a lower limit than I usually do. Of course, that has to be. But other than that, I've had zero Royal Flushes lifetime, including trips like this, where I probably should have averaged about three with, with the number of hands I played and the fact that I was doing multiplay. And So to get zero Royal Flushes, I'm not done yet, but so far to have gotten zero Royal Flushes. Now, if a Royal Flush was Ace-King-Queen-Jack-9 Ace, all of the same suit, I'd be doing great. That I've gotten plenty of. 
Yeah. The ten I can't get. The ten's been the problem. Now, did you bring enough money with you? Has that been an issue? I believe it or not, it it has been an issue. I actually had to walk to the bank to get some. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. No, it sucks. You know, you don't. Uh, the, the thing is, when you play games, that you know, there's a certain expectation of of uh, what you're going to lose for each game, but there's a lot of variance to it. And, and there's nothing you can do. Unlike poker, you can say, well, I could have played better. Well, I could have game-selected better. You know, I, I, I could have uh, quit earlier when the game wasn't good anymore. It's not like this. When you're playing a machine and, and you're saying, I'm going to play a certain amount on this machine, whether I win or lose, uh, and, and it doesn't matter if you play now or t- you know, now or later, it's, this, it's the same conditions. It's not like at a poker table where the game can be better or worse. Uh, it's it's all out of your hands. It's all luck. So all you can do is just play the very best strategy you can and try to pay as much attention as you can to not misclick. Uh, but but beyond that, you've just got to hope for the luck, and it, and it can be very frustrating when the luck just doesn't come. So, and and you never know going into it. So that's that's always a risk you take when you when you do this sort of thing. You've got to. Go into this preparing yourself. Similar to what you have to do for poker. I mean, you'll run bad in poker as well. You can play in great games in poker and still lose. So, right. So you've, you've just got well, to. Well, always... you still got some time to turn around. Yeah, that's a, yeah, good, a little that's time. So, so yeah, that's optimistic view. Yeah, that's. What what is the? Uh, I'm going to guess obviously, four aces with a kicker. Is that the best you've have you even got that yet? No, no. I've been playing jacks are better, so there's no kicker. Oh, uh, okay. I, and I, I haven't had. I've had a straight flushes, but not a dealt one, so it's, it's not that great. Yeah. So I. So no, no royal is the killer. Because yeah. the number of hands I've played, I should have gotten like around three royals. So that's, that's what is uh, the big problem. Yeah. And, and I've actually run worse than even even if you take that out of the equation. Even if I did get those three royals, I still uh, would be running below expectation. So. It's annoying. So anyway, uh, well, yeah, go about your business. I, I'll stay on for a little bit. Uh, yeah, and, and I, gonna have I like a little how, dinner soon, so I'll mute myself. So, okay. uh, by the way, I like how you, you read. Hear, I, I like how you read the sister site. I'm, I'm happy. Oh, I, I've been. I lurk on there all the time. Huh? I didn't know that. That's I it. don't like that Robbie Singer though. He's like the <laughs> Judonk of that no, site. Well, yeah, he, he, he's definitely the troll of that site. He was a troll <sighs> of that site before I had anything to do with it. Before I even registered an account on that site, he was a troll there. So, I mean, if you say the sun is out, he says it's cloudy. If you say it, it's just for the sake of arguing. Not only that, not but a lot, even... a lot of the stuff he claims about himself and his life are not true. I actually know a lot more about him than he thinks I do. But because he's just mostly harmless, he's like a harmless old man who's just kind of bitter. I, I don't, well, I don't remember even... what you said about the last harmless old, old man who you thought was just bitter. No, but this, I can tell you, you had this, to hire a lawyer. I know, but this guy is. Uh, He's not quite like that. I, because yeah. he's not like my enemy. I'll, I'll go back and forth with him. But there's people he really hates on there that really hate him. I, I'm just someone he disagrees with sometimes, but he doesn't have like a real dislike for me. But but anyway, the I I don't even say all that I know about him, which could be very embarrassing, just just because you know I don't want to agitate. But I I actually know some things that uh, he'd be surprised that I know. Now, that kind of just fell into my lap. I didn't even, like, research it or right. anything. But, uh, but no, I like the sister site. Some good reading on there. Yeah, yeah. What I normally will do is I'll go four or five days and not even look at it because, no offense, it's kind of slow. 
You know, it's not like it's, you know. Yeah, it is slow. It's probably, what, maybe like 15 core posters at the most. Yeah, like, well, you know, well I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys what the sister site is in case you guys are wondering. I've mentioned it before. It's it's VegasCasinoTalk.com, and that's a site that uh, I own as well, just like Poker Fraud Alert. But I didn't start out owning it. It was, it was a site called Alan Best Buys, and then Alan uh, sold it to me for uh, not very much money, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, but... Uh, he 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 basically got sick of running it, and and I took it. So, so it has all the old posts from Alan Best Buys and all, a lot of the, all the user, old users from there. But it's it's a site where there's talk about it's more of a talk about casinos and gambling sort of site than it's not really a poker site. So, but but if you like that sort of stuff, uh, then then it's it's got a bit of a, a different tone, a different look than Poker Fraud Alert. Though there is some trolling on there, just like Poker Fraud Alert. That that they have in common, except it's an older crowd there. It's like it's like older trolls on there. It's like for some reason the, tro- know, the trolls there are like sixty. If you browse through the the different forums and subforums, there are some pretty good nuggets of information that could be found. Uh, you know, just it, it it's a more serious tone, and you know, for the most part, people are very nice to each other, or respectful. Someone asks a question. People give an answer once in a while. There's some, like, debate that can get a little, you know, heated. Nowhere near, like, what we'd consider heated on the fraud uh, site. But uh, for the most part, someone asks something, then someone explains it. People say thank you, and you're welcome. I mean, it, it's a you know, different mentality. And, and there, yeah, there are some knowledgeable people in, in the casino gambling world and the, uh, and the uh, advantage play world. There's, like, a number of people there who are knowledgeable about a lot of these topics. So it's If, uh, if you got about 12 hours of kill... Go find the thread where Todd and Mendelssohn are debating what the definition of overcomped is. It's a real doozy. <laughs> it goes on for 20 pages about what the definition of – no offense. That was like the worst thread I ever read. I was sorry I started reading it. When I got so caught up, I had to keep reading well, it. But you could have closed finished. it at some point. You, know, you, didn't, you weren't forced. I you weren't forced trapped. to. It was awful. There was, and then finally everyone just gave up. Like it wasn't like there was any resolution. No one agreed. Oh, you're right, or I'm wrong, or they just gave up fighting. It was 20 pages plus of what overcomp means. Yeah, and that, that was between me. That was between me and the former owner of the site, so, Mendelssohn, who still who still posts very actively on there. I like him. He's a good poster. Yeah, gonna, you know, discount him. So, but yeah, good stuff. I even I've read the Atlantis post. That's why I was addressing that because that was a topic on there in regards to people being concerned or, or wondering whether there was any pressure to, to gamble. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, I never, no one said it to me. I asked the host, I asked the front desk and everything was done up front. But so. you know what I'm still looking for? I'm still looking for an example of someone who went there and played zero. Someone who just went there, did not play a penny and left. Did, did, were they given a hard time at all? See, but I don't think that's going to happen because a, if you're a gambler, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do every night? Well, it depends know, who you're because, with. If you're, if you're with your family, then you don't have to uh, – you, you don't feel well, like Well, I guess that's different if, if you're there with a, a young child. You know, because there, there, you know, there's a movie theater that's complimentary um, while you're on the property, you know, so you can see there's comedy shows. There's, there's activities and things to do. But, you know, for the most part, you know, what would I do? You know, if I wasn't going to go in the casino at seven, eight o'clock at night, every night for a week, you know, where, where, you know, what are you going to sit in your room from eight o'clock on into the morning? But more so than that, you know, when you get down to the casino, even someone like you that is telling yourself you're dead set against playing. Once you see, you know, certain conditions in the casino, you're going to you're going to 100 percent want to play. Yeah. So well, that's, really that, that's, if, if I see you. something like that, then yes. 
a hundred percent. Okay. Like I said, there. Uh, I mean, I'm not making this up. I'm not embellishing in any way. There are people that I know that were down there just for the casino that are professional gamblers that are much smarter than me about certain things. They were down there for the only, for the, the only reason hmm. to, to, for, to play the casino, no poker, you know, during the day, of course, you know, the casino during the week, uh, the table games open up sometime in the afternoon. I, I don't know what time and they close at 4am. So it's not even 24 hours except for on the weekends. The slot machines are always 24 hours, but they close the table games at 4am except for Friday and Saturday. Um, but anyhow, like I said, you know, very reputable people that are well-respected, even within our community, were down there just for that reason. So I'm telling you, when I say it's a non-issue about the gaming, you can say all you want, but when you get that, get down there, you're going to see certain things you're going to want to play. It's just, it's going to be right in front of your face. Okay. So, yeah. So, I, you know, and you could post this on the, on the sister site. It's, you know, I'm not worried about it. You know, they, they. Obviously, you know, someone has to know what they're doing. I mean, I've been when I was down there, even though it was my first time, I was told that these conditions have been like this for forever, for a long time. You know that they, I, I don't get it. I mean, I don't know why. You know, I don't know. You know, they're pit bosses and and you know, they're people watching, but no one really. I, I don't get it. I don't really understand it. Yep. By the way, someone someone texted. I think it's Mumbles badly. He said, uh, "Drexel lives happy day." So at least uh, Aww, he's, he's happy nice. to see you. I, I think that's him. All right. If it is, hi, Mumbles. It's cute. So anyhow, listen, I know I've hijacked the show enough. I'm going to pause myself or mute myself. Uh, Scott, give me a shout-out or give me a, a text when you get to Vegas. Trader Risky, it's good to hear that sweet little voice of yours. And I may interject some more, but thank you for uh, allowing me some time to, to talk. It's been nice okay, to be well, back here. Good, good to hear you on the show. I didn't expect yeah. it, but it's, it's great. I, was, uh, I think the audience would be very happy to hear you as well after the uh it's been some time so that's uh that's great i'm, I'm glad you called i was happy to see you, you pop up on the uh on the call list here and uh you can you can hang on as long as you want and uh i'll go back to the uh, the fraud show here and when you get back no rush but just so people really you know most important thing i wanted people to realize i'm not making excuses i know that there are a, a number of people that kind of have some misgivings about whether a show is ever going to take place and Listen, there's been several times when I've been here in my home in the morning or even late at night when I'm just like, you know what, I wish I could just go on radio and talk to people, whether it's some stories I just thought of or things I wanted to share. Uh, I promise you, and, and I think you attested to this earlier, Druff, that it really is just a technical issue. Yeah, it is. It and is. Once, we, we have to get it started. Once all that's resolved, I'm just – listen, I'm not going to lie. There's certain things I excel at. I'm not a, a technology – you know, in terms of computers and – Things like that, it's not my forte. I'm just not good at it. I'm clueless. So I can't – I've tried, and I just can't get it resolved, and, I, you know, I need some help. And I've already – you know, I've reached out to Trader Ruski. I've reached out to other people, and, you know, I, I – you know, it's kind of just no one can really help me except for you because no one really understands how you can, you know, constructed the site. Yeah. So basically I need your help. Yeah, I'll, I'll so help So once uh, you get back and get settled and call me, we'll get it working, get it up and going, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll have a show out there. All right. I promise you that. Very good. All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to just keep me on the line, and maybe I'll interject. But if not, have a great night, everyone, and thank you again for the time. I appreciate okay. it. Thank you. So, okay. So we got uh, – so, so, okay, jumping back, if you guys even remember, it's been a long uh, deviation, but uh, a lot of interesting stuff. 
But uh, I want to jump back to Chad Powers. If I don't, I think that the Hanson kid may stop listening because the, this, the Hanson kid is very big on this topic for some reason. But uh, but I, I find it interesting, too. So basically, this Chad Power guy, just to quickly recap since we stepped away from this when Brandon called. the uh, Chad Power is a professional poker player, a live player, who was playing regularly at Maryland Live and had a group of six other, now five other people who would also play that he was bankrolling. But uh, it's where at least one of them was there 24-7. I guess so nobody ever misses the best games. Though Scott from the East Coast verified that they were not colluding and that they were either never at the same table or very rarely at the same table. So they were trying very hard to separate from each other, which, which is good. That even if they're on the same bankroll, if they're not at the same table, then uh, not much bad can be said. I, I agree the, with the criticism that an article about this isn't the best thing. Uh, they should have thought about maybe this is going to scare fish away. I mean, it doesn't affect me because I'm not uh, ever going. I'm not going to be playing in Maryland live. I don't. I live many, many miles away from there. But uh, I can't imagine that someone's reading this article and reading about quote teams that are waiting to take their money. That that doesn't sound good. So anyway, it goes on to say this. After it talked about how he made four hundred thousand between four hundred thousand and eight hundred thousand a year, which I don't believe. Uh, so I talked about the agent, the real estate agent Gabriella Nitescu, who was waiting at a two-story colonial in Fort Washington, and she actually used to be a blackjack pit boss at Maryland Live. And I guess he didn't know her, but he said, really, Power said, I was banned from Blackjack in Maryland Live for counting cards. Uh, ah, she said, I worked daytime. I probably didn't see it. Uh, on crutches because of a basketball injury, Power hobbled from the cavernous basement to the balconied master suite that would be his lair. His lair. Power got into poker watching ESPN as a Pittsburgh eighth grader. That's so strange to me. But I mean, there were kids even younger than that. I mean, there, there were the poker boom started 14 years ago. So there were kids who were like six years old who are now old enough to play the, uh, the, the world series or, or, or will be, or I guess seven years old. will be playing the world series this year when the poker boom started. But, uh, he was an eighth grader. His, his single mom couldn't afford to let him play online. So he honed his skills on $5 high school games. He got good enough in college to drop out and play regularly at the local casino. By 2012, he was training and funding a couple of friends. And they moved to Atlantic city, living at the Borgata for a year before relocating to the newly opened Maryland live in 2013. I've got nothing to say bad to say about Maryland live power said some very good people there, but this is going to be much nicer and it's going to attract a lot of whales. The Fort Washington house would do. It was seven minutes closer than the next best, and the owner, who had been hoping for an MGM-related business boom, had no problem with Power's income stream. So he's renting the place, by the way. Uh, so you're doing what you love, owner Sissa Riley said. They can move in before the holidays. And there's a picture. It's described as Power and his former girlfriend, Samantha Hartness, were among those getting a VIP preview of the new casino before it opened to the public on December 8th. I, I think it's funny. It's like this very sweet picture of the two of them walking hand in hand and looking lovingly into each other's eyes. As the, it may have been a staged picture. They do this type of stuff on, on these articles. But I, I think it's funny that on December 8th, they're looking this way at each other, and now we're in uh, January 24th, and they're, they're, he's, she's a former girlfriend. <laughs> Come on. 
I, I will say she she's pretty hot in this picture. I mean, she's kind of looking to the side, but from what I can see, she looks very good. This this girl. Um. A week later, Power was among the first to walk through the doors of MGM's grand opening. MGM Grand's opening, uh, getting a VIP preview in the hours before the public poured in. Samantha Hartness, a former girlfriend and one-time, one-time cocktail waitress at Maryland Live. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Accompanied him through the glittering new space. Between them, they were greeted by dozens of friends, customers, and workers alike as the casino world turned out to inspect a new venue. I, I'm always suspicious of the cocktail waitress that ends up dating the successful player there. I mean, uh, you know, looking at Chad Power, and, and you know, I don't, I don't really judge dudes that well because I'm not a, I'm not even like the slightest bit attracted to guys. So it's it's kind of hard. I like looking at guys. I can usually tell if they're really ugly or really good looking, but kind of in the middle, I have a hard time like really figuring out how attractive they are to girls typically. But I mean, this guy, he kind of just looks like an average guy. Like he's not an ugly guy. He doesn't look like someone who's like really good looking either. He kind of just looks like middling, just you know, kind of okay, average guy in his in his twenties. I guess our gay listeners can comment on this, but this 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 is what I see as a straight guy looking at him. So, but, but yet his girlfriend was very hot, and I, I kind of get the you see them and you kind of go like, okay, this kind of makes sense. She she dated him because he was the winning poker player there, and she saw him winning a lot and probably throwing around a lot of money and you know, maybe tipping her well. And uh, I mean, I don't know that for sure. It could have been that she just got to know him and liked his personality. But the the, <laughs> the fact she was a former cocktail waitress and now they're broken up a month later. I don't know how long they were together before that, but uh, whenever I see cocktail waitresses moving up to become girlfriends. uh, Anyway, between them, they were greeted by dozens of friends, customers and workers alike, as the casino world turned out to inspect a new venue. I love the lobby, Hartness said, gazing up into the towering atrium. Powers shrugged. He was ambivalent about the sculptures, chandeliers and other luxury notes MGM has packed into its huge compound complex, which stretches five city blocks. None of that's a big deal for me personally, but I know it attracts a lot of people willing to spend money on nice things. One clear upgrade, the food. Power rolled appreciatively by eateries opened by Jose Andre and the Voltaggio Brothers, an Asian fusion option. He took a proffered cheeseburger from a a cocktail tray outside of Shake Shack. The question is, when do they close? You want options at 3 a.m. People who stay that late are usually losing. He's right about that. I've said before that the best time to show up, if your sleep schedule can handle it, the best time to show up to play live is middle of the night. Two reasons. Number one, uh, everyone's usually tired and been playing a long time and not playing their best. Number two, a lot of the pros who are there every day want to live some sort of semblance of normal schedule and normal life and usually have gone home by then. So you often miss a lot of the pros. I noticed that at the Bellagio. The bad, sometimes, the bad side to that is some games break at that time, so sometimes you'll just miss a game that was running. When they finally reached the poker room, a muffled enclave of three dozen tables set off in the bing, bling, and blare of the slots floor, his eyes lit up. He settled into a chair and test bounced for comfort. No, nice lighting and no windows, he said. People are going to stay and play. Poker manager Johnny Grooms, a Mississippi transplant with an Elvis air, came to introduce himself. Now that's interesting. Poker manager Johnny Grooms is the one who presented me with my bracelet in 2005. 
there I, I apologize that somehow that volume was up yeah he was the tournament director then so he's the one who handed me my bracelet when I won um, it was never really said why he was let go from the World Series or why he left the World Series but I heard some rumors that weren't very good I I'm not going to go and into it further because I don't have any uh, evidence or proof but uh, I heard that uh, it wasn't the best situation of why he left but I don't know it could just be a rumor I guess he's landed on his feet though working at the MGM National Harbor Um, I don't know if you've heard of me Powers said shaking his hand I've heard of everybody grooms answered Pros such as Power are welcomed by casinos. Not only do they gamble for countless hours, but they attract players who want to test themselves against the best. Basically, if he can provide two or three people from his team for games at the higher stakes level, it makes it that much easier for us to get those games started, Groom said. The two of them went over the room rules, the schedule of the five poker cashiers, the ease of access to the 600 safe deposit boxes, Power asked if it would be okay for him to occasionally play in the same games as his team members. Groom said he would prefer they don't. I'll be up front with you, Groom said. If I know you are staking someone else at the table, my guys are going to watch that. I'm perfectly fine with that, Power said. I'm an open book. Power asked about the possibility of putting a partition wall around the two high-stakes tables in the center of the room. Power said that he frequently arranges invitation games with players who demand privacy. When Michael Phelps plays, he can't have his picture taken, Power said. Kevin Hart plays with us, son. Some. Grooms nodded. We've been considering that. Power sat down for a few hands of low-stakes, no-limit greeting players knew he knew well. Nothing big would develop that night. At 10.30, hundreds of people who had been waiting for months to see the new casino would jam the floor. It's going to be nutty for the first few days, Power said, heading to the Tap Sports Bar for a burger with some friends. Then we'll get in here and get serious. By mid-December, the poker house was mostly occupied, was occupied but mostly still in boxes. Talking about the house he lives in now. A rack filled with athletic shoes was overflowing by the front door, just as it had at the old place. A casino-style poker table filled the dining room. Why? Why? If if they're playing at the casino, why do they need a poker table at home? It's weird. I guess for fun or something. Uh, Two of the five televisions were unpacked, including the big 70-incher in the living room, surrounded by three mismatched couches. Upstairs, team members were setting up their own austere chambers in the highly monetized environment of the poker house. Each one bid on the room he wanted. Mike Rutkowski, 26, bagged the biggest for 6.30 a month. Aaron Mendelson is paying 5.30 for a bedroom with a view of the U-Haul Depot. A former union welder has been with Power. The, the former union welder has been with Power, power since 2013, and sees the casino as a chance to improve the 10 hours or more he spends sitting at the poker table each day. That's interesting because uh, I know Big Dick who listens to this show and posts on the forum. I think he was a former union welder who now is a uh, No Limit Hold'em online pro. All that new blood is going to be a highly profitable room, he said. He planned to make his first trip later that night. Power Power was just off his own first overnight at MGM. He had played for eight hours and made $8,000. With the sun going down, he should have been heading for bed. Instead, he was thinking of heading back for more time at the table. I should sleep, he said, but I just want to go play. 
that's the end of the article, kind of a weird ending. So, 2 Plus 2 didn't like this article. It's funny because the Hanson kid posted this to 2 Plus 2, not, not with any commentary, just like, here's an article about Chad Power and posted it. And then it, it got a lot of negative reaction. And in my opinion here is that um, probably some of the facts here were stretched, like the four hundred to eight hundred thousand he's making a year, and and I think that this article probably is not helping with bringing recreational players to that game. In fact, I'm surprised he even wanted this. You know, if if I had a poker house where I'm staking five other people to be there constantly and take money off fish, I'm keeping it to myself. I'm not I'm not having an article in the Washington Post about it. So that that's kind of weird. That if it's so important to him for fish to come there. I mean, he he's commenting through the article about how he wants the eateries open late so fish can come there and eat late, blah, blah, blah. But then he's talking about how he wants fish to come there and take their money. So it's, it's such a strange thing to have an article about unless he just wants to promote himself so badly that it's worth it to him. I don't know. Uh, in the 2 plus 2 thread, I saw a lot of mixed opinions of his play. I, I saw some people saying that he's the, f- the fish in the bigger games, and he's not very good. I saw some others saying that he's one of the better players at Maryland Live and now at the MGM, and that uh, they do believe that he makes good money playing there. So, I don't know who to believe. Truthfully, you'll, you'll always have people saying such and such person's actually a fish. So, I have to say without a lot of reports of that, it's kind of hard to believe. And and it was verified he's been staking a lot of people. So that that part's not made up. So I, I don't think it's a bad article. I mean, it, it is weird how the same guy wrote about him and that poker house a year and a half ago, and now he's writing it again. There's even some suspicion that maybe Power paid for this article in some way. Or it's possible the writer just knows him and finds him interesting and wanted to write about him twice. I don't know. But I I think it's much ado about nothing. I don't really see that much objectionable about this. It, it's just a guy who stakes others. They all live together in a house. They're, they've always got one of them in the game. And okay. I mean, it's not, it's not that spectacular of a story. And to, to be honest, it's the story wasn't that interesting. I mean, I'm kind of sorry I read the whole thing to the whole... I mean, it's mildly interesting, but it's. A, I, I was kind of waiting for some gotcha part of the article that was really attention grabbing. This is just kind of a guy who stakes other people. They all live in the same house, and they, they're always down there. Okay, I mean, I've seen that in Vegas for years. Trader Risky, what's are you still awake? I'm here. So, what's your reaction to this whole article I read? Well, I mean, yeah, I agree with you on your synopsis, and, and I just don't understand why people want to advertise how much money they make playing poker. That's something I don't understand. Yeah, I think it's some air of self-promotion to this. That's what I think. I think he wants, you know, maybe sponsorships in the future, or he wants some kind of poker fame. I, I think that's the what the IRS is going to be very happy to hear all this. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. And 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 what if you're not really making that money? So since you know right. live live poker is it's all cash, so there's very little record of how much you're really making. So you announce you're making four hundred to eight hundred thousand, 
And then the IRS says, hmm, well, you didn't declare anywhere near that. Well, what's going on here? And then they audit you. And you're like, no, 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 I just said that for the newspaper. Well, okay, we don't believe you. We think it's what you really make. Like, <laughs> You've just made a statement which is admissible uh, in any kind of case because you voluntarily made it to a newspaper. And your only defense to it if it's, is that I just said it to show off for the newspaper, but it wasn't really true. But, you know, that's... that's uh, yeah, that's not very smart unless you're declaring every penny of it. So yeah, if you're if you're only making a hundred thousand, you say you're making four hundred. That's that's kind of a dumb thing to say. If the IRS might be watching, <laughs> you may have to pay taxes on money you never made. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how much he claimed last year. Yeah, that that would be interesting, and I I just wonder if at the games he's playing. I mean, it's hard to make that much playing live poker unless you're in very high stakes games because the you don't get that many hands in per hour. And I know he's staking people, but you know, who knows how well they're doing. You really I don't know. That, that's a lot of money to be claiming to be making. It, I, I'm just getting a lot of self-promotion from this. I mean, it's, it's nothing terrible. If, if, if he wants to self-promote and he got this guy at the Washington Post to be willing to write this article, then great. You know, he, it's not like he doesn't seem to be soliciting any money. It's not, it's not like he's asking for stakes. So there's some, some people on 2 Plus 2 are theorizing that he's doing this so he will get backers and stakers uh, in the future. But, but if he's staking people himself, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So I, I, I think he just enjoys the attention and, and wants to be like a name in poker and wants to be uh, w- wants everyone to look up to him. Wants everyone to see him as uh, one of the greats, and, and and that he's the mentor of this poker team that's winning too. So anyway, that's. Uh, but I still don't think he deserves the hate he's getting on uh, two plus two. So uh, Las Vegas Raiders are going to be a reality. It's been talked about for some time that. First, it was possible. Then it was looking probable. Uh, uh, I shouldn't say probable. Looking possible. Then it was looking uh, like it was. Wait, hold the line for a second now. Don't want you to be the minister of misinformation. It's not a reality yet. the The owners have not voted upon it. And that's still the last step. Twenty four out of thirty two owners, i.e., seventy five percent, must agree when when the owners' meetings occur right after the Super Bowl. For it to take place, oh, I see that. If for yeah. some, if for some reason it does not get at least twenty-four out of the 30, 32 votes, it will not happen. Doesn't matter. It won't. Same thing that happened last year with San Diego when they tried last year to move and they weren't able to. Um, so I, I'm not. You know, you're right in your story. It probably is going to happen because there's just no, uh, there's no stadium deal that works. And and you know, everyone could talk about how greedy the owners are, but. You know, these these owners all work together. And if they see one owner that doesn't really have a profitable you know, business model compared to the others, they want to help. So anyhow, sorry, just wanted to. No, that, that that's out good. That no, I, I, I didn't even, even know. Yeah, it, it's going to happen. I mean, there's no reason why it wouldn't. But that 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 is what the test will be. Twenty four out of thirty two. And even if it's twenty three for that vote, it doesn't happen this year. Yeah. So, and yeah. And it's okay. this, the vote's going to take place in early March. And and as I was saying, yes. it, it started as like a rumor, like oh maybe they'll move to Las See, Vegas. Don't you miss me? Those yeah, yeah, that's great. Like that. <laughs> so right. I had a feeling you'd chime in at some point in this topic, folks. This... I'm very excited about it. I know. I, I that's why I knew you'd chime in. I knew this would be a, very a, a topic you'd like. So 
Uh, first, it was started like you know, like an outside chance. Oh, maybe they'll come. Then it kind of started like, oh, maybe it's really going to happen. And then it started looking kind of probable, and now now it's looking like you know, very close to a done deal. Uh, it's amazing. A hundred years, the city, and they don't have one professional. You know, the four major sports. Now we're going to have two in the same twelve month period. Yeah, amazing. and and uh, so, which the, I think this is going to fuck hockey. I mean, although I get it, you know, it's two different sports, two times a year. But I mean, listen. The majority of people, if they have enough disposable income for one of these sports, what percentage is going to pick football over hockey? Well, and and they conflict it sometimes of the year too. It's not it's not like uh, baseball and and football, which yeah, around what by maybe what is it by week eight maybe somewhere like in October September yeah, I guess yeah, September but that's, that's, that's a healthy portion though. It's, it's not like baseball yeah. and football, which basically uh, are almost uh, completely separate in, in the on the. And calendar. you know, if you're out there walking the old dog one day and you're listening to the podcast on. What is it? The January twenty fourth. I'm going to predict right now that the hockey uh, expansion team is going to fail here. Uh, I don't think. I think you know the first year or two they'll be the novelty, but once they start losing, which any expansion team is always going to do, you know, there's, there's never been a winner in any sport right away in the first you know two or three years. Uh, once the novelty grows old, you know, people are not going to go down there. You know, and deal with the, the traffic and the strip. And, and it's not games that, and it's year. not, it's not that big of a market, and it's uh, nope. And, and and yeah, the NFL is gonna is gonna overshadow it. But football, you know, eight Sundays a year, uh, and I think they actually go to London or Mexico or somewhere. I know they did this year, so maybe it might even be seven Sundays a few years. And then you got two exhibition games. You're talking nine weeks. You know, no one really cares about the exhibition anyhow. I mean, anyone. Can support a team for set, you know, for seven, eight weeks. That's all. That's all it is. Yeah, and weeks. and the NFL is, is a much bigger deal than the NHL in the, in the U.S. So, I I, I can yeah. see a lot of excitement even from tourists that are in Vegas that say, "Hey, oh, I've got to see a game in Vegas now." Well, you know what people are going to do though, you know, obviously, duh, is they'll you know teams that travel well, you know, like the Packers and the Cowboys and maybe even teams on the East Coast like the Patriots. They'll they'll pick their Vegas trip to coincide with when their team is playing in Vegas and they'll make it, you know, a long weekend. That's what everyone's going to do. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're a Bears fan. They're playing, you know, why not? Let's make it a weekend. We'll get, you know, seats on the 50 yard line. So you know, that's going to be a big, big selling point. People don't realize how strong that's going to be for those teams that travel. I mean, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think there will be a number of fans of the game that are, that come specifically, specifically on the weekend that their team is there. So uh, yeah, that this, I know there's been a long time concern about the effect on gambling and and the fear of what if somehow one of the players is bribed to throw the game, but it's not going to happen these days because the players make too much money. It, it wouldn't be worth it for the players to do anymore. In the old days when the players didn't make much, then it made sense for them to throw the game if if they were able to be influenced by uh, evil forces. It, but but nowadays it, they're not going to do it. And besides that, and and you're right, it doesn't you know. No one's going to be able to make a bet that's big enough to make it worthwhile, you know, to throw it, as you just mentioned. But even besides that, you have to realize that in the whole entire planet, and I don't know how they really come up with these numbers, but I read some study uh, last year, right, right around March Madness, which, believe it or not, that's the biggest gambling action that week of the entire planet other than the World Cup. But anyhow, during uh, – you know, March Madness, I read some 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 study, I don't know, Washington Post or something. What percent of gambling and it just said, you know, on, on the four major sports, and we're not talking about soccer and in England, do you think 
Vegas holds, meaning like of the whole pie of NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and hockey betting, what percent of the whole of, of just the wager, the total gross wager, do you think comes from the state of Nevada? Well, does that include the offshore books that are uh, like? Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yes, of course it does. I mean, just all the all the outlets that someone has to bet on on the four major sports. What percentage? So, okay, okay, this is the point. So, I, I'm sorry for not phrasing it right. So, say hypothetically, we'll just throw a number out there. Say there's five billion dollars wagered every year on baseball, basketball, hockey, and football. What percent of that five billion would you guess? comes from the state of Nevada? Uh, 20. Nope. Lower. 13. Lower. 7. 6. Ah, wow. So, and, and the only reason why I bring that up is because that just goes to tell you, you know, goes to show you that people have concerns about, you know, Vegas. We just live in a different era, you know, where anyone even in the, in the, in the, in the state of Iowa can sit and, you know, log in on a laptop and fire on a game you know, in the Caribbean or, or even South America, you know what I mean? It's just, it's not the same thinking as it was. And thankfully the owners recognize this, you know, it's just it, it, in the big picture of gambling, you know, it doesn't matter for teams here because you can gamble basically in any state if you really want to. Yeah. And people do, people do, people love football and they love gambling. It's always been this weird thing where, you know, the league's official stance is, you know, we don't condone gambling. We don't want anything to do with it, but you know what? That's why they have injury reports. You know, that's why throughout the week, and they take this so serious that when teams do not properly give out their injury reports, you know, they lose draft picks. They get fined because it, it screws up lines. It screws up people that, you know, are betting it or handicapping it. And, and, and they know that, you know, it's really, really funny. Like two of the biggest things that the league is against or they come out against, you know, besides the gambling, the second biggest thing is drinking, you know, and how, you know, they, they, don't you know want to condone drinking and the players, which is really ironic, are not allowed to do any sort of endorsements for alcohol, I mean, whether it be beer or you know whether it be you know liquor, wine, whatever. They're not allowed to. Um, but what do you think the biggest advertiser for the NF for NFL is? It's Budweiser. Yeah, that's their biggest weekly advertiser. You know, so but anyhow, I think that's my feeling of why now, uh, you know, we're getting past this taboo of of you know having sports franchises in Vegas because there's so much gambling everywhere that people were going to gamble. It's just not, you know, Vegas really isn't even, all Vegas is, is the legalized betting capital or, you know, wagering sports betting capital of the world. And, you know, the key word there is legal, you know, because if you take away that 8% or 6%, you got 94%, you know, coming from elsewhere, which they're not going to stop. So yeah, how many other people you think are on Bovada? Yeah, firing every yeah, it's 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 antiquated thinking, and it has been for a long Absolutely. time. Absolutely, that's the key word. Yes, and they've just got to kind of get over that. It's, it's one of these things where you you get trapped in that school of thought, and and it's hard to readjust if you're used to it for so long. But then when you really think about it, you go, wait a minute, the way I'm thinking now doesn't make sense. It doesn't apply to the times anymore. Uh, and you know, right before I moved here, it was so stringent that you could not bet. On UNLV athletics, whether it be football or basketball, I don't think the sports books had lines for women's sports. But when I first moved here, you could not bet on UNLV; it was always off the board, and then you know, and that was the reason why, because of point shaving, because of all that. And then they just got so scientific, where you know they can detect if there's an 
you know, abnormal amount of action on a certain side on a certain game. It's just very, very hard to do that. It's yeah, just it very is. hard to even get away with it. You know, it's almost near impossible these days. You know, like if so much money comes in on a game that just isn't normal, that there would be an investigation and, and it just it, no one even tries to do it. But you couldn't even do that. And now the only thing you can't do is if a certain casino has any interest, you know, financial interest, like the Palms, for instance, when the Maloofs used to own it, you know, they also owned the Sacramento Kings. And part of their agreement with the NBA was that they would not be able to accept wagering on their sports, you know, on, on their team. So whoever the Sacramento played or if they were in the playoffs, whatever it would be, you could not bet on them at, at the Palms. And various, like, okay, Stations Casinos, for instance. What what do you think you can't bet at Station Casinos? Um, on uh, UFC. Hey, there you go. Exactly. So there's things like that that, and that just that just makes sense. Just because that you can see how that would be a conflict or a possible conflict of interest, or just proprietarily look bad. But anyhow, I'm I, I'm not concerned about. It. I think it's great, and uh, I'm. I've already told my dad, we talked about this about a week ago when we were at dinner. This will be the first time in my adult life that I purchase season tickets mm. for any sort of franchise. Um, you know, it's a perfect commitment for me. I don't, I'll never be that guy that's going to go anywhere, you know, 40 times or 80 times if it was baseball a year. It's just, it's too much. But eight Sundays a year, I mean, it, you know, the whole experience of tailgating and just enjoying that with my dad, I mean, it, it's very, very exciting to me. Yeah, well, good. And and there's a by, by the way, the this is going to be paid for by 750 million dollars in hotel taxes. That's uh going to pay for the uh, a stadium. So the, so I wonder I, love how, that. I wonder how high it's, the hotel tax is going to go. Us. It's not even us. That's I mean, listen, we talk about all these people fighting about stadium deals and you know, like San Diego, the residents have voted down, you know, these stadiums that could have kept the Chargers there for years. Look what we're doing. The tourists are going to pay for it. It's not going to cost us. Yeah, a I wonder how high they're going to make the hotel taxes, though, to get that much money. It's going up one and a half percent. Okay. Yeah. So and the I good mean, news I... is one and a half percent, but the bad news is it's for like seventeen years, <laughs> <laughs> and that's like on top of the other road projects and other things we've snuck in there over the years as well that the tourists pay for. Yeah. So you may be looking at like ten percent by the time all is said and done. <laughs> So that's that, that's yeah. what's happening here, and the NFL is even talking about. I don't, I don't know how they would work this, but they're even talking about maybe eventually getting a team in London. But how's that team going to travel to play? I mean, I know it's once a week, but still, it's going to be t- kind of tough. Well, you know, when they when they talk about this, they quote a time span or a time frame of like in the next fifteen to twenty years. So the only thing I could think of is maybe they think that technology is going to exist. To transport people faster, or, I mean, I don't know. But they they I had mean, that for a short time, and then the Concord caught, the Concord. On, and yeah. caught on fire. But they were that blowing the, up, though. That, that was yeah. the end of that, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but the, the funny thing is, though, um, I think that'd be a terrible idea. By the way, when I was when I was a a little kid, or even when I was a baby, uh, it it took the same time to fly between L.A. and New York as it does today. There's been no progress. There was briefly progress of the Concorde, but now we're we're back to the same speed yeah. that the airplane. I mean, again, going. no one said that. That was just my opinion because what's going to change? You know, that's a that's a time frame I constantly read about in the next fifteen to twenty years. Now, if, so what if, else could change? What would be tough is for the West Coast teams to play there. For, for teams in the East, going to uh, to London is not that brutal. It's, it's it's going from the West 
is going to be very tough. Just think about what a home field advantage that would be when they're home and how much of a disadvantage would be on the road. <laughs> They'd be like eight and eight forever. <laughs> no one can beat them at home. And then they come to the U.S., they never win. I mean, I mean, Christ, can you though, imagine though, that? Though again, it, it wouldn't be that bad Like when they go play in Boston or New York. that That's a reasonable flight. It's not all that much different than going from, from L.A. to one of those places. But, but going like L.A. to London, is, it would be, that's a very long flight. You know, and then you have to think about the, you know, the high-ranking players that get drafted that don't want to go there. Or, or their agents tell teams, don't draft us because we won't play there. I mean, think about, I know you don't follow football like I do, but back in... What was it 2004 I think or 2003 whatever year it was Eli Manning was going to be drafted by the Chargers and they had been such a woeful franchise for so long and they were only a little bit better during the Damian Tomlinson years and they're also the team that fired a coach after a 14 and 2 season like seven years ago uh, Marty Schottenheimer and they literally you know his agent said if you draft Eli he's not going to play he'll never he'll go back in the draft he'll sit out a year and, you know, and we're talking about San Diego. I mean, it's sunny, yep. you know, 360 days out of the year. It, it, it's it, gorgeous. It, it, it rains only half of what it does in L.A., which doesn't get that much yeah. rain. And he refused to go there, and they, he forced their hand. They didn't draft him. They, <laughs> they would not draft him. And, uh, you know, anyhow, so think about that with London. You're a first-round pick or second, you know, or number two overall pick. Do you really want to live in London? Well, also, I wonder you about the, the tax situation. They have higher taxes over there. And and I wonder the players would probably have to pay that over there, so that's that could be a problem too. That could be a lot of money difference. Well, you know, it's it's really really weird the way. Do you know how it works now with the tax situation? I did not know this until no. recently. The way it works now is say that you live in a state like Florida that doesn't have a state tax. So say you you, know, you play for the Dolphins, you play for Tampa, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or the Jaguars. When you're home, you're not. When you're playing a home game, your prorated portion of that year's salary is not subjected to taxes. But guess what happens when you play in a state that does? Oh, really? That prorated portion, yes. That's crazy. That's that, That's exactly – I don't know how long that's been going that's on. That's dumb because – you know why it's dumb is because uh, you're still working for the, the team that's based in Florida. So you, you shouldn't have to pay other states' taxes. But, just but like the law, you... that the, the way they cite it was the services that you're rendering are occurring in such and such state. So everyone's paycheck is always different from week to week, depending on where you're playing, which I didn't know until recently. I found that very interesting. But you're not. It's so weird, though, because like if you're let me give you an example. If you're a I, I believe what you're saying, but like, let's say you're working for a company. Oh, not, Google not a, it. I'm not lying. I know. I believe you. Let's let's say let's say you are working for a company unrelated to sports, just working for a company based in Florida with no state income tax. <laughs> And you're sent on a business trip to go work at the California location uh, for, for even say two months. You, they're, they're sending you over there, um, or not even just like that. You're, you're going there on a job in California, not a, not a location. You're going on a job that, that's at a third-party company that, uh, that has a contract with your company. Uh, you're you're not going to have to pay California income tax on this. You're, I, I don't believe you would. I, I believe that. Uh, you're still working for the company in Florida, and that uh, th- that's who's paying so you. So if you're a contractor based in Florida, you do construction, for instance, and say you go to California for 90 days to work on a project. No, that, that's, di- that's different. That's that's actually a contract. I'm talking about if you work for a company and your company is uh, 
Oh, based out of Florida, like based out of Florida, for... and then and then a company in California says, "Hey, can you come over here and do some work?" Uh, Say and... you work for Tropicana Orange Juice, based out of Bradenton, Florida, and you you know do something, some you know you're a scientist and you're doing something with orange groves in California. You're saying you wouldn't pay taxes because Tropicana is based in Florida. And if they're paying, if they're signing the paycheck, if you if, if the company in California that you're helping is right, paying, then then it's a different story. So that's why I'm, right. that's why I'm not understanding. Uh, how that's working, but but maybe it's something because their practice sports. facility all week long is in that state. It must be that's some kind of exception. They meetings make. up until they you know fly to play. So yeah, that, that does make sense. It right, might, but it would be but, just like any other business trip. I go on a business trip somewhere. That's what I'm saying. I've been I've right. been on business trips too. Like I, but I know, but I've heard it too. What Brandon's saying. Exactly. Yeah, no, I believe it. That's the funny thing. There must be some exception because like yeah, I've gone on business trips and I had a regular job. I, like I had a business trip in Alabama and I was there for for two weeks. They didn't tax me Alabama and they actually had a, a branch over in Alabama. I was working at the same company just on a business trip over at the same company, the Alabama branch. And they didn't, I wasn't getting the paycheck with Alabama taxes on it. It was, it was California taxes the whole way. So it, it's gotta be something just specific to sports. I, no. Well, some States are weird. Like I had, a, this is years ago, maybe like seven, eight years ago. We had a booth at a conference in New York at Javits center we just had a booth. I didn't pay anybody that worked there. My staff came and worked it. I get to this day. I get bills from the uh, workers comp of New York saying I owe them forty seven hundred dollars because <laughs> we did work in New York or something. So what do you do? You and just ta- you give middle I, finger. I, at this point, I, my account just said toss them. We've tried to talk to them. I thought I had the whole thing resolved. Then the next month, another thing will show up. Yeah, they probably don't have much power over you, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's it's funny with things like that, they don't have much power. But if you get a traffic ticket, then then they got plenty of power. Then they can suspend your license. Oh, then they'll hunt you down, suspend your license. (laughs) Exactly. So, okay. So uh, anyway, uh, final regular topic here: the uh, New York State, second biggest state in the. Nation by population. That's a good transition since you just mentioned it, Trader Ruski. Uh, New York State is talking about possibly bringing online poker to the state as a you know, state level online poker room. Usually I avoid these stories because I used to cover them here, and then not only were they kind of boring, but they usually wouldn't come to pass. I talked to for a while. I'm waiting for that Oklahoma site that's offering bingo and baccar out of start. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, so I got, remember them with the yeah, countdown and yeah, no, no, they, I even they gave an update. They, uh, they it went nowhere. I gave an update very recently, in fact. So, but anyway, the uh, New York uh, State Senator John Bonachick, um, that the, he he proposed uh, a bill S five three zero two, which declares poker is a game of skill. The PPA would be proud of that. And thus should be legal because it's not a game of chance, which I don't even agree with, by the way. I think it's both. Uh, In the bill, um, a game of chance, uh, it's it's defined a different way. So it's saying it's a game of skill. This is what it says. Uh, A contest of chance is defined as any contest game, gaming scheme or gaming device in which the outcome depends in a material degree upon an element of chance, notwithstanding that the skill of the contestants may also be a factor therein. Thus, games of chance may involve some skill, but in those games, the level of skill does not determine the outcome regardless of the degree of skill employed. I I think they're trying to say that uh, a game of skill is where you can influence your results through your skill 
whereas it's a game of chance, it isn't. So he's trying to say things like video. Anyone po- that says poker is a pure game of skill is out of their mind. Yeah, they everyone are. that plays it knows that's not true. Because <laughs> so, if not, your brother wouldn't have won that night. Am I right? <laughs> My brother's not actually not a bad player. He uh, he won the limit hold'em table the one year. He did. He beat Tansu. Remember, everyone Commerce. thought it was a misprint. Well, what is going on here? How'd they get? No, I, I, ta- I talked. I talked about first it. name wrong. No, I, t- I talked about it. Though, though I will say, like when I was when I was playing with him at that block, you know how embarrassing that was on we did radio. <laughs> you had to say I didn't advance with my. No, no, I did. just I just talked about tonight uh, about my brother, and we played at Bellagio last year, and it broke down to like four handed. And that's he, what I'm referring to when you said he won all the money. Yeah, yeah, he well, obviously I heard, heard it. it. I was yeah, he heard it. Yeah. Okay. So, so I yeah, sometimes too. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, mm-hmm. No, he, no, he's not a bad player. He was. He, it's not like he's a fish. He's the, he doesn't. No, I know, but I'm saying that's not. You know, how often does he probably play poker? No, he doesn't play that. He doesn't play that often. No, he doesn't play that often. So, yeah. anyway, saving lives and shit. But yeah. yeah. So uh, it says uh, Senator Bonacek. He, he also uh, wrote this. He put uh, poker in many instances has been defined as a game of skill, and a New York federal court in such and such case assessed that uh, under federal law, poker was predominantly a game of skill. That, I think that had to do with a. Uh, a prosecution they had of someone who was running a poker game there. Uh, New York courts have interpreted New York law to apply to a more rigorous test in ad- identifying a contest of chance than is applied by most states in this nation, and the courts have found that where a contest pits the skill levels of the players against each other, those games are games of skill and not of games of chance. So they're basically saying that New York is, uh, they're more open at the at, at their state level and as far as what they've determined, what's skill, what's chance, that they they in New York have determined that if skill is a large element of the game, then it's a game of skill, even if chance exists too. So that's why he's setting this all up to say why online poker should be legal. So then he wrote, the legislature further finds that as the internet has become an integral part of society and in, and internet poker, a major form of entertainment for many consumers, any interactive gaming enforcement and regulatory structure must begin from the bedrock premise that participation in a lawful and licensed gaming industry is a privilege and not a right, and that regulatory oversight is intended to safeguard the integrity of the games and participants in, and to ensure accountability and the public trust. So, so he's saying, look, we've already determined poker is a game of skill in New York. The internet's a big thing for online poker. Since we've determined it's a game of skill, we, we need to legalize and regulate it here, and, and there shouldn't be any reason we can't. That, that's what this bill's saying. And the bill overwhelmingly passed the Senate, 53 to 5. But it had to get through the Assembly, and it was, quote, laid aside. So laid aside means that... Uh, they just weren't voting on it. They didn't find it was important enough to vote on it at the time. And then a lot of times bills just die there because they're just not seen as important. They put it off to the side and nothing ever happens. So that's what happened last year. But but it's not dead. So uh, so it could be coming back. What's interesting, there's no bad actor clause in this bill. So the thing that's been keeping online poker out of California has been that where Poker Stars wants to come in and there's the pro poker stars contingent which is going to run their software and then there's the anti poker stars contingent which is competing software and that's what the bad actor clause is about in California where half the tribes want to keep poker stars out half want to have poker stars in and they can't come to an agreement and that's been stalled and stalled for years so there's no bad actor explain to me can you explain to me without you know it, it being too long how did New Jersey circumvent or how did they circumvent the bad actor clause in New Jersey because every state's different with just what, what they decide to do. So they, uh, they they decide not to have one over there. 
okay. Yeah. Yes, fair enough. So so anyway, the uh so the the so this is possible that that the bill this year is going to come back and um There's been some talk that this may, you know, make its return and this time actually get voted on in the assembly. Uh, but um, the funny thing was the reason it was laid aside, one of the main reasons it was laid aside last year, was that the actual sponsor of the bill in the assembly, a, a representative named uh, J. Gary Pretlow, was concerned, even though he sponsored the bill, he decided he was concerned about his own bill, that the online poker operators would not be able to prevent cheating. And he was talking about collusion, that there's going to be too much collusion online and that even in his own bill that there was an issue with that and that he wanted to be convinced that there was going to be a way they could stop collusion. Otherwise, he's not even sure if he can support it, which is kind of weird. Like he introduces the bill, but then says, you know what, though, in my own bill, I do have some skepticism. So so uh, the problem is they can't claim they're going to prevent all cheating. They can put their best effort to it, and they can lay down guidelines. But if the goal is to have zero cheating in online poker, you're never going to achieve that goal. But they've, they've got a there's an acceptable amount of cheating, meaning that there's a little that can get by. But as long as they're uh, aggressively looking for it and aggressively investigating any reports, that's all you can really do. Much like in live card rooms, there's cheating, and as long as it's not to too severe of a level then it's not a huge problem. Something you prefer is not there, but you can't say... If you were to say any form of cheating in, in live poker is horrible, and therefore if there's even a, one instance of it per day, then these rooms would be shut down. They'd all be shut down, because there there, there is cheating that goes on. And uh, it's just a matter of catching and keeping to a minimum and, and the casino doing all they can to prevent that. So, uh, anyway... Uh, since then, this is why there's some optimism, this Pretlow guy has met with the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement, and they kind of talked him into understanding that it's not a big problem, because it's already legal in New Jersey, obviously, so he feels better. So he may reintroduce it into the assembly now that he feels better, now that he met with New Jersey about this and sees that they're doing okay over there as far as the, the cheating concern. So if he brings it back to the assembly, remember it already passed the Senate easily, then it could pass there, and then then we could have online poker in New York, which that would be a big test to see if state-level online poker can succeed. Because right now, Nevada's online poker is a fail. Uh, New Jersey's is a moderate fail. It's 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 got little activity, but it's 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 not doing very well either. You know the thing about the WSOP.com. If only they had one of their most volume-based players make a deep run on the... I connect back. Somehow, somehow it disconnected. The, the internet where I am disconnected. We are we are back on the air. This was not. This one's not my fault. This was the... Yeah, uh, it could have been when I got knocked off, so it hasn't been that long. Yeah, well, you, okay. So anyway, yeah, Brandon was just I joking. I can't do that whole Atlantis trip review again. I don't got the energy. <laughs> okay, Bra- Brandon, let's redo the last three hours here. Let's start now. Brandon, I want to hear about Annie up for autism. No, I'm so I'm so happy you called. I'm I'm so happy you called Scott because we we could have gone on for a long time here and not realize we weren't on. That's what I get for not looking at the chat. But uh, yeah, it's weird. It just cut, and it, it, this is what happens when you use hotel internet. Like you you just never know. Uh, 
I should check more often, but we're we're back on now. For those in the archives, Trust, just, yeah. If you if you can't open up the Drew Wallet, I'll PayPal you some money so you can get the high speed stuff next time. I do. That's what I have right now. I have the best package. Oh well, it's a Caesar sale then. Don't get the high speed anymore. No, they they uh, they they do, but they deny you do. You, oh. you do, but they they won't admit it. It's very weird. It's like the we can't confirm, but we can't deny. Kind of it's worse than that. It's that you 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 ask them, can I have the premium internet? Is it going to cost me any money as a seven star? And they say yes, it will. And you try to talk them out of it, and they say no, no, no. They dig their heels and they say absolutely not. You, if you get the premium internet, you're going to pay the difference between the basic and the premium rate. And and, and just as you resign yourself to having to pay, you go sign up for it, and it doesn't show up on your bill. And and I one time got got an explanation from this uh, for this that apparently it goes into what's known as a seven stars folio, which is different than like the resort fee folio. So like it gets billed to the seven stars program, not not to the player, not to the player's reward credits, but like the seven stars program actually gets a bill for it. But but like no one knows that. So you ask anyone on property, and they they'll treat you like you're crazy if you say you're getting it free. But but again, I. This is a suggestion to try. I, if, if you try it and get billed, it's possible they've changed it since then, uh, and, and and it's possible that the property you're at has a different policy of the way they do it. But but from what I have seen, I have never once been billed for choosing premium internet as a seven star, even though they say you, you know, only the, get basic. How the times have changed. When I first became seven star, I swear to you, I'm not making this up. I would order porn with penetration. In my room, just when I was going out for the day, just because it was the most expensive thing, and I'd get it for free. I'd buy like the blocks, you know how they have the blocks, it would just be like four hour porn. You know what I mean? It's like did did you leave it on like a top volume to disturb the neighbors? I would to... leave it on loud, and then I would put, I would leave my, you know, very rarely I'd do this, but I didn't have valuables. I've always been paranoid about that. I'd have the maids come in just because I'd always think it'd be awkward. And then maybe some of them actually would make it a porn within a porn where if I walk in, then, you know, Conchita's sitting on the bed playing with herself. Oh, Mr. Gerson, I had no idea you were back. Uh, oh, you yes. Oh, yes, you could, yes. You could, you could watch, yes. You could watch 100 movies. And there's cocksuckers now. They cut you down to what is it? Isn't it one a day? Yeah, one a day, yeah. But you remember the days of unlimited penetration porn? Yeah. Here, here Brandon, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something here. Am I too loud? I'm sorry. No, 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 you're fine. No, I want, I want you to tell me. Um, I, I'm going to let you hear a girl's voice. I want you to tell me if you think she, this is a sexy voice. Okay, you ready? All right, sure. Hi, Brandon. Do you like me? Do I, I mean, I know that's your voice because I kind of, I heard that with uh, your little snow date, your snow uh, live FaceTime thing. Brandon, how can you say that? Do I sound like Todd? <laughs> do I sound anything like Todd? Come on. It's Yeah, you do. That's Not sexy, bad. sorry. That's rough. That's rough with a high pitched voice. Yeah, I found a filter on this sound card. That I can do this whenever I want. Let's see what else we have here. There's there's various things I can do. So this is the female voice. Um, this is really weird. This is to make myself even more of a man. Hello. This is me as a double man. It's really weird. Oh, I like that one. That one has some potential. Hello, Brandon. play off your good cop, bad cop. Brandon, you better tell me what you really did in Atlantis. Otherwise, there's going to be some pain. 
No, 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 come on. Don't do that to Brandon. He's a nice guy. Come on. We, let's just have him tell us. I'm sure he will let us know without us putting any kind of real pressure on him. Oh, I'm going to put pressure on him. I'm going to put big pressure on him if I don't find out what I need to know immediately. Wow, that's good. <laughs> who was that? From, was who was that from last week's show? Trump was it Big George or something? Oh, oh, Big, Big Charlie. George? Big Charlie. Big Charlie. Big Charlie. Big, you, I think you just found Big Charlie voice. This is Big Charlie. You better pay what you owe, and you better pay it right now. You know, draw. What, what do you have to type a phrase in? I assume, like in the keyboard, is that how you're doing it? Or you have no, a certain no. Phrase I just save? speak. I say whatever I want. Oh, yes. I think a crank call should be in order with what, that voice. That's a that's a scary voice. Well, who are we going to call? That's an intimidating voice. Listen, you better tell me who we're going to call. There's going to be no call at all. <laughs> There's going to be trouble if you don't tell me exactly who to call, when to call, and what to say. Um. Here, what about this one? Let's see. This is like the ransom voice. Brandon, if you do not bring every penny you won in Atlantis to an unmarked car two blocks away from your home directly to the west, you will die tonight. Do you understand? Well, it sounds like the, like the villain from like a, a scary movie or something. Very good. Well, that's actually that's that's this voice that usually like ransom calls, like the scrambled yeah. voice for the ransom call. That's what it sounds like. Now this is a weird one. I don't know what the, what is this effect. It sounds pretty. Nah, it sounds almost the same. Hello, this is me. If I suck on a helium balloon. Wait, hold on, Larry Laffer. I knew you were going to say that. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> listen, listen. Just because I ride my bike does not make me an inferior person, or less of a man. I am working. I'm doing an important job delivering packages or whatever else I need to deliver without being stuck in traffic, okay? And just because I got in some trouble by the corrupt Chicago PD, that's not my fault either. So you really are the king of lost wages, huh? Yes, I am. I very much am, and I'm the king of the forum too. I don't care if people troll me. I get the most reaction of anyone, and that's all that matters. <laughs> that actually really sounds like him. Okay, how about this one? No, that didn't do much. See, some of these are fail. Some of these are not – some of these don't really do very much. Let's see. What about this one? I don't like this one either. Well, you know what? This is what I think. Let's use that female voice. And let's call any of the numerous strip clubs in Vegas, and let's see if you can get an audition. Now batting for the Dodgers, number five, Corey Seager. <laughs> That's actually good. Put on, put on the female voice again. Brandon. Oh, that's the wrong one. That's, that's the scary male voice. Brandon, I just want to let you know, I've always found you to be really, really hot, and I didn't know how to tell you until right now, but I've been having a lot of thoughts about you that I probably shouldn't be having. Well, and let me ask you this. How long have you been stripping for? I've only started stripping since my poker career didn't work out. You know, it's because of the 
meals at the table not showing me respect, and they're always calling my bluffs, and they think uh, it's just so frustrating because if I was a guy, I would have won so much money. But I went broke. Um, My boyfriend stopped paying for me. We broke up. It was a big mess, and I I had to take a job. And I I don't have a college degree, so what am I supposed to go do, work at McDonald's? So, yeah, I I go there. I take off my clothes. I I dance to some songs from the 1980s, and, you know, some old men threw dollars at me, and it adds up. It adds up, and I can buy into poker games, and maybe when I run hot again, then I can quit. Now, do you get turned on when you're giving a lap dance and one of your clients gets aroused and you feel his hard, bulging cock pressed up against your inner thigh? No, I'll tell you the truth. It disgusts me. I, I actually go in the bathroom and throw up afterwards in most of the cases. Once in a while, a guy is really hot and I think, oh, you know, I can do this. Yeah, this is kind of cool. But like 95% of the time, the guy is so gross and sweaty and his breath is bad and he's ugly and just... He's the last one I would ever want to feel a hard penis up against me. But, you know, it's a job. I just kind of put it out of my mind. I just say I'm doing a dance, and, you know, he's not allowed to touch me. So, well, I mean, he can if we go in the back and we make a deal. But I only do that if I really need a buy-in for a high-limit game. Now, let me ask you, you know, you're a female. and Be honest here. Uh, one of my friends, he's on the phone with us right now. He's the co-host of this radio show. Uh when he's fornicating with, with the missus, the only way for him to have a really, truly powerful orgasm is if he's listening to his own voice on this podcast. Like when he's actually making love to the missus, he actually listens to his voice and it turns him on even more. Do you find that odd? I find that really odd. In fact, if I was having sex with a guy and he said, hold on, hold on, I've got to go listen to myself first. I've got to hear myself in order myself to get off. I was going to say, you know what? I think you're a combination of a narcissist and gay. <laughs> well, that I, I would have to agree with you. Trader Ruski, your thoughts, sir? I think Trader Ruski. I, I, I agree, oh, too. <laughs> I thought you had too much tea. Or I thought either you had too much tea or you just so <coughs> turned on by my voice, you just put it on mute and kind of went to town. That's what I, I had think. Rub, rub, I did rub one out when it started, but I'm back now. That's what I was thinking. <coughs> that is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Minnie Mouse has always gotten to me. But I don't appreciate that. I don't appreciate that. I sound nothing like Minnie Mouse. That's, that's an insult. To me, as a woman, to say I sound like a cartoon character, I am actually a very attractive girl. A lot of guys have been asking me out. I turn a lot of guys down. And, you know, I have very high standards. And just because I won't go out with you, you've got to call me Minnie Mouse. I don't appreciate that one bit. I never heard you say you wouldn't go out with me. Well, I'm saying it now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this took a very odd turn, this show. Yeah. Are, are you a size queen, my dear? You know, I'm going to tell you something about this. I'm going to tell you something about this. The girls who say that they're size queens are usually the ones who've been slutting around having sex with like 200 guys and then they need someone who's like 11 inches to feel anything. So a girl who brags about that, that it usually means that they have no standards and they've slept with like everyone. Now, what I think is ideal is, is you know, you'd be with a guy who's like average. He's not like John Holmes and he's not like a micro penis. It's kind of like right in the middle. It's kind of like exactly what in the sweet spot. 
<laughs> what if he's like Deshaun Jackson? I, I don't even know who that is. Are you familiar with the HOF cock? Yes, I've seen that on your disgusting website. I've seen that stupid picture of the guy sitting on the couch, this guy who kind of looks like basketball player David Robinson, and it's like, I don't know, 12 inches or something. Look, if a girl is able to take that in, then I, I don't even know where the rest of her insides go. I think she's, like, hollow. I can't imagine well, you know, that. That would be pain. Let me ask you this. You've been a part, you know, you've been watching and reading the fraud site for so long, discounting everyone that's on this line, if you had to fuck one member from the fraud site, not, again, discounting the people that are on this line right now, who would it be? Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, Please answer. That's a tough Well, I'm trying to think about it. I've never been asked this question before. You know, I, I lurk on the site. I, I read a lot of posts. Um, hmm, that, I mean, handicap me. You know, he, he's... He has a good job. He's educated. Wait, I, was, I was considering him. Like, if I was going to stop stripping, definitely handicap me would be a choice. Like him and Pooh, I know they're pretty well off. I know they could take care of me. I wouldn't have to take off my clothes for old men anymore. Like that wouldn't be that bad. But mm, I don't know. Like it depends what factor we're looking for. Are we looking for a guy I have to marry or just want to have sex with or want to go out maybe for a few months and then get bored of and ditch for another guy? There's a lot of different ways we can go. No, it would just be a sexual thing. It wouldn't be a relationship. It would just be a, a quickie, a, you know, a one night, uh, a one night stand kind of thing. Just a night of passion and romance and lust. Um, then I'm going to have to say Sonatine. <laughs> Sonatine is my choice. Final answer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I, 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 you should use his voice, really, and call a strip club and ask, like, find out about how a girl that's never danced before can get an audition, and you know how it works. I mean, it, it sounds it sounds good enough that that it would convince someone it's a woman. Well, let me try here. Let me uh, let me see. Get a phone number here. Just pick one randomly. Let's call like call like maybe Sapphire. Spirit well, should, should we call one of the high end ones, or should I call one of the kind of ghetto ones that may have lower standards? Okay. The most, the most ghetto one, uh, yeah. Let's try the ghetto one. The most ghetto one is a strip club. It's on Spring Mountain, right outside Chinatown. It's called Play It Again, Sam. Okay, I'm gonna Google that one. And maybe yeah, you should say so... like you're turning, you're turning 18 next week. Or <laughs> yeah, yes, you're turning 18. <laughs> and okay, you want to get it because uh, who's Trader Ruski, who's like the new or the, the popular female or male musician these days for like 17, 18 year olds? I mean, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't like, know. Who's either. like a big act for like the younger crowd? Uh, Justin Bieber, I guess. I have no yeah, clue. Yeah, okay. Justin Bieber's coming to Vegas. You have to get tickets. You're leaving. And this is what you have to say Justin Bieber's coming. You want to earn enough money to get good seats. You'll even give hand jobs if you have to. <laughs> pretend like you don't know that that's against the law. Okay, okay, let's let's call let's call up here. Like, just be like, I, I'll even give a hand job. If I have okay, to, it's, as it's long calling. As that stuff doesn't get on me. Play it again, Sam. This is Rachel. Yeah, hi. Um, I don't know if this is the right time to be calling about this, but I'm looking to see if you have any openings for maybe a girl to dance here. 
Um, we have auditions. You just come in on the like the time that you want to work. So if you want to work past 10 o'clock, you come in after 10. If you want to work before 10 o'clock, you want to come in like 6 to 10. Okay, because I'm about to turn 18. I'm going to turn 18 on February 1st, so it's like really, really soon. You're, you're an 18 up club, right? No. Oh, you're not? Oh, no. that's too bad. Oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll call you back Sorry. in three years. Little darling. Okay, thank you. Oops. Oh, sorry, I didn't even think about that. You have I thought it was darling. 18. I, <laughs> I should have been 21. I messed up. Yeah. You have I little can't darlings. I thought you were going to. If you want to do the 18 route, you have Little Darlings and you have another club called Deja Vu. Those are the, the two 18 clubs that don't serve alcohol in Vegas. Isn't there another one that was called like Talk of the Town? Like kind of be- It's like really ghetto between the uh, Stratosphere and downtown? May I? Uh, I don't know. I've seen it before. <laughs> I, I know, like the big ones, cheetahs, Olympic Olympic Gardens. Okay, we're calling talk uh, of the town. I don't care what you have to say. Okay, yes, ma'am. Gotta get the phone number. Just I don't know remember the whole to... thing that you're so desperate you'll give hand jobs if you have to. Well, yeah, we didn't get there because I was get... the wrong age. Long as long as none of that stuff gets on you. Maybe your mom told you you may have to give hand jobs or something. The name Little Darlings is kind of disgusting if you think about it. Yeah. It has like a pedophilia feel to it. I don't want to work there. Well, I have to say, though. Go ahead. Mute. Talk of town. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm wondering if you're perhaps going to have openings for girls to be dancing here. We're always accepting applications. Oh, that's great. That's great. I'm going to be turning 18 on February 1st. Now, this is an 18 and up club, right? Why do you hang up on me? What the, what the hell? Wow. This guy just saw through the call. Unless someone warned him. That could be no. a listener. It could be a listener. Yeah, maybe he's I listening to back. the show. I call back. Confront him. <laughs> How dare he treat you this way? That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. Maybe he's not call allowed back. to talk about this until I'm 18. Maybe I should say I'm already 18. Maybe that's where I'm messing up. Do you think that's what it is? That because you're 17 and a minor, he hung up on you? I think that might be it. Trederuski, is is it a minor? I know. Or, is it, okay, you. Talk of the town. Yeah, I was just talking, and somehow I got disconnected. What, why did you hang up? Yeah, because you're not 18 yet. Call me when you're 18, all I'll right? I'll call you in a week. Okay, I'll call you in a week. Bye. All right. Yeah, that was the problem. Damn, wow. you're right, Brad. I can't believe that they can't even talk to you. fucking smart that you knew that. I, I would think that that wouldn't be an issue. Well, I mean, like, they got to be careful. You're talking about a job, but I guess you can't really say, like, you had a grind big black cock or things like that because you're a minor, and that's, uh, what do they call that? Trader-ruski? Yes, statutory something. Well, now I'm no, stuck calling little about... darlings. I, I don't want to call little darlings, but I have to. Delinquency of a minor. Yeah, right, right, right exactly. I have okay, to call little just... darlings now. I totally didn't want to call them. Hey, hold they... on, hold on. You just turned 18 37 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> you just literally turned 18. It's your first call you're making as an 18-year-old. After you Yeah, got call little cigarettes. darlings. So you okay. got new ports. Say so you got Newports at 7-Eleven as your first official act as an 18-year-old, and the strip club's the second. Okay. My birthday yeah. is 
I was born on January 25th, 1999. Yep. There you go. Thank you for calling the World Famous Little Darlings, home of the totally oh, private famous. nude bed dance. For VIP admission and free limo pickup, please dial 1. Little Darlings is open 11 a.m. till 6 a.m. Monday through Saturday and 6 p.m. till 4 a.m. on Sunday. Little Darlings is the largest 18 and up fully nude strip club in the United States. Complete with private VIP rooms, fully nude private bed dances, and five stages of fully nude entertainment that appeals to guests from any background. For VIP admission and free limo pickup and all other inquiries, please dial 1. What? But it's one for everything. This place makes no sense. Thank you for calling. How may I help you? Yeah, I'm wondering if you're going to be hiring new girls, like if you're taking auditions right now. At which club? Little Darlings or Daily Little Darlings, yeah, yeah. Little Darlings, we do them on Wednesdays during amateur night. Amateur night? Yeah, I've never been here. The funny thing is I just turned 18 38 minutes ago. I'm, I'm born January 25th, 1999, so I just turned 18, and, like, I always wanted to call here and arrange to come here and, and audition. Okay, well, just so happens auditions are held on Wednesdays uh, at midnight, so it'll be uh, pretty much the end of your birthday. But you would show up at uh, 10 p.m. with your by 10 p.m. with your social security card and ID, then you can uh, perform in the amateur night, which begins at midnight. Oh my God! So like on my birthday, I can actually do this. So okay, um, here's the question: um, How does amateur night work? Like, how is the whole thing work? How do I go from an amateur to a pro? You audition. That's you audition during the amateur, amateur night, and, and then, then you, you just pick like who you want. Like, does someone pick me? Like, who selects how? Who gets to be a dancer here? I don't know who selects, but that's the process. Okay, like I can come do it, but like, um, I, see, I really need tickets for the Justin Bieber concert coming up in February, and I've got to make a lot of money fast, and this is like the only place I can think of. But, but like, I'll do okay. anything. Like, I'll totally do anything here. And when I say anything, I really mean anything. Well, we won't require you to do anything. No, I don't have to be required to be. Like, you know, I'll just, you know, I, I heard that in the back something's going to happen. You can make a little extra money. Like, I'll be one of those girls who, like, at least until mid-February when Justin Bieber's coming, I'll totally do, like, anything. Then after that, like, I don't know. Like, it depends on the guy. Well, we wouldn't want you to do anything illegal. Well, you know, um, I don't really know what's legal and illegal. You Darlene, can tell me. who the hell are you talking to? Dad, Dad, Dad. Get off the damn phone, girl. Dad, I'm, I'm on the phone with Julie. Dad, no, I'm sorry, it's my boring. dad. He's really protective. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear what he said at the end because I was. You know, he just he just hung up. He just he, he didn't know what to do. I thought he said this is too boring or something. <laughs> Oh God! I said I'm on the phone with Julie, like it's supposed to be like his friend. Her friend. <laughs> well, at least we know that voice is good enough to, you know. I thought that first guy hung up because he he knew that it just wasn't a female, rich, but it was. You're right. It was because of the age. Yeah, I didn't I, even I guess, think that. Yeah, that, I guess Minnie Mouse has good I guess Minnie, Minnie Mouse has a hot voice. Wow. Well, you know what? There's a lot you can do with those uh, voices, buddy. A lot of magic to be had. I, I've had them the whole time. It's always been uh, just much like the, the web shell that was uh, 
put on the site by Russians for three years. I've had these voices available to me for the entire run of PFA Radio, and I just well, kind of discovered them now. To, to me, and Trader Ruski and Scott, please give me some feedback. She sounds like a Darlene to me. That's just, <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to picture an 18-year-old Darlene, that's how she's going to sound. I think until we come up with a better name, I think she's known as Darlene. Now, wait a minute, though. I mean, Are there any kids even named Darlene anymore? Like, was there I anyone mean, born, like, around 2000? I think she sounds like an Amber. No. no like, Amber's are hot Amber. Come on, that's so Darlene's cliche. Darlene's grumpy. She gives bad hand jobs. She has calluses on her knuckles. <laughs> no. No. And you're talking about kind of like uh, Larry Laffer's girlfriend? Larry Laffer's girlfriend was actually old. Hey, look, I don't appreciate that. She's actually younger than Druff, okay? She's, you can say she's old, but Druff is older than she is, and you guys listen to Druff. In fact, Trader Ruski, he's older than she is too, so she's not old. She's just older than me, but I, I like a mature woman. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Oh, my God. Who's this, like, Mighty Mouse guy on here? What's his problem? Like, who's this Larry guy? How do you even get on here? Like, wh- why do you answer his call? Listen, bitch. I, I don't need to take this from you. You're First of all, you're not even in my city, so I don't care if you're hot because I'd never meet you. So I, I can just talk as much shit to you as I want. But but furthermore, I don't like 18-year-olds. I like older women. I like mature women. Um, I, I, I have no interest in you. So unlike other guys who kiss your ass and may try to get you in bed, I don't have to do that. I, I'm going to get on my bike and ride totally far away from you. I don't need you at all. You know what I think? is that you should do a la Andy Kaufman and create an alter ego. And once a week during the podcast, do one segment with your alter ego. I think it would be hilarious. I mean, I really think. And then never talk about it, never you know discuss it, just do it. Well, what do you mean I mean, by the alter ego? You just mean like we just do a segment, a serious segment with a different voice and a different persona? Yes, and you never, right, and you never address it. This is the only time <laughs> we ever talk about it. And you never ever acknowledge it, and you just it it becomes its own person, its own character with his own hobbies. Like you could be that character can be anything he wants to be. He can spend money, okay. He can buy things. He can splurge and get that extra topping that Todd would never yeah. get. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what you're trying to he do would is drive to make me seven engage miles in, in down fantasy a desolate and... road because gas was ten cents cheaper off the highway. Do you know what I mean? You're trying to get me to engage in some sort of goyish fantasy where I don't care about money, where money's no object, and where it's just convenience I mean, always takes the front seat. He can he can take his date out, or you know, he can take his girl out on a first date and tell her it's okay, get the lobster. I don't care what the market price is. <laughs> market price it means nothing as long as you enjoy it. You don't have to get the chicken. Listen, just because this is an alternative ego, it does not mean that it has to be a polar opposite of what Todd is. It can be, it can be kind of a half him and half not him. It doesn't have to be exactly the opposite of what he would do. Well, You're with right. the Andy Copper re- reference, though, it's kind of the opposite, right? What was his name? Vic? Uh, Vic? What was it? He was he was a night the nightclub lounge singer. Um, I know Druff. Yeah, You're, I thought it was Vic. Uh... What was his name, Druff? Or Darlene? Somebody tell me. Look in the chat. Um, I used to know, but I it's been so many years, and my memory isn't what it used to be. So um, I, 
I really don't remember very much anymore unless it happened within the last month or so. I, I used to remember everything, but it's just not the same. Oh, but God. I'm just happy to be alive. I'm happy to wake up every day. Mazel tov. Traderuski, you, you in front of a computer. I, I'm, looking Google name. I'm looking it up. It's Vic something, I think. Tony, that sounds no, like an old... Tony Clifton. Tony. Oh, Tony Clifton, Tony that's right. Clifton. Yep. Yeah, that's obvious. <laughs> In fact, Tony Clifton funny. still performs. You can still watch a Tony Clifton show, even though Andy Kaufman is dead. And there's a conspiracy theory that perhaps that really is Andy Kaufman. Do you know that? Do you know? Okay. Yeah, but I thought that was debunked. Yeah, it was. Okay, so... Enough with the voices tonight. I'm I'm glad everybody uh, found it entertaining. And uh, yeah, I actually planned to unveil it this week, and then I forgot. And then just somehow, with Brandon here, it just kind of reminded me of it somehow. And for any of the younger viewers that hasn't doesn't know about Andy Kaufman, definitely worth uh, YouTubing. Uh, absolutely. And what I, I I'm on my phone on Skype here, so I'm not in the chat room. What was the chat response? Did they enjoy the? I'm sure there'll be mixed reviews on two plus two tomorrow. No, the chat, the chat seems to enjoy this. <laughs> There's not that many people in chat like the, But I, I have a feeling in the archives, we're going to get reactions out of this one. I, I sometimes when, like when, when a segment's done, I think, you know, this is going to go over well. I think this one will go over well. So, well, this is what I'm curious to, if say starting next week, you just developed an alter ego that did one segment and you never did, addressed it. You never made it obvious. As the months, the weeks, the days, the months, and then the years went by, and you picked up new listeners and stragglers, would they really not get that that was you? They may not, yeah. I don't know. Or someone that missed this week. Like I'm saying, you never address it. You never you know, make it obvious. You never allude to it. And you just, one segment, maybe even just a short segment or medium-sized one, you do it at one of those voices. Like the old guy, you can say it's your grandpa, you know, or, or the guy... Or maybe uh, Darlene may just be a little bit too annoying. That's a high-pitched voice, buddy. I got to tell you. Well, here, listen. This this was the first test of it, by the way. This was for – you probably heard this already, but this was a I test did. of the sound levels that I did the other day. Hello, everybody. This is Brianna. We are going She's to... Brianna here, not Darlene yet. We are going to be testing the sound levels of this radio show because Todd is having trouble – getting the sound levels correct. So what we're going to be doing here is we're going to be testing to see if we can make them better. So you may be wondering who I am, and I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Okay, so let's figure this out. Let's figure this out. Is this loud enough? Can you guys hear me? Can you hear me? Let's see if we have the on-air indicator. Do we have it? Yep, I see it. I see it. Okay, so on here right now, and hmm, I wonder if it's loud enough. Now, it looks like it's a little bit too soft. I wish I could make it louder, but I don't have a way to do it. Maybe I do. Let me see. I wish Todd would just do this himself. I wish he would do this himself. What's his problem? Well, I don't know. This is tough. He's right. This is very, very tough to fix. I told him I could fix it, but I probably can't. I probably can't. 
Hey, Todd, get over here. Get over here. This isn't working. This is not working. I can't get this. I, I can't get it any louder. I've tried. I'm trying really hard to make it louder. It's not getting louder. I can make it softer. Watch this. I can make it softer, see, like this, but I can't make it louder. I can't. What do you think? I think that um, we've got a problem. I think we've got a big problem. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what are we going to do about it? Uh, I, I was trying to look for software that we could download to maybe boost the microphone. I don't think it exists. I don't think it's possible to boost the microphone real time, as strange as that sounds. What do you mean that you can't do it? I mean, why doesn't the software just take the microphone and boost it way up from whatever received, just make it louder? Whatever comes in, boost the signal immediately and put that out. I think it requires some kind of processing is the problem. I, I think that's the issue. I think there's processing that has to be done that can't be done in real time. So boosting the level is not as simple as it would appear. Then what are we supposed to do? I mean, I guess you could just scream into the mic. You want to do that? You want to just scream the whole time when you're talking on the radio? I guess they can hear you then. Well, that's not really a viable solution. You know, I'll wake people up, and if I'm in a secret location, then it might really bother people. So I've got to just find a way to make the microphone louder when I'm in the secret location without some sort of hardware amplification like I have in my normal location. I'm so tired of the secret location crap. Why don't you just tell them where you are? Because it's a gimmick of the show. That's just, I've done it for years. I'm not changing it. Well, maybe it's time to change it. Maybe it's time to change that. Maybe it's time to change always starting late. Maybe it's time to change the intro that takes like an hour every time. I mean, you're having people tune out of the show because of these things. You don't seem to care. I, I'm not asking for your opinion for the content of the show, okay? I, I'm managing that. I know you don't agree with all of it, but I'm managing it. There are some things that can be approved, improved, but I will improve them, the things that need to be improved or made different. But I, I don't need your input here. I, I brought you over here for hardware expertise and software expertise, and you're really not getting the job done. What do you mean I'm not getting the job done? I... I tried everything. It won't work. You're the one who's got the crappy, cheap-ass Jew equipment here. You're the one who can't get this working. Oh, that, 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 that. Don't blame this on my equipment. My equipment's fine. There's something going on with Windows 10 that's making this soft. I'm trying to figure this out. It's not Windows 10. It's not Windows 10. It's not Windows 10. You, you, you can think it's Windows 10. It's not Windows 10, okay? Well, I think it is. I think it's Windows 10. Because this wasn't happening when I was on Windows 7. As soon as I go to Windows 10, then I've got these amplification problems whenever I go on the road. Well, maybe downgrade to Windows 7. You know, just just make everything old. You know, you just don't ever want to upgrade. You don't want to ever get to the present. All you ever want to do is stick in the past, play music from the 80s and the 70s and the 60s, and you, you, nothing is modern with you ever. Well, sometimes older stuff is better, and th this is a case where with the sound. With the processing of the input from the microphone, it was definitely done better on Windows 10. And I don't believe it's Windows 10, okay? I just don't believe it. So I'm giving up. It's, you're on your own, okay? You've, you've insulted me. I've tried to fix this, and all you've done is given me a hard time. So goodbye. Goodbye. 
All right, goodbye. Well, that, okay, so that was that was the argument I had with uh, my female alter ego about trying to fix the sound levels here. That, that was my first test of that. She sounded worse than TMM <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised she didn't say she's going to save the show. She's going to save the show. What is this? This is crap. I'm, I have to save the show once again. All right, so. Ballin'. 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 I read somewhere that he had a, a stellar once-in-a-lifetime type performance recently. Is he, that true? He did. He actually was a good co-host, <laughs> amazingly. All right, let, let's, let's talk about a few of these general topics, then we'll uh, be done. I actually have to get going very shortly. I, I wasted a lot of time with, with funny voices. You're, in a, you're, you're snowed in in a hidden location. What the hell can you have to do? I, I, I just have to do some things. I have got to get some stuff done. At, at one in the morning? Yep. C- can I take one guess? Yes. Or no? Yes. Is it the start of the new play day? It's, it, you're very close. It's to prevent the start of the new play day. Okay. All right. That's all I'll say. It's the all end right. of the that's old good. play day. That's the thing. I have to finish. Uh, otherwise, it's I It's amazing. There's four guys on the on the line, maybe five, and you're the only one that knows they hang up with you because you're a fake 17-year-old. <laughs> I think that's all that party line experience coming back. I mean, it's amazing. I never would have thought of that. Okay, so uh, let's let's go back to talking about uh, Trump and the uh, the various stuff. But the the thing I I actually had earmarked to talk about was the women's march, the so-called women's march that took place uh, this past week, and it was basically a march of protest to Donald Trump and it was called the women's march because that makes it sound better that makes it sound less sore losery it makes it sound more like uh, you're doing this on behalf of women who are going to be oppressed under Trump who Trump doesn't respect so so this way the march looks much more justified than if you're just saying we're, we're marching because we don't like who won the election so uh, a big turnout for this they, I think in the US about 3 million people took part let me get the exact numbers. Supposedly 30 people did this in Antarctica, which is hard to believe. Like, I don't even think there are 30 people in Antarctica. But let's see. Number Women's March. Let's see. So uh, do we even have numbers here? I don't know. Uh, I, I had seen something about three million, but I <clears throat> I don't know if that's accurate. It doesn't really matter. Uh, women, it, it was supposedly a women's march. It was done throughout uh, cities, mostly in the U.S., to protest Donald Trump being the president and and what he stands for. I, I don't know what they were really trying to accomplish. And I, I, I get what they're kind of trying to say, like Donald Trump doesn't respect women. He's, you know, this is to show him that uh, everyone's expecting him to uh, not pass policies that are sexist or racist or homophobic, whatever the supposed concerns are. But here's my problem with this march. Whether you support Donald Trump or don't, or whether you're a Democrat or Republican, here's my problem with this march. And that is, it, all it does is start off on the wrong foot 
as the opposing party, where you're, you're basically saying by taking part in this, we're not going to give the president a chance. We're not going to try to work with him. Even if we disagree with him, we're not going to try to work with him within the parameters of, of what we agree with and disagree with. Uh, we're just going to protest him. We, we've just decided from day one we're going to make things as difficult as possible on him and, in fact, not even really even accept that he's our president. There's, there's this whole thing about not my president, which is almost like saying, you know, he's the president of the United States, but I didn't vote for him, therefore I don't accept him as the president. He's not the president as far as I'm concerned. And I've never seen anything like this with any other president that's been elected in my lifetime, whether Democrat or Republican. I didn't see people saying Obama wasn't their president. I didn't see people saying George Bush wasn't their president. I saw people saying they were disappointed that each of these people got elected or that they wished they didn't or that they didn't like them or didn't like their politics. But I, I this not my president thing, and there is mass protest before he even gets started and now now he's just getting started and just starting to uh, sign some executive orders but this creates such divisiveness or divisiveness and, and creates such animosity right off the bat and I don't see how the other side believes anything will get accomplished if they're going to approach the Trump administration this way. They they have to just say, look, we're disappointed Trump won, but we, we've got to make the best of it. We've got to try to work with him and whatever goals they have or whatever they hope Trump doesn't do, try to work with him to prevent these things that they are afraid of, not not to immediately protest him uh, you know, right after he gets inaugurated, which is what was done. And I'm just seeing... Such there's such opposition that seems unprecedented to me, and I think it's just going to hurt the country. And it, it, the country is getting more and more divided politically. There, there's progress being made in a lot of social areas in the country. Um, you know, there's a lot more acceptance of people who are once discriminated against. The the, the one form of progress that's being negated the last few years has been racial progress. The uh, Every year there was less and less racism all the way up until a few years ago, and now it's increasing again. But think about the transgender, what do they call it, the LTGB, what is it? But but there's already been big progress in that. There's that's more, what I'm saying. There's, yeah. it, it's amazing. Yeah. Think about it. And there was even... Five there, years ago, you know, now it's, it's this acceptable thing. You know, people aren't... You know, they don't look down upon it like it's not a, a taboo like it used to be. I mean, there has been a lot of progress. You're right. Well, and, and, and as far as the race thing, that was going better and better each year. Racism wasn't gone, but it was it was getting less and less each year until a few years ago when all this uh, <clears throat> protesting about the police and all this other stuff started, and which was stoked somewhat by by Obama. And and now there's a lot of racial distrust on on, on both sides. You know, the black side, the white side. There's a lot of uh, um, racial animosity that wasn't there before that we're actually kind of going backwards that way but but in most other ways and even up until a few years ago with the racial issues everything was getting better everybody's getting much more accepting much more tolerant much more uh, uh, willing to treat those who are different than them well and, and not discriminate against them and uh, but when, one way that we're definitely getting worse in the country is that politically it's getting so divided 
to where, like, look what happened in 1984, where Mondale lost every state except his home state of Minnesota. He lost everything in Minnesota and D.C. And the reason that is interesting to me. And Mondale was a limit holding player, too. <laughs> the, the reason that's interesting to me was that this could never happen again because the country is so divided politically that certain states are going to automatically go for the candidate of a certain party, no matter who they are. And, and you're never going to have a sweep like uh, an almost sweep like that, 49 out of 50 states. It can't happen because people have already made up their minds of, of uh, which side they're on, almost like it's a sports team they're rooting for. And it, it's gotten worse and worse like this. And, and this election cycle has been by far the absolute worst like this. And I'm not just saying because that's current. A lot of times you can look at whatever's current and say, oh, this is the worst we've ever had. Uh, but I'm not even saying it like that. I, this really is the worst I've ever seen as far as the animosity people have toward one another who are different from them politically. There's people on Facebook, for example, that have been longtime friends or even family members that are blocking each other, deleting each other, simply because their politics are different. And these sorts of things, these marches, these protests, you want to protest something, protest something, protest an action you don't like. If Trump takes an action that you don't like, if Trump does something you don't like, protest that specifically. But to protest a person, uh, that that really starts off very badly, especially when it's right at the beginning. It's not like he's been doing so many things and they're protesting him after uh, uh, two years in office. They're protesting him immediately as soon as he takes office. And that is a problem. Because it creates an environment where where all everyone wants to do is obstruct each other, fight with each other, uh, try to cause the other side to fail. And And I'm not kidding when I say this, that there's already a grassroots movement to have him impeached. I kid you not. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. And that's that's the hope of that side, that they're going to get impeached. Five days in, five days in. what, What people don't realize is that you're, through your lifetime, no matter who you are, no matter what political party you're part of, you're going to see presidents elected that you wish did not win and that you do not like. And and I realize that some people hate Trump as the president more than any other president they've seen, even if you know Democrats, a lot of them hate Trump a lot more than other Republicans in their lifetime. I, I understand that. I even understand the reason why. But he is the president. That's the bottom line. And you have to remember you're all Americans, and really the if you start off with let's immediately protest this president, let's make things as hard as we can on him, that all you're doing is looking to hurt the country. Now that doesn't mean you have to agree with things he does. It doesn't mean you you can't fight things that he does that you don't like or don't agree with. That's all fine. That's all part of the American process. But what I'm seeing here is more than any other president. You can say, oh, it was like this with Obama, too. No, it wasn't. There was a much, much, much lighter version of this. Much lighter. We didn't have millions of people in the street protesting Obama when he was elected. Nothing like that. Uh, so th- this this is unprecedented. And it, all it's going to do, all, all it's doing here is that it's... it's uh, it's impeding progress in the country. It's it's uh, it's becoming like a competition, not just during the election, but 
during the entire time the opposition party's in office of how can you make them look bad? How can you make them fail? How can you protest them? How can you get in the way of whatever they want to do? How can you make everyone hate them? And and then it, it stretches into your own life, too. If you're blocking your brother because he's a different party than you, or or a longtime friend you're blocking on Facebook because they voted for a different person than you, or they're, they're passionate about a candidate that they like, uh, you know, that, that's that's foolish. You shouldn't do it no matter what side you're on. And, and you know, I, I'll tell you, on, on my Facebook, I have not blocked or unfriended a single person during this election. In fact, I, I don't think I've unfriended anybody, period, in a very long time. But um, I never even thought of doing that. And there's a lot of people who post a lot of really left-wing stuff on my page that I very strongly disagree with. But most of the time, I just kind of let it roll off. And there are some people I just don't comment. There's some people I know if I respond to the stuff they're posting, they're going to get really, really angry and they may block me or, unfri- or, or, or you know, stop being friends with me. And I say, you know, I don't want to cause this. I'm just going to say nothing. Other people, you know, I'll, I'll respond. The ones I know can uh, uh, agree to disagree with me. I'll sometimes respond and then get, go back and forth. But the funny thing is those people on my Facebook who can agree to disagree with me, their friends, they can't agree to disagree. Their, their friends get so mad at me for presenting the other side. And, and some of them block me, even though I don't even know them. So I, I think that everybody has to, to stop. And I, I've seen a lot of justification. Oh, Trump is going to, you know, he's going to destroy the nation. He's going to destroy freedom. He's going to destroy uh, women's rights. He's going to destroy gay rights. He's going to... Um, you know, bring racism back to America. I, I I hear all these unsubstantiated claims of all the terrible consequences that are going to occur with him as president. And first of all, he's not a king. He can't just uh, make all these things happen. He can't just completely reshape America. Uh, and, and number two, uh, these are just justifications. Every time... You're doing something you don't. You're not supposed to do. It's easy. I'm not just talking about political. I'm talking about anything in life. You're doing something you're not supposed to. It's hard to just say I'm doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm wrong. This is a mistake, but I'm going to do it anyway. Usually, in your mind, there's a justification. Sometimes you say it to yourself. Sometimes you say it out loud. So, um, you know, it, it can be a lot of things. For example, a man is cheating on his wife. Uh, I'm sure for most guys who who would do this, at some point there will be some kind of guilt or some kind of question, am I doing the right thing? Should I be cheating on my wife or am, am I being kind of a piece of shit by doing this? And so the guy will start to justify, well, you know, look how she hasn't been treating me or how oh, she hardly has sex with me anymore, Wh- whatever it is. Like he, he comes with a rationalization of why it's okay and and then does it and feels a little bit better because he's already had kind of the discussion with himself about why he's doing it. So it, it, this stretches to all forms of behaviors in life that are not the right behavior where most people will tend to rationalize it and claim why it's correct. I, I watched people talk about how the, the electors should vote the other way, you know, and, and go against what the, um, yeah, the, that the population in their, uh, in their district voted for just, just because Trump is such a threat to our democracy, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, no, uh, and if it was reversed and Hillary had won and there were suggestions of this, you'd be screaming about how uh, how that's a threat to our democracy. So 
there, there's so many justifications, and it usually centers around Trump is so terrible and so dangerous that we have to do anything to stop him, even if on its face it's unethical. Even if on its face it's unfair. Even on its face it looks like you're being a sore loser. It's all okay because he's really, really bad. He's so bad it justifies it, they're, they're saying. But you can apply that to anybody. You could have heard the same thing from the right about Obama. You could have heard the same thing from the left about George Bush before that. You, you can have anyone who, who can select things they don't like about the candidate who won and say that for some reason that candidate is dangerous to America and we have to stop them and do whatever we have to to stop them. But that's not correct. And that's not what this uh, country's about. That's not what our democratic system's about. There will be candidates who win that you don't like, that you don't agree with, even ones you hate. And trying trying to obstruct them and trying to join movements that are, are, are just going to, are basically focusing upon making them fail is, I think, a huge mistake. And it's especially a mistake to shut people out of your life or get mad at people in your life who don't have the same political views as you. Uh, I, I have friends, I have family members that do have different political views than me and I don't hold that against them and I, I I sometimes wish that they thought differently and I'm sure they wish I thought differently but I don't hold it against them because I realize they can have different opinions on things in fact Master Scaler we have on the show he, he's very liberal we always joke about how we cancel out each other's votes and we usually do but you know neither him nor I uh, hold it against one another so uh, I, that's that's one thing that's definitely not making progress in this country. There's there's a, a lot of political div- divisiveness and, and a lot of people who are uh, treating it like like it's a competition, treating it almost like it's a sporting event where they've got to pick one team to root for, and then really hate any fans of the other team. So, uh, if, if it boils down to it, if you think about it, the, it's all people who are trying to accomplish the same thing, and that is to do the right thing for America. There's just different approaches about how to go about it, sometimes opposite approaches on how to go about it. But for the most part, everybody's got kind of the same goal, it's just how to get there. So, you can't expect everybody to agree with you, you can't expect everybody to have the same philosophy about politics, about social issues, about law and order, about a lot of things. And uh, it, it becomes very bad when you get to hate people who just because, just because they don't think like you. And the funny thing is there, there's been so much, especially in recent years, about you shouldn't hate someone because they have a different skin color than you. You shouldn't hate someone because they have a different sexual preference than you. You shouldn't hate someone because... Uh, uh, they're born a male, and they feel like fema- a female, and they they uh, transition to become a female. You shouldn't hate them for that reason. Uh, so there's all these, all that, all those lessons out there. But for some reason, it is still considered acceptable by many to hate someone because they don't think like you. And I, I, I don't like what I'm seeing with that. And and yes, I, I it exists on both sides. I, I'm not going to say that there's not those on the right who hate those on the left. I'm not going to say there was not those on the right who wanted Obama to fail at every turn and were hoping he would fail. In fact, would, would, would try to do whatever they could to make him fail, but not to this extent. Th- this is a much 
greater version of that happening here. Um, so, uh, FPS Russia is saying that Republicans are stealing elections. They stole the election in 2000, and he's saying that they stole this through... Uh, they didn't win maj- legit majorities, referring to the uh, the fact that Hillary won the popular vote. I, I, I'm not going to bother talking about 2000. That's a different story. But in uh, this election, you can't talk about the popular vote because the popular vote was not the goal. It's kind of like in a baseball game when your team loses 3-2 to two, and you go... Yeah, but I really won this game because I had 12 hits. My, my team had 12 hits, and the team that won, they only had 7 hits. So I actually won 12 to 7. No, you didn't. The object wasn't to get the most hits. It was to get the most runs. If the object was to get the most hits, you'd have played with a different strategy. So it's the same thing here. The popular vote, uh, they, can, they, can, they would campaign completely differently if the goal was only to win the popular vote. So you can't, you can't say who really won the election based on the popular vote because that isn't the goal. That's not the way the campaigning was done. So <clears throat> that's something I have to reject. It's, it's not like that the, you know, Hillary won the popular vote so she'd be the president. No, because the, if the popular vote was what determined the president, then we'd see a completely different type of campaign on both sides and maybe a different result, maybe not. But that's not the way the system is. And they, they went under the same system we've always had. And Donald Trump won. And that, that's that's the way it went. It's because we have 50 separate, and I guess 51 if you count D.C., uh, governments that are under the same umbrella of, of the United States, but, it, but they are 51 separate governments. So that's how they're being treated rather than just a, a country of 300-plus million people. But I've talked about that before. Anyway. Um, still there, Brandon? Trader Risky, you still there? Yes. <laughs> Very good. I don't know where Brandon went. Um... Let's see if he sent me a Skype message. Brandon was very participatory in this show. He was, uh... I don't know where he went. I thought he was being a little quiet. Like, he's been he's been very active in this show, and then he just wasn't answering. I thought maybe he's... I didn't think he'd be bored of this topic, so I didn't understand where he went. He's probably walking the dog. Well, anyway. Um... Let's get to the next topic. The end of net neutrality. Now, not many people agree with me on this one. But there might be the end of net neutrality very soon because Donald Trump has picked uh, Ajit Pai... PAI to be the next chairman of the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. And the FCC approved the net neutrality rules in 
Uh, here's Brandon coming back. In 2015. And for those of you that don't know, net neutrality. You back, Brandon? What is the problem here? It's a call dropped. Let me try to put it back on here. I think we lost Trader Ruski, too. Hmm. I'm still here. Yeah, I see you're the only one here left. You're the only one left here. Let me, uh, that's so weird. We must be having problems. But anyway, uh, the FCC approved the net neutrality rules in 2015. Uh, basically, on the surface, net neutrality sounds like something very, very good and fair and that everyone should support. Uh, net neutrality prevents internet providers from allowing certain sites to load faster than others. So to where certain sites are not allowed to, uh, they can't be throttled by a cable company. So here, here's this, uh, an example of a cable company if they want to be sinister. Let's say Cox Cable uh, had their own video streaming service and they wanted to compete with Netflix. Cox Cable could say, hey, you know what? The only way we can compete with Netflix, who is big and established, is by slowing them down to where everyone keeps getting buffering errors and stuff like that when they're trying to watch their movies. So we'll deliver our service really quickly, and we'll make sure Netflix slows down when people try to use them. And people are going to get frustrated with Netflix and cancel the subscription and, and subscribe to our new Cox service. So there is fear that things like this would happen, and net neutrality makes it illegal for internet providers to give any kind of priority to any particular site over another site. And on, on its face, it seems hard to argue with that because of like the example I just named. The problem, is, in my opinion, is that it's not this simple. And what is being sold to the public as a grassroots for the people uh, issue versus the multi-billion dollar corporation being the internet providers are, it's really multi-billion dollar corporation versus multi-billion dollar corporation and one side has successfully tricked the general public into believing that they're on their side so it's two major you know, groups of corporate entities fighting each other and tricking the public into thinking that this is really just a populist issue. It's not about which corporation benefits from it the most, which is what it really is. Now, what I'm talking about here is that if you think about who pays for bandwidth, um, and I'm not talking about like on, on your cell phone where you get a certain amount of gigabytes and then... Uh, that's it, and you got to pay for overages. Most people on their home internet connection, on their broadband internet connection, do not have a limit. I know a few areas do, but most don't. So you can sit there browsing the web all day and all night and use up as much data as you want, and it's not going to cost you any more than if you didn't touch your computer the entire month. It's unlimited. Um, the problem is that uh, when internet access started to be sold... Because keep in mind, you, you couldn't really buy Internet access as a regular consumer until the mid-90s. It just started to show up. In fact, I, I bought it for myself, I think, in 94. 
And back then there were very, very few choices. I got it from a company called Netcom. Uh, in fact, when I got it, the web didn't even exist yet. Or it, I think it existed, but it was basically not used yet because it was just being developed. So when when Internet access was sold to the general public, first it was dial-up, but eventually you know, people started getting the broadband access, through, mostly through the cable companies. And then DSL came, and then you know we have other uh, ways of getting it now, but still a lot is through the cable companies. Everyone's gotten used to the unlimited model, and everybody just expects they go wherever they want on the web. They don't have to worry about how many bytes it is or how much data they're using on their cell phone. You do, but on on yeah, your home internet connection, you don't have to worry about it. It's just whatever you want to go to, you can, and it's something you take for granted. But who pays for it? You can say, well, I do. I pay my bill every month. But, but no, really, who pays for it? Who actually pays to deliver that data to you? Well, it's it's your internet provider. They're, they're the ones who are shouldering the burden of this. And they they have to build more and more infrastructure to be able to carry more and more data because the data that's traveling over the internet now is far, far more than 20 years ago. Not just because there's more people on the internet, but, but because there was no streaming HD video 20 years ago. So when this entire model was developed, it, it wasn't imagined back then that people are going to be watching HD movies over the internet repeatedly. And it was not pictured that a few corporations would hog up a large portion of the bandwidth or, or the bandwidth usage. So look at it this way. Netflix does have to pay to send out their data. But it's a two-ended thing. They have to pay to send it. But who pays to receive it? Well, that's your cable company. So uh, the, the cable company or whatever else, whatever, whatever other internet provider you're using, they are having to spend more and more to be able to bring you these high bandwidth connections as more and more people start using them. But as they do that, they don't really get to raise their prices. They, they, they can raise their prices a little, but at some point everyone's priced out and will say, no, this is too expensive. We can't do this anymore. So basically what they were saying, basically what the cable companies were saying is, look, there's a few data hogs here that are making money, making tons of money off the content that they are distributing, and yet we have to shoulder half the cost of it. We've got to shoulder the cost on the receiving end, and they're only paying it on the sending end. So why should we be shouldering it on the receiving end when we're not getting any benefit out of it and they're getting all the benefit? When you subscribe to Netflix, your cable provider does not get a dime of that. When you watch a YouTube video and click on an ad, Google makes money, but your internet provider does not. Your internet provider gets the same money from you whether you use it or not. So they're saying, look, you guys got to pay your fair share. You are hogging up such a high percentage of the data and we have to keep spending more and more to bring it to you 
to bring it to our customers. We want you to help pay for it because you're the reason we have to keep expanding and spending money. And then Google and Netflix, they all said, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to spend anything. Too bad. You, we are giving your customers what they want. They happen to want our services disproportionately because we provide a good service. Too bad. We're not, we're not giving you any money for that. Be, be happy that uh, people are subscribing to the Internet for these things. But the truth is, with or without Google, with or without Netflix, people are still going to be on the Internet. People are still going to be... It's not like people are going to stop paying for Internet access in this day and age if they didn't have these companies. They're, these companies don't make the Internet. They're a big part of the Internet, but they don't make the Internet, and they're not the reason people have Internet access. But the bottom line is I feel that they are getting somewhat of a free ride here. That's unfair. That's just based upon an antiquated model of how home Internet access works. And and I'm rarely on the side of cable companies who I think usually provide horrible customer service and often screw their customers and, and do a lot of other bad things. But but I feel that here is one of the few cases they're in the right, but Google and Netflix and content providers like them have fooled the people into believing that they're on the people's side, when in reality they're just on their own profit side. And... We have not yet seen any instances, at least not to my knowledge, of any throttling of competing companies. In fact, Netflix claimed that they had been throttled, but it turned out that they were very misleading and lying to the people about it, which they sheepishly admitted not too long ago that they a lot of their net neutrality campaigning they were doing was a little bit misleading. So... I so the the new the incoming FCC chair he thinks like I do and and he is uh opposed to net neutrality so many are worried that he's going to undo it and he might I don't think that's anything to be concerned about and I think in fact overregulation of the internet can be a very bad thing that's one area I really don't want to see very much regulation at all, and this is a big piece of regulation, and I said that at the time, too. Now, uh, Brandon, are you back here? Yes, I'm listening. Yes. Yeah, so do you have an opinion on this? I'm always, for the most part, against overregulation, and specifically with the Internet. Uh, I agree with you, 100%. Nothing but bad can come of it. Um, and it hasn't been a problem yet. Like, like if we're having a, big, a chronic problem with cable companies abusing the fact that they can slow down certain sites at their own to profit for themselves, fine. At, at that point, take action. But we haven't had any problem yet. So why why not wait until there's a, pro- a possible problem and then tackle it rather than preemptively pass laws and and put new regulations in that are burdensome and that are pointless uh, and are unfair to solve a problem that doesn't right. even exist. You know, a good example, I guess, to some degree, is that I, I have this AT&T, that's my cell phone provider, and I'm grandfathered into this unlimited data plan that I started in 2006. And within the last year, and, you know, I, I don't know if I could fight this even if I wanted to. Unfortunately, it's, this, this has only happened once or twice, but... I've gotten a message from AT&T saying that I'm very close to using up 
my allotted data, which is supposed to be unlimited for the month, and that if I continue using it at the rate I'm using it, <laughs> I'll start noticing slower speeds. Have you? Do you know about this? Yes, it happened to me too. Yes. And, you know, the contract I signed, unlimited data forever. Yeah, it's it's so, BS. You know what's so weird about this too is that they paid a big fine over this, and yet they're still doing it. Like I, how do you pay a huge fine to the SEC for something and then just continue doing it? That's it's really weird. So, I didn't know about that. What year was – how recent was that? Uh, a few years ago. But but I'll tell you what happened with me. Yeah, I was getting the same messages. What they what, Basically what they do is after you pass that, what, what they determine – is what they're giving you. And they don't even tell me what my threshold is. No, they can even answer me. They actually, they did answer me. It was a crappy one. It was like two gigabytes. And, and they, and so once I passed that, they would slow me down to three G speeds. And when I complained about it, their explanation was all they promised me originally was unlimited data at the time. So they said that at the time, 3G was all that was available. So that's all I get unlimited. That 4G and LTE are newer services. So I don't get unlimited of those. I can only have unlimited 3G. And I said, no, you just said unlimited data. And at the time, 3G was was what was the standard. But now 3G is too slow because today's apps use a lot more data. So 3G is is not sufficient. Right. So, so like I was explaining. Anyway, we had a big argument about this, as you might imagine. But I they they dug their heels and they said, there's not only, you know, they said, look, we understand you, but there's no way to even change it. There's no way to put you on an unlimited plan that will not throttle you like this. It's just the way the system's set up. There's no way to even override it. So I ended up on a compromise with them where they gave me like $150 bill credit plus they they gave me like a, a 20 gigabyte plan for the family instead of a, for the price of a 10 or something like that. That was the compromise. Wow. So that, that that was what I did. This was a few years ago. I remember. And, and I wish I could switch, but I have such a good deal with them. I would pay more by telling them to fuck off. That's so. what hap- that's what happened to me, too. Yeah. I'm but, in a no win situation. But but I'm, I'm going to give you a little bonus story here that I meant to put on the agenda, but I forgot. But I I want to tell it because it's, I'm so pissed off right now. Um, AT&T, for the most part, including like in this story I just told you. I haven't agreed with everything they've done. I've had some customer service issues, but ultimately I came to something that I found anywhere between good and acceptable as far as the compromise. Like, you know, the, like a lot of times they'd give me some static at first over something I felt was, you know, that they were doing is unfair and I was complaining about. But ultimately, without too much fighting, I, I would get something that I thought, as I said, ranged between acceptable and good. So I was basically pro AT&T in that I hadn't had any horrendous customer service experiences. In fact, the worst, you know, probably the worst thing I had was was what you just described here, but that was like a a, a hardline co- company policy that they had no a- ability to change except at the very highest corporate level, so I was kind of stuck. So I had to, you know, I demanded some kind of compromise and they gave me that. So so I was a little annoyed, but I wasn't like that wasn't the end of the world for me. At least they gave me a good deal on a plan and a and a lump credit for it. But listen to what just happened. When I say just happened, I mean it just happened this week. AT&T, it's hot off the presses. AT&T outright stole an iPhone 6 from me. <laughs> they, they actually stole it. Uh, an iPhone 6 that's about a year old. Say a year and a half old or something. But they, they stole it. They have stolen it from me. Now, how did that happen? 
How, how does a large company steal a phone from me? And I, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. I'm not saying this as a, a euphemism, or I'm not I'm not trying to. Uh, it isn't like your alter ego either. No, it's not even an alter ego. They honestly stole an iPhone six from me. This is what happened. Um. Now, when I say for me, it was it was uh, part of the family plan. It's actually for another family member, but it doesn't matter. It was, I, I'm the one managing the account, okay? So this particular family member had an iPhone 6 and saw that there was a national promotion, no, no, no kind of thing I asked for or anything. There's a national promotion in September 2016 that if you have an iPhone 6, you can upgrade to an iPhone 7 for $100, which is a pretty damn good deal. Because, uh, you know, you just bring in your iPhone 6, they take it, and they give you the iPhone 7 for $100. However, it's not quite that simple. It's done in kind of a convoluted way. The only way to do it is by this way of, of paying in installments, where you're basically buying the iPhone 7 at full price, which is like over $800, or something, depending on how much memory you want. Right, because they claim you can't do the old upgrade, just pay for it right up at, at, at up front anymore. Yeah, so but but, yeah. but that's so that's a little bit of a pain, but it's not a it's not a huge issue. But the way you would do this, you'd bring your iPhone six in. They take your iPhone six, they start charging you on your next bill for like one thirty sixth of the phone's price, and they they do it for thirty six months, no interest though, so it's just split up over thirty six months in installments. And the way they make it into $100 is that starting from the third month, they start giving you a large credit back against the installment price. So instead of you know $30 uh, uh, for the installment, they, they, you get a $30 charge and then like a $20, you know, a $28 credit. So it ends up only $2. So, so that's what, but it starts the third month, which is weird, right? Like, like why shouldn't it start right away? But they say that's the way the system works. I verified it from several sources that, indeed, this is the only way to do it, that you bring your iPhone 6 in. The first month they charge you the full installment, you know, the, the installment number one, full price, don't get any credit against it. Same as second month. Then the third month... That's when you get the credit back, plus they also give you a second credit for the first two months that you didn't get it in the first place. I ask, why does it work this way? They go, that's the way the system's done, that's the way we have it. I verified this from several different sources, it's true, okay? So that's, that part's all correct. But it always makes me nervous when I'm promised something is going to occur three months down the road involving a credit. Because I always am afraid it's going to come up, and then three months later, it's not going to happen, and no one's going to believe me once, <laughs> once I go back and complain. So that's exactly what happened. The third month's bill came, and there was no credit. So basically, we're just paying full price of the phone for the iPhone 7. Oh, wait, was this a national promotion? Yes. A regional one? Re- national. Okay. In September. In September. Now, something else weird happened in September. This is what contributed, I think, to what happened to me. They sent out an email that said, you can do this, and it was good till September 30th. All through September. Okay. We came in, or actually, I called up for it on September twenty, on, on September thirtieth, and said, "I'm gonna, you know, I want to do this today." And they said, "Sorry, it, it's expired." I said, "Huh?" They said, it "Expired five days ago." I said, "What?" No, it didn't. It expired the thirtieth. So it turned out that AT and T 
for whatever reason, decided to end the promotion on the 25th. And a lot of people got very mad about this because they never got an email informing them the promotion had ended five days early. Why they would end it five days early, I have no idea. But they ended it five days early, but admitted that they did not inform everyone of this. So in order to make good on this situation and not be sued for false advertising or anything like that, they allowed an exception that if you go down to an AT&T store in person between September 25th and September 30th, that they will make an exception for you. But you have to go down to the store to do it and have a manager do it for you. Again, this was a national policy. So I actually did this. I went down to a store on September 30th, got this done. Um, it was a pain in the ass because you know, the customer service had to note something on my account first, and they didn't do it right. I had to call there while I was standing in the store, but it's not important to the story. But I got it done. The phone was on back order, so we had to wait till like November to receive it. They took the and, and then you know when they when we received it, then we mailed back the iPhone six as the trade in. So three bills came, and as I said, no credit on the third bill, as they're supposed to be. So I called up yesterday, and I said, "What's going on? Why is there no credit?" The first person who I talked to told me that. It's supposed to happen in the first two to three billing cycles, so that means I have to wait until the fourth bill. (laughs) I said, what? How does that make any sense? Why would I have to wait until the fourth bill if it's two to three billing cycles? He couldn't explain that. He just kept telling me that's what it is. I knew he was full of crap. He didn't know what he was doing. So I asked for a supervisor. He says, okay, I get hung up on. Supposed accidental hang-up. Second person I call. Explain it. This time it's a woman. She claims to understand everything. She says, I'm going to look at all the notes in your account. I sat and sat and sat like 15 minutes. Now, she, I wasn't on like a music hold. Like she could hear me the whole time. Like I'd, she'd even come back. Sir, are you still there? I'd say, yes. I'm still reading the notes, sir. Okay. 15 minutes later, just cuts me again. And, then, and I'd even asked her to call me back if I get cut before she didn't call me back. So now I've already wasted like, I don't know, more than half an hour on this. Call back again. There's also hold time every time. Call number three. I get a guy who's completely clueless, keeps saying, this sounds like a BOGO to me. This sounds like a BOGO to me. Do you know what he means by a BOGO? Bogus? That, oh, I, was, I was thinking at first, too. No, a BOGO, he's referring to buy, buy, one. buy one, get one. Right. So so I, I he didn't even explain that to me. He said, that's a BOGO. Sounds like a BOGO. Sounds like a BOGO to me. It, it, was, like, it was like speaking to Rain Man. Yeah, it's, it's an excellent BOGO. It's an excellent BOGO. Like, it was like, he just kept saying BOGO over and over to me, and finally I realized what he's talking about. And I go, no, 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 no. This is not a buy one, get one. This is just one phone. You know, I was, this is a trade-in. Yeah, it, it sounds like a BOGO to me. Like, I tried so many times to explain to him, sir, I'm trying to figure out what this promotion is, but it really sounds like a BOGO. I go, okay, you know what? Uh, uh, thank you, goodbye. And I just hung up on him. I knew he wasn't going to help me. Call back the fourth time, get the Philippines. Instantly got rid of them. I know they can't help us. You know, this is a complicated thing to fix. This is they can't do any for sure. Call back a fifth time. Philippines again. Hang up again. Call back sixth time. I decided this is gonna be last call. I mean, like I, I'm, I'm over an hour in at this point, and I get a woman named Lashana. Lashana is in. I actually called the retentions department. The you know, department. Atlanta, of, Georgia. Probably. I they they. they the retention department is the one that you know handles disconnections and stuff and tries to talk you into staying. So usually they put 
better employees there. Well, not this time. Lashana listened to me. At first she seemed okay. First she seemed to understand. Then she went and read my notes. And then she said to me, I see on September 30th you were advised that the promotion ended. And I said, no, 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 no. And I explained to her what I explained to you guys just now about the exception, about the 25th, about the 30th, about the manager, all that. I don't see anything in the notes about that, she tells me. All I see is you were advised on the 30th that promotion was over and that you can't get it. So she was basically, she just didn't want to help me. So I, I posed this question to her. I said, okay, let's say you're right. Let's say you're right here. Let's say the promotion was over and on the 30th I couldn't get it. You can always bring in a phone to AT&T to trade. You'll just get a crappy rate. They'll give you some crappy amount for it, but you, you can always bring in your phone as a trade-in, right? She said, yeah. I said, okay. So if I brought in my phone on the 30th and they did not give me this special promotion, it just gave me the normal lousy trade-in rate for it, why didn't I get any money for it? She says, because it was a trade-in. I go, no, 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 but why didn't I get any money in the trade-in? She says, because you traded it in. I go, no, 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 once again, let me try to make this simple. When you trade in your car, you bring in your old car, and the dealer says, okay, I'm going to take this much amount off the new car you're buying because you gave me your old one. They don't just take your old one and give you no money for it and then charge you full price of the new car. The point of a trade-in is you get money off the new phone. I am not getting money off this new iPhone 7. I'm paying full price right now. She says, you're not paying full price. I said, yes, I am. She says, no, you're not paying full price. It's split up over 36 installments. (laughs) I said, yes, and it's full price. Multiply by 36, it's full price. She says, well, that's what you got. I said, wait, you're telling me that I brought in my iPhone 6, which is still quite valuable, and I gave it to AT&T, for nothing, just so I can get the cost of the phone split up into 36 payments that's still full price? He said, yes. <laughs> and I said, not only would that make zero sense, no, but not, not only would nobody do that, but th- there's never been such a promotion in AT&T's history. AT&T has never had a promotion ever. Bring in your phone. We're going to just take it from you, and you're still going to pay new, full price of the new phone, but we'll just let you split it up into 36 months. They've never had that ever. You can't name one promotion they ever had like this. She says, so she kept repeating, it was a trade-in. The phone is AT&T's property now. I said, no, 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 no. Why didn't I get any money? Because it was a trade-in. She kept repeating that over and over. So we went through this over and over and over again, and she could not explain why I got zero for my phone. The only thing she could say is that I gave my whole iPhone 6 in just to be able to split up the, the payment in 36 months for the new phone. And she, could, she couldn't explain how I could have done that since no AT&T promotion or store has ever had that policy. So at this point, I wasn't sure if she was just trolling me. Whatever it was, I could tell she was saying things like intentionally to just get me angry. Like she was, I could tell she was like, almost having a good time watching me get upset about this. So I knew I wouldn't get anywhere with her. So I, I decided to do the only thing that made sense to someone who was enjoying screwing with me during this call. To screw with her back. So I said, so you're, se- you're telling me that I brought in my phone and you guys just took it and, and didn't give it back to me and didn't give me any money for it and made me pay full price of the new phone, so you basically just stole my iPhone 6? She said, I didn't say that. I said, well, but you're telling me that they just took it and I'm still paying full price in the next one. She said, yes. I said, 
Okay, well, this uh, for everybody watching this video, you just heard what Lashana said, and uh, you know this is being very interesting. Uh, what what uh, I, I want to see in the comments what you guys all think of this that AT&T is straight up stealing my iPhone 6 and Lashana is totally fine with that. And, and so she says, what are you doing? I said, I said, this is a YouTube video. I, this is on YouTube for my 500,000 subscribers. And you're going to be famous. So she got very upset at that point. And at first she like went quiet but didn't hang up. And I pretended to be commentating. I'm like, yes, yeah, everybody, I, th- this is what at and has been doing. Like, they have these reps that take pleasure in other people's suffering. You could tell this the way she is. She was so happy telling me that they took my phone and I got nothing. And, and, that, and she actually said with glee how, how I'm entitled to nothing further. All the charges are valid. That, that they just took my phone for nothing. That, that I get the privilege of paying uh, you know, over 36 months, and that's why they get my iPhone 6. And, and she won't answer any questions. She won't, she won't tell me why AT&T's never had a promotion like this ever, and, and how, how can she be claiming that's what I got if it never existed? She won't answer these questions because she's taking pleasure in watching me get mad. These are the type of people they hire. Lashana's one of them. And, and all 500,000 of you, you're hearing this right now. So she was getting really nervous. That made it sound really authentic, like I was talking to the audience. So she didn't hang up. She kind of just sat there quiet. And I was saying, Lashana, are you there? Lashana, you, gonna, you have any comment? I know you're here. You're listening. You have any comment here for the listeners? She says, I didn't say they took your phone. I said, well, yes, you did. So, like, she was she was trying to, like, defend herself for the YouTube video. <laughs> and I was telling her about the Comcast video that went out you know, a while ago where the guy was trying to cancel service and they wouldn't let him and how he got fired. And I said, she's going to be the, you know, she's going to, that'll be her fate, too. And she was getting real nervous. And all of a sudden, the person who was taking so much pleasure in, in basically laughing at me for my phone being taken. Because she was purposely being difficult. Purposely being difficult. And I think the reason was um, she didn't know how to answer it and didn't like that I wasn't accepting whatever BS she was throwing at me. Because that's what happens with these reps is they, they, if they don't know the answer, they guess at one. And then if you don't accept it and demand the real answer and they don't have it, they get very upset because they don't want to put in the, the massive effort that requires, that's required sometimes to figure out some of these more complicated situations. So they more often they, than not, they don't even know themselves. That's what I'm saying. They don't know, yeah. and and so so the choice at that point is to lie to you and hope you accept it, or or have to really do a lot of research and a lot of work, which they, they're too lazy to do, and they actually get insulted that you don't accept their lie. Is the funny thing. So that's what happens. Like Lashana got mad that I didn't accept her BS story, and then at that point, uh, strongly disliked me and just was kind of trolling me by by telling me all the charges are valid and that that you know I gave in my phone and my I get the privilege of a 36 month. Uh, and to show you, she didn't really believe what she was saying. I said, well, there's never been a promotion like this ever in AT&T. You can't tell me one. And she couldn't tell me one. So she knew she wasn't telling the truth. But uh, anyway, I wasn't really recording it. And it, was, it wasn't on YouTube. And I don't have 500,000 subscribers. I wish I did, but I don't. But uh, um, I do this. Whenever reps get ob- intentionally obnoxious with me, I do that now with a YouTube story. Because I, I want them to go sweat. I want them to go home and sweat this. It's not going to have any real consequences on them, but, but they're trying to screw with me. I want to make them go home and be nervous that they're going to be like the next viral video and look foolish. Because they, a lot of them, they get this complex, like, they, like they've got the power, like they can screw with you. Like they can make your life miserable because they have the power there at the moment in the situation. So by doing this, you take the power away from them and, and make it backfire to where they, you know, them abusing their position is now in the spotlight where, where the world can see. 
and then they're afraid they're going to lose their job and look foolish. And you know, imagine you abuse a customer and then it gets put up on YouTube and millions of people watch it. And, and especially if your name got out, I mean, you would be uh, devastated. So I, I've done this to a few reps at companies over the years that have pulled this crap on me where they, I, I mean, I, I'm telling you from this call, the tone of voice she was using and the, uh, the nonsensical explanation she's given me. She, uh, she just wanted to tell me anything and shut me up. And, uh, when I, when I wasn't buying it, then she was, you know, ha- having fun watching me get upset over it. So I could actually hear like the smile in her voice as she's telling me these things. So, uh, she wasn't smiling by the end. I can tell you that she was, she, she, w- I went on with this YouTube thing for a long time and she kind of just hung on the line and had like a very nervous tone of voice and kept interrupting me trying to argue for the YouTube viewers. And then going silent again. Like you could tell she didn't know what to do. So, anyway. You guys listening, I suggest you pull that too. There's nothing illegal about it either. You're, 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 even if you're in a state where you're not allowed to record uh, a conversation without permission, which I think you probably can anyway because they're usually put at the beginning that they record for quality purposes. So if they're recording, you can record too. But even putting that aside, you can make up that you're recording something and not actually be doing it. It's perfectly legal to say you're recording it and then actually not be doing it. Or say that you recorded it without the permission and not actually have done so. So, um, it's a good thing to combat reps because the truth is, if they were acting reasonable, they have nothing to fear of being up on YouTube. It's only if they were being intentionally difficult with you. And that's why she got so nervous because she knew she was trolling me. She knew she was screwing with me. And she knew that if people heard the call, that... Everyone else would know that too. So anyway, bottom line is this is not solved. The bottom line is they've still got my phone and I got zero for it and they are completely denying that that I should get anything further. So basically they have my iPhone 6 and I paid full price for the iPhone 7 and that's it and I got zero. So it's not over. I'm going into the store itself that I got the phone and they said that they'll talk to me about it and if I can convince them they, they'll go to bat for me. So... It's not completely over, but for the moment, but as far as like the customer care phone number, I, I've just basically been shut down. I've basically been told, F you, uh, you're getting nothing. We keep your phone, no phone for you. But you can imagine they actually stole my iPhone 6. That's, that's really what happened here. It's, it's one thing if they, if they claim they're honoring a different deal than I thought I was getting, which is still cheating me because of what was promised, but here, I got zero for it. So... This has been a very sobering experience. I've never had it where customer care at AT&T shuts me down this badly and just is that unreasonable and digs their heels in. It was a combination of just incompetence, where the, like that BOGO guy, and, and, and like arrogance and nastiness that they, they just don't feel like figuring it out, like, like Lashana. So oh, another funny thing was I asked her to give me her information so I can report her. She said, all I can give you is my first name is Lashana. I said, can you tell me what office you're in? No. Can you tell me your last name? No. Can you tell me your ID number? No. I said, okay, spell your last, spell your name for me. Spell Lashana for me. She said, I don't have to do that. <laughs> I said, well, wait a minute. If you, if you have to, if you are required to give out your first name, you should, you are required to spell it. She says, no, I'm not. I, I don't have to do that for security reasons. I said, wait a minute, but a lot of people have very common names. So you're saying that a woman named Jennifer gets less security there than someone named Lashana? Because Jennifer, I could obviously spell. So how come I get to spell her name and not yours? So I, I claim that was part of the video too. So anyway, 
Uh, I'm frustrated. I'm very frustrated. I mean, the, fa- the fact that they are actually trying to justify just stealing my phone is just outrageous. Because no, no matter what deal they claim I got, they can't claim I just gave it to them for free. <laughs> There's just no such mechanism to do that there. You couldn't even do that if you wanted to. You couldn't walk into an AT&T store and say, hey, I'm giving you my iPhone 6 for free as a trade-in. They'd say, no, that's not how we do it. I mean, you can you can dispose of it there. You can say, throw away my iPhone 6, but you, that, that wouldn't be a trade-in. You'd just be giving it to, to throw away. So, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, let's see here. I want to talk about um, losing teams in the postseason. We may have talked about this before, but Brandon, you still here? Brandon. Uh oh. I'm here. Oh, you're here. I decided okay. to mute. Oh, yeah, to mute. It's kind of like Trader Risky. Yeah. Well, I just, I'm getting a drink. I'm walking around. I don't want to, you know, I don't want sound effects in the background. Okay. But I'm here. So, I so, uh, the whole story. And I think they're all fucking criminals, but unfortunately, you know, they have the, the equivalent of a drug that we need. So, what do you, what do we, what do you do? Well, yeah, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, though. I I will actually sue them in small claims court. If if this doesn't get resolved, I'm not going to sue them right now. I'm going to go to the manager of the store I bought it at and see if they help me. And then if they they don't, I'll go to the district manager. But if if ultimately I run into a wall, I will actually take this to small claims court. I'm not going to let them just steal my iPhone 6, which is what they did. So um, anyway, the... So uh, what, what, what... what is the status now? The status is they, the status is as of right now they've stolen my iPhone six and there's no status. I have to go into the. the but I mean, the, there's not like a manager or somebody that's working on investigating. No, no, they won't. They they Lashana and everybody either just hung up on me, quote accidentally, or was really clueless about it and you know didn't know what was going on, or told me that this is valid, this is correct. I I just gave them my phone basically is what they're telling me. And 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 I, I, of course I request a call from a manager and nobody ever calls me. So, of course not. So so I've got to I've got to. Well, if you do actually take the dime, which would be the pain in the ass, to sue them in small claims court, you will eventually you know they'll just settle with you. I mean, well I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the store. I'm going to the physical store where I bought it, and they, the manager there said that they will look into it with me. They said they can't do it until I physically go down there. But that when I physically go down there, they, they they will assist me in looking into this. But they didn't promise anything. They're saying like we've got to see documentation of this, and so it's gonna be it. It may be a fight. It may be a big fight. And uh, um, but, but I'm what, sure you have it in you. What's what's outrageous though is that I I can't see the justification. How how can they claim they took my iPhone six and gave me nothing when that's never been a policy of the company? How can they? What what, what do they claim happened to it? I mean, like it makes well, no I know, sense. Right, I know. Because I did it myself recently, and I had another friend that did it. That there's a preset price right. for trading values, and I know the. I have an iPhone 6s, and I got when I traded my phone, and I got 225 dollars for it, and that was just a predetermined price. I mean, you can go online. This was actually well, you know what? I shouldn't say that. That this was at an Apple store, so I'm sure it's different. Even though I do have AT and T. But I know there's predetermined prices. Right. So, right. so, so the this fact is, you got nothing, that's that, – I don't understand. That should be the smoking gun proof that something's screwed up, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I, was supposed to, and I was supposed to get much better than 225 I was supposed to get everything but $100 off the new phone. That was a special promotion they had in September. 
but right. but but they can't claim that I was just getting the regular two hundred twenty five dollars or whatever because I didn't get that either. So I, I they, at the store they're admitting like the, 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 at the store when I called them they said well we can't discuss you over the phone but I said well do you admit that if I got zero for it I was something went wrong and that my story's probably correct they said yeah we admit that that does look really funny that shouldn't have happened so that that's the one piece of ammo I have is that I got absolutely nothing for it. And that they right. they can't explain that. So that that's that I'm going to hammer very hard, and that's what I'm going to hammer in court too. If I have to take them to court, but I will take I'll take them to small claims. If they do this crap. So so, so anyway, the the uh, I want to talk about losing teams in in, in the playoffs. Um, oh, hold on, before you do that, let's take a phone call. I think it's from Alaska. Caller, you're on the air. Yo, drop. What's going on? So who is this? Uh, yo, this is the Eskimo. The Eskimo, okay. Are you really in Alaska? I am, sir. 907 represents. Yeah, I think I've talked to you before on, on text, right? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. So so what, what are you calling What are Drexel's uh, feelings on this uh, Mark Klang situation? Did, did he ring in on that earlier? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, hey, what's up, Alaska? Good good, uh, good evening to you. What, uh, actually, up, what, part of, what part of Alaska are you in? Anchorage. Oh, right on. What what is the temperature uh, right now? It warmed up for to like uh, like twenty six, twenty eight today. It was like negative ten a week ago, something like that. That's wow. so. so was, I'm actually probably in a colder place than you are right now. <laughs> really? Where are you at, Drew? Well, it's a secret location, but it's it's uh, it's pretty cold. It's supposed to be minus two tonight where I am. Yeah, no, that's cold. Anything <laughs> below zero, you know, it, it chills your bones. I mean, I've never been anywhere negative in my life. I've been maybe in the teens before, maybe like eight or nine degrees, but I don't even remember. To go from a difference of like, say, 20 degrees to like negative two, I mean, is how could you even describe it? Is it that much noticeable? Well, I, I it... can tell you because I've been out. It, it depends if there's wind or not, and it depends how long you're out there. Uh, I was actually unfortunate enough to be in Mammoth, which is in California, for those of you that don't know. It's a mountain town in California. For the coldest week, the, the coldest temperature on record there. It was it was in the late 80s. I think it was in 88. But I was there for the very, very coldest temperature on record, which was minus 23. And that was brutally cold in that the, the worst was we went to dinner that night. And I, I, I was a teenager then. I was with my family. But we went to dinner that night. The restaurant could not keep it heated enough. The restaurant, ha- um, the heat was not sufficient, so the restaurant was freezing. And they actually had to bring in space heaters to make it a little bit better, but it still wasn't enough. So the restaurant, you're like eating, and it's like 55 degrees in the restaurant, even with space heaters. Then after we were done... The walk just from the restaurant to the parking lot to the car, it was unbelievably cold because it was like the low was minus twenty three that night. It was probably like minus fifteen when we walked to the car. Wait, where was this at? This was in Mammoth. Oh, okay. The coldest temperature ever in Mammoth. We, we were there for it. So we and it was windy. So it was like minus fifteen and windy. That was like the coldest I've ever felt. But I will say, I have been colder than that because I've been. In weather that wasn't quite as cold, but I was out for much longer, like skiing in a long day where it's where it's you know, five degrees and windy, and you're out there for that for a few hours. That really gets you even worse. The cold, what I found, builds up on you uh, much more than heat does. Like the like cold, you walk out into something really cold, and it's it's actually tolerable for a short period of time, 
but but for a long period of time or even a semi long period of time it can really get to you and and like today you know today I actually went out skiing and uh it was probably between 15 and 20 degrees most of the time I was skiing no wind but between 15 and 20 which at the beginning you know being dressed warmly was okay but by the end I was kind of shivering just because of out all those hours and that it kind of just got to me so um, I, I'm sure, you know, the, yeah. our caller in Alaska here, I'm sure, is very familiar with that. I, I don't usually live in these type of temperatures. But, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, when it's when it's cold, like, you know, zero to five degrees, you can hear it when you step. But it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a high-pitched cracking when you step on the snow. And right. when it gets below zero, you can kind of feel the cold in your nose and your, your, your nostrils just, like, freezing up the uh, the moisture in there. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm out. I'm in. I live in a part of Vegas called Summerlin, which is about 18, 20 miles west of the Strip. And a lot of people don't realize this part of the valley. Uh, it's at a much higher elevation than most of Clark County is. Definitely, the Strip is. So it tends to be five, six. You know, sometimes even as much as eight degrees cooler because of the elevation oh, here. I, I didn't know that. Than, yeah, than it is in the strip. So, I think I saw that the low tonight on the in the strip was going to be about thirty five, thirty six degrees. Right where I'm at right now, it's twenty eight degrees in my you know, outside my home. So, which is very very cold for you know for Las Vegas. It's you know might even get down to about twenty five, twenty six around three four a.m. Um, so yeah, it, it, it I'm near the mountains. I mean, Summerlin is not too far from. You know, Mount uh, the Red Rock Mountains, and it's just much higher elevation. Sometimes when I'm driving home, my ears will even pop as I'm coming home because I'm, I'm you know, getting up there and, and you know, elevation. Um, but secondly, caller to Eskimo to answer your question, I didn't really give my opinion too much on Mark Klang, uh, but my opinion is quite parallel, you know, to what others are. That I, I it's absolutely ridiculous that he would put himself in that position and, you know, gambling those kind of stakes in somebody's home. I a hundred percent feels if, and I don't know any of these parties. I've never met Mark. I don't I've seen John Raisner and during the world series and other places, but I've never talked to him. We don't have any mutual friends. Uh, but my belief nonetheless is they were absolutely free rolling this kid in the sense that they never expected to really pay him. You know, they probably never expected him to ever win, but if they did, you know, they would come up with some sort of answer. They just kind of looked at it like it was free money, and they were going to keep just going to the well as much as they could. It's kind of just sad, you know, that, that, that you know, and at the same time, it, it's interesting to get that kind of insight in terms, I mean, as sick and as degenerate as it is, I'm not going to lie, you know, the story itself is pretty captivating, hearing, you know, just that kind of inside information. When, when he described the setting at the house, you know, with, with, the McAllen, the 18-year-old McAllen, and the high-end vodka. It reminded That's like me. Like my God, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you that. But it kind of reminded me of that late 90s movie, The Boiler Room, with Giovanni Ribisi yeah, and uh, Ben Affleck, where Giovanni Ribisi dealt that blackjack game in his basement. Yeah, house. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> and he had those translucent green visors going. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right, right, right. And they were copying drinks, and 
you know, food and, you know, and it just, it's, it's still, it's interesting. I'm not going to lie just to get that kind of insight into shit that goes on like that. Um, you know, and I think, I think it was Druff that said it earlier that they never thought this kid would win, you know, to that extent. And then when it finally got that high until they could regroup and all talk, they had to cut him off cause they couldn't let it get higher. Um, you know, but it, it it's, it's, it's a very bizarre story. And I also commented that, you know, I, I noticed on social media, on certain forums, that that kid Mark was taking a lot of heat for his statement that came out. But at the same time, the same people that are giving him heat, and I myself admitted I would, I would do the same thing that he did, would 100% snap, put out a statement like that once they had funds in their possession. And I, would, I don't think this kid Mark makes the best decisions, obviously, but I would assume – and I think you guys would too. For him to make that statement, he probably had the funds already secured. Yeah, would you guys I, I agree. I, yes, yes, I, 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 I believe that's happened. It's, it's even possible that he made that like they showed up somewhere and gave it to him, and he typed it out, you know, while they were all together or something. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Maybe that's what happened. But he said he'll come on next week, probably, so we we can ask him these questions. But. Yeah, for sure, Reisner pays for that. Stuff. But but yeah, obviously I mean, he said he got paid, so so there's you know, there's no question that I mean, you'd have to be stupid to not think that this was some sort of condition to get. Well, money. listen, you know, it's very very sad, it's very pathetic, but it really shouldn't be a surprise because I can't even tell you both how many times, you know, in in various forms of gambling over the years that I've seen people make wagers or bets or book bets, whatever it may be, that they couldn't even possibly pay. And, you know, they're basically gambling that they're not going to lose because if they do, they get put in a situation like this kid Zima. Uh, I don't know him. I've heard, you know, other descriptions of him that he's like, you know, the two plus two moral police and this and that. But I can almost assure you that with that kind of reputation – you know, for him to go to these lengths. And then there are some other things I, I kind of heard about other issues he wouldn't pay, like the Brian Hastings bet. You know, uh, you know they made some bet about something and he wouldn't pay because of the, the multi-accounting, even though the bet had nothing to do with that. But anyway, I digress. That I don't think he has the money to pay him. I Or, or maybe if he did have the money to pay what he owed him, it'd be a significant portion of his net worth that's my and i don't know him i know nothing about yeah him. i I, just... I, th- I think that was uh the case with a lot of them here or it was something where nobody had so much money to where they could do this and, and not feel it and it, even i mean what... right i mean certain poker players do well you know i mean that a very small percentage but you know i can almost assure you this john Raisner guy who again i don't know i've never met never talked to I mean, it's not as if he's got a couple hundred thousand just lying around that he can just hand out and it's not going to affect him in any manner. That's just not realistic. It isn't. It isn't. Especially you know, since it's, have, been, it's been six and have, a half years huh? since he had that. It's been six and a half years since that main event finish. He had to pay all the taxes, you know, that he was. And, and, and we don't even know, most likely, probably didn't even have all of himself. Yeah, that's that true. Probably had 50%, yeah. maybe 30% with swaps. He's played in a lot of big buy-in tournaments. I mean, like most cases – in which we've seen, you know, the money is probably gone. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that's, that's how I see. It. And then I think they met, they underestimated this kid. They didn't think that, you know, he would go on this media, you know, circus and that it would make the news. And then all these, all this talk of, 
you know, getting law enforcement involved and, and making even escalating it further, it kind of forced their hand. Yeah, that's that's what I think happened. And I, th- I think that they didn't they didn't just suddenly become do gooders that realize <laughs> the error in their ways. I mean, they, their hand was forced. Yeah, that's that's. What, and, and as you said, it was a captivating story. So that's part of the reason it, of course uh, it, was. it took up. It took off so much is that there were so many interesting things about it. And it also involved a main event runner up. Well, from- I mean, listen, they're talking about, you know, two, three, four in the afternoon. They're driving around to houses, you know, with drugs and booze and gambling. And I mean, it, it, it's it's a crazy story. It's almost like a Hollywood script. It really is. You know, something else I want you know? I, I I never got to talk about with this, but uh, I, I should mention. And we've mentioned I've mentioned him twice on this show already, more in positive senses. But here, here's one negative thing I have to say about him and a few <laughs> others. Doug Polk and a few others refused to have Mark Klang on their show. Um, it wasn't just him. A few others like uh, said they didn't want to be quote associated mm. with it. Was it Chicago Johnny or Joey? One of those? Yeah, I think he was, and I think, but but at least I'll give Chicago Joey credit. At least he sent him over to this show. Chicago Joey said, "Go go to Poker Fraud Alert." <laughs> but but and uh, didn't seriously serious have something to do with it? Well, uh, maybe seriously seriously serious works for Doug Polk. And he did admit on this forum that he advised him against it, but he wasn't the only one advising him against it. I think he was one of a few voices. But but for some reason, they felt that this wasn't a good story to touch. I, I don't understand why. Like, a, a, There were accusations that Doug Polk's trying to pr- protect people he's friends with, but I, I'm not really seeing evidence. Well, I read of- some allegations that they were saying that Reisner had some ties to the Albanian mob. Is it possible these guys were scared? Maybe. I, I don't know. Because I, I thought it's so weird. Like, wh- why wouldn't you want to have someone on there with an interesting story like this? It's not even – I mean, it was the biggest poker story of, of the month, of the year so far. Yeah, it is. So that's why, I, that's why I couldn't understand why they were passing on this. And uh, it's odd. I, I don't know why it, they you – know, I had an interesting question. I, I, I listened to part of your interview, not live, but later taped, and I didn't hear this question asked. Did he ever mention an exact figure of what his biggest bet was? So I, yes. I was just curious how yes. he it, ran it, it up it was, that it, high. He just kept doing, like, like uh, I think the biggest bet was 10K, and then he had to double it a few times. It was never more than 10K other than doubles and splits. Wow, that's a hell of a run. But it doesn't I mean, add up. If, if, if we think of, if you take the huge numbers out of this, think if think uh, when you were like a low, lower living better, and you were playing five. Well, no, that's what I'm thinking. That's the equivalent of of betting only five dollars at the most and turning it into you know being up two hundred fifty bucks or ten dollars of the both and turn, or yeah yeah or ten dollars turning to five hundred yeah yeah. But that's, that's but I mean, I've that's... done that before. I I I remember I lost. $500 playing $5 blackjack when I was much younger and I was devastated by it. I was going, oh my God, I lost $500. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. So, yeah, but have you ever actually turned just betting? I mean, you say that, but betting only $5 units, never pressing, never betting 10 or 15. Yes, I, or... I, 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 from the negative way, I was ne- not betting more than five other than doubles and splits and went and lost $500. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it's very interesting and. I do think if you can scoop him and have him come on before he starts giving, you know, his version of what's occurred over the last week or five days, whatever, to other sites, it would, it would you know, be an well, incredible. I, we almost got him tonight, but he just—he said he's, because he's talking to the other parties still, they haven't paid him. He said he doesn't want to complicate it further, and, uh, and so he has to—he has to wait. But he does seem. And has, and has the Zima kid given any sort of public acknowledgement no. or comment at all? No. 
In fact, none of them did. No, no, even with this Raisner and uh, and Zaki thing, yeah, he just made a statement about them, but they nobody's commented, <laughs> nobody's answered to it, which I think is one of the most damning parts of the whole story. Who's the other kid you mentioned? Zaki? Who just, is just, that? Justin Zaki? Who is? Uh, I don't know who that is. He, he was he was also one of the featured pros at the Hard Rock over there, and they they both apparently lost their jobs at the Hard Rock over this. What is he? Was he like some tournament player or something? Yeah. I mean, I've never even heard of I him. I hadn't really heard of him either. But uh, oh, okay. But that's. Uh, but those are the two who he said were stand-up guys, you know, who paid him. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to sound so repetitive because I know you probably discussed this. I just missed that part of it. I remember hearing about the alleged bullshit claim that they were investigating some cheating. But was it ever said what their allegations were? Yeah, like, it was. It was a weak allegation that that he had provided that he was wearing some. He had some kind of device on the cell phone. Or, or a, some app on the cell phone that can read certain uh, markings on certain special cards that that uh, you know you, you like point the cell phone at something it sees a little uh, with a camera it sees a little uh, marking on the card and 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 uh, and can tell you what the card is but the problem is number one you'd have to be pointing your cell phone all over the place he was he just had his cell phone sitting there on the table that, pl- pl- playing that, playing ye- yayo even... over and over. Does that even exist? That technology? So, so it, I guess it does. And they they claim the stalling at first. They're claiming they were ordering the device to see how it works. But the ridiculous thing was that he the cards that he ordered from Amazon for this never ended up being used because they they were really really crappy cards. So they decided not to use them. And and one of the other guys there used his own cards. So it wasn't even like he brought his own cards to the game. And and so it, it was. They didn't have a coherent story to the whole thing. They kept changing it. They when he would rebut what they'd claim, they would they just wouldn't really budge. Well, because that's just obviously the obvious way for them to justify not paying him. But yeah. yeah, it's bullshit. So, so that's that's what was going. That's what he claims that they were saying, and that he couldn't get he couldn't even get an answer nailed down of exactly specifically how was he cheating, especially if they provided the cards, and how could he use a cell phone to cheat if it was mainly sitting on the table playing yayo over and over. Right. And lastly, did he give any inclination how much he was down lifetime in this venture playing with these guys and, and just blackjack alone? He, he said he wasn't or... down much in that, but he had been betting sports with this uh, Zima guy and uh, and had lost like, I think he said like $200,000 over time with him. Wow. He must be a pretty high paid uh, controller to make that <laughs> yeah. kind of money. I mean, they, you know, Jesus. Well, he claims it was over time, but yeah. Like, so anyway, I, I'd ask that too. Like, like, had he lost? You know, what had he lost with them before? But, uh, and I guess he didn't really get much into this. I, 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 he either was, or they perceived him to be the the fish of the of the poker game there too. So, right. So that's why he claimed that the other players were getting pissed because like he was taken out of the game, and then they, the live one was lost. So you know, it's funny. I would have thought something like this, you know, in Vegas or. Maybe L.A. I just wouldn't picture Tampa of all. You know what I mean? It just does. I didn't know it had that big of a thriving, degenerate. You know. You know what I mean? I don't know. It just seems kind of odd that Tampa is where this took place. Okay. Yeah. You know, I've got. A, it's getting later than I expected. Let me let me quickly okay. finish this off, and then I gotta go. Sure. Um, about losing sports teams here. Um, I, the Denver Nuggets. I looked at the standings today. Are a four nineteen team. They've they've won fewer than forty two percent of their games. They are currently in eighth seed for the playoffs. And this is not like in the first 20 games of the, of the season where you're going to have things like that. We're more than halfway through the season. So 
I, I think they'll probably have, I think the eighth seed will probably have a better record than that in the West, but, but you know, it probably will be a pretty bad record because it's just. But so- also in all fairness, this is the first time, at least in the Western conference, that something like this has occurred. There, there have been teams the last few years that have had close to, you know, 48, 47 wins that haven't made the playoffs. Well, that's because they're, they're starting to be more and more of a situation in the NBA with uh, the haves and have-nots. There's, there's much less parity. Right. But but the point, the thing is I don't like, I don't like any team making the playoffs that has a losing record. I think in any sport, if your team has lost more than they've won, then, in fact, I even think a 500 team shouldn't be in the play. I think you need a winning record to be in the playoffs. And I think the way it should be, that this isn't going to ever happen, but I feel you know, the the way it really should be is that, like, if the eighth seed has a losing record, they should just not make the playoffs, and then the one seed who would have been playing them just gets a buy for that and gets to skip it. Well, in all fairness, the only sport you're really talking about is basketball. Well, no, if hockey's like that, too, except they... Well, you know, right, because it's the same amount of teams. But, well, I was talking the, the, the three main... I mean, in, in football, I don't... Maybe it's happened once or twice where a division winner has had a 500 record. Maybe. I don't even know. I doubt it's ever happened in baseball, at least not in my lifetime. But it's the come, whole problem is the Seahawks made it with like a 7-9 and nine a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. Then, you know, <laughs> it's, it's probably at most a handful of times. But the problem is too many teams make the playoffs, and that's always been the case in, in both basketball and in hockey. Uh, you know, where you're going to have teams that are under 500 just because a third of the entire league advances. Yeah, and, and I, I never liked that. It, 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 uh, now, at least in basketball, it's unlikely for an eighth seed to be able to advance very far because just the skill difference between teams, there's much less well, variance in results there like it is in baseball. It's ironic that you said that because, you know, the first eight seed to knock off a one seed was in basketball. Or was it the uh, Den- New York? The, there was the Denver Nuggets. Oh, the Denver Nuggets, okay. Against the Seattle Supersonics. Do you remember that vintage pose of the Kembe Mutombo clutching that ball as they became the first eight seed? Anyhow, yeah, Denver Nuggets were, were the first eight seed. Then the second time it ever happened was a few years later in the late 90s when those John Stark – yeah, Pat New York Riley Knicks, led uh, New York Knicks that's, that's knocked what, off the was, Miami that's, Heat. That's what I was guessing first of the New York Knicks, but yeah, yeah. But, but but no, I agree. It, it's it's very watered down, and but it's just so know, stupid. I, like, why even have a regular season if you're going to have a a team with a losing record making the playoffs? Then why? <laughs> so you can lose during the regular season and make the playoffs. I even feel in baseball, if they want to have the current system, I, I know I know that they're married to the current system where a whole lot of teams make the playoffs. So this way, it's more exciting down the stretch of the season uh, and there's a lot more teams in the playoff race I know that's never going away but I, I would like to see at least that if they're going to have this some kind of also buy system if there's not some sort of minimum number of wins achieved I even think in baseball because there's so many games I think it, I would say it should even go farther than just above 500 uh, I, I would say that you know there should be some sort of minimum threshold like if you don't win uh, you know, 89 games, 88 games, then you don't, uh, uh, you don't make the playoffs. It just, there's been too many mediocre teams that, that make the playoffs in baseball too, that, that are not much over 500. And in baseball, unlike the other sports, you, if you get hot at that time, you can run all the way through. That's how the San Francisco Giants won in 2014 with a team that wasn't very good. Well, the thing about baseball is, and you know, we've talked about this. I don't like the one game playoff. 
And I do 100%, of course, to your point. But at the same time, the problem that baseball was having before they expanded and did what they did was so many teams, at, at, at even a, a quarter way through the season, had nothing to play for. That it became apparent so early on that it was a lost season. And how do you get fans in the seats, which is what it all comes down to anyhow, whether it's basketball or baseball, we're talking about, you know, these teams making the playoffs. It's all about money. It's all about, you know, the pretense of hope and at least having something to, to root for. But if you're a team, you know, if you're a major league baseball team and it's not even it's not even May or June yet, and you know your team has no chance whatsoever to be in the playoffs, do you still go to their games? Do you still watch on TV? And that's what they wanted to eliminate. To, to keep teams in it longer. Well, and that's why I understand. That's why I'm saying that if they, it could be a hybrid of what they have currently and where there right. is still some kind of minimum threshold or if you don't finish with a record at least this good, and because that won't be known until the, near the very end anyway. Uh, it's, so it's not like a team that's a, a little above 500 is not going to say in June, oh, I'm never going to win 90 games. I'm never going to win 89 games. Or, you know, we, they can easily win that. So that's a, they're not going to know that until the very end that they're not going right, to get there. But from the same time, you don't think it's been exciting the last few years that a week, even you know, a day or two days before the final game of the season, there's still three or four teams that are potentially in it? You don't think it, that's well, good but that, for the that sport? Can, that can still happen. The only times it will be out of it is the ones that are like like – you know, 87 game, 86 game winners. That, and and look, I I still, you still have some excitement. I just, it bothers me when I see teams. In fact, even as a big Dodgers fan, I would be irritated if the Dodgers won 87 games and 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 this that's the World Series they finally win since '88. Uh, you know, after almost a 30 year drought, if they play in 2017 and win 87 games and then win the win the World Series, it, honestly, it'd be kind of cheap to me. Whereas if the if if it's a pretty good world uh, regular season team it doesn't have to be the very best one but but you know they win 94 games 93 games something like that and uh, and then win the world series and it feels fine because they're enough over 500 to where uh, it, it it feels like it, it, it's a legitimate championship team even if it didn't have right. the very best record i just hate these teams that you're uh, that aren't that much over 500 and uh and and still do it and and the because in baseball there's just it's you can just get hot at the right time and, and win, and that that helps with some excitement. I do like that factor in that. In basketball, the playoffs for the most part are pretty predictable until you get to near the end, because it's very unusual for the number one and two seeds losing in the early rounds. Usually, uh, there's, there's only a few teams that you think realistically have a chance to make the finals. Like right now in the basketball season, you know, you can look and, and, and see who you think is realistic. There aren't that many teams in each league, even with the many teams having very good records. It, it, it's, uh, um, the, I mean, I, I, you know, I really thought maybe there'd be a little bit of drop off, drop off with the Spurs with Duncan retiring. Although not as, I mean, not that he was, you know, he was basically a shell of himself the yeah, last few years, but just... you know, Parker's a year older, you know, Ginobili's on the way out. But as it seems right now, it looks like it's going to be a, a matchup between San Antonio and uh, and Golden State again. Yeah. Then Golden State, <laughs> and the only team that I I think could even give Cleveland a run for their money in the Eastern Conference once again is Toronto. Yep, that's what I was saying. It looks like four teams again. That's what, right. <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking too. It looks like two teams in the East, two teams in the I West. I mean, could I see someone like 
you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jesus, Russell Westbrook willing a team, you know, maybe into the second round and, and, and pushing it. Yeah, absolutely. If he gets hot. And by the way, he's having one of the greatest individual seasons ever in any sport. And it's an absolute travesty that he's not even going to start in the All-Star yeah, I was, game. Yeah, I was a, pretty shocked by that. Was what pretty, a joke. That, he is averaging a fucking triple-double. That's something we've ne- you and I have never seen in our lifetime, and we may never see again. And he doesn't even start in, in the All-Star game. I mean, it, it, that's to me, that's just laughable. It is. Don't you agree? It is, yeah. It, I, I was very surprised to see that. Yeah. Well, But, you know, I think in general, basketball in itself – I mean, think about how many upsets there's really been. I mean, you know, those Bulls teams, they were always there when they had Jordan. You had that run, you know, and then you had those Laker teams. So it's never really been a league where teams kind of that you don't see making a run do. It's very rare, you know, just in terms of upsets. So, you know, you're probably right. We're going to see probably Cleveland and, and, and Golden State once again, or maybe, you know, Cleveland is struggling with injuries and not they're not playing great now. Uh, you know, maybe Toronto. I, I, I don't. I just think at the end they're going to get their act together. And I think Cleveland's like a team that plays its best when they have to win. You know, they, they, they're just. I mean, have, have you been watching them lately? Yeah. They, in fact, uh, it seems like LeBron James teams always seem to be like that, where they. Yeah. They 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 have these times where they're just not very good for short periods, and then uh, and they're kind of inconsistent, and then then when then they pick up. Right. So that definitely happened last year. Yeah. But I mean, so what, 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 I mean, that's not, you know, I understand what you're saying, but from a financial standpoint, which is what all this is based on, the owners are never going to want less games or less teams because that's less revenue. So realistically, what would be a solution? Like maybe a buy system? Yeah, I was saying like a buy system that, uh, that, uh, that at least throws out the bottom teams that, Really don't so maybe have like six six teams make it, and then the first two, you know, the first two teams in each conference or, or, or get a buy, or, or or even not to put a hard limit on the six teams, make it a, up to eight, but but have a, a certain minimum standard of the record they have to finish with, or yeah. they don't make the playoffs. So that's that's what, especially when it has to be a winning record. I, I hate seeing losing record teams in the playoffs. It just feels wrong. So anyway, I, I I've got to end this here because. Uh, it's it's getting late and I've got to uh, get there before the end of the gaming day. So anyway, people, we will be back uh, in in a regular location next week, and I'll try to get Brandon up and running with his show. Though this is like old times here. We we he was uh, yeah. a l- large part of this show, and it was unexpected too. So first we have Calwatt out with a sore throat. And then Brandon shows up, which is both were unexpected. I thought this would be like a Cal Watch show with no Brandon tonight. You never know what happens here on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. And thank you, Trader Ruski, for your appearance here. I know he's gone now, but thank you. Uh, is little Alaska guy still here? Yes, sir. Now, there you are, Alaska guy well, still uh, here. Uh, yes. Is Brianna there? Can I say goodnight to Brianna? <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, we do have Brianna or Darlene, if you want to call her. Uh, Brianna... A.K.A. Darlene. Uh, is there anything? What was that? What was that? Okay. Brianna, is there anything you'd like to say? Yeah. I... 
Brianna. Sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. I don't know what the problem is. He's putting all these funny voices on, and then I just want to say goodbye to everybody. This is my like debut on radio, and this this idiot running the controls can't get anything right. Yeah, he wonders why the show has all these technical difficulties. He's been doing this for five years. Five years. <laughs> Can you believe it? Five years. He can't get the damn thing right. And, and Brianna. Hopefully by next week you'll be giving out hand jobs at uh, at the, the strip club at the. Uh, oh my god! Logan. If I win amateur night, that'll be like my greatest accomplishment in my life. <laughs> all right, people. Glad you all probably enjoyed the voice changer, and we will be back next week on well eight days from now. It'll be actually February. We'll be back. We'll be back on February first, first day of February around seven thirty p.m. And whenever Brandon show is next, then you can look for that too. We will announce it. Check the Poker yep. Fraudler Twitter, and that's all for tonight. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.